Hello there. What are you doing out in this storm? Please, please, come in. You shouldn't be out in this weather, especially not tonight. Where are my manners? My name is Dexter de la Paz. You are more than welcome to stay here with me while you wait for that, what was it, a tow truck? Can I offer you a cup of coffee? Maybe something stronger? Either way, you need to come inside. The veil is thin tonight. There's much out there that should not be. You'll be safe in here, however. You hear that? They can't get past my wards, however. Perhaps you'd like to just settle in and pass the time with some stories? Tell me, have you heard the tale of the Spooktacular? that I have for you. Uh, first of all, how do you know that you are the Antichrist? How dare you? They tell your kids they gotta love Justin Biebler, and then Biebler says, hand in your guns, pass the Cybersecurity Act, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the police state's good, and then, and then your children are turned into mindless vassals who, who now, they, they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or, or looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up to, uh, to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan's a lot cooler than Justin Bieber. He circumnavigated with one ship the entire planet. See, you're still obviously bitter about people's rejection of your ideas. No, you absolutely not. What I am is frustrated at watching uh, Orwell's 1984 unfold in front of our eyes by the day while people focus on who shot Phil Mitchell. This is, this is atrocious. <laughs> and on Halloween, but you come in late, Ace, and you're not I wearing can't. a costume. Look, look, I was told it was going to be a completely different party. So It's a Halloween. Was... It's yeah, the yeah. day of Halloween. We're here, and you're right. actually the first person to show up, and you were late. So yes, this is, yeah. which yeah. is really very, which ties in very well to what we'll be talking about, too. Oh, so. wow. boy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's already huckstering. Yeah, He's already yeah. Huckstering. trying to deflect. Oh man! Yeah, car, so Carr hits up the de everybody. Aaron is doing the. You know how this works. Aaron is doing the door, mm -hmm. giving out the candy to the kids. Yep. Yes, he is giving out Delta Eight gummies. Liability. Yes, sometimes Delta Nine. Yes, sometimes LSD. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Happy Halloween, Jesus! This is off to a roaring start, Carr. Off to a roaring start. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited though. I'm are very you excited? Oh yeah, are you? Yeah, big time. We're back yeah. again. We're yeah, doing we are. it again. One more time. We're doing we're it back. again, and we're even less prepared than we ever were. So we're really gonna fly <laughs> to by believe. the seat of our Hard pants. To here. What's this costume you're wearing? I am right now. I'm dressed like a panda. 
I'm, you couldn't tell. Yeah, no, I could. It looks great. It's a great costume. Thanks. <clears throat> so I, I would, I peeked uh, into your door a couple times in the last week, just watching you working on it with the duct tape there, and yeah, uh, made out of know. real fur. Mm. I'm a big panda respecter. I really mm. respect Are you? that. Mm. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, you know they're not endangered anymore. Not oh, that's true. In yeah, China. we we should. That's right. Yeah. So if you you know any hunters out there, go and uh, kill some pandas. That's true. Go do yeah. it. Go kill some yeah. pandas. You know, Aaron didn't uh, give Aaron gave me something at the door, but he didn't give me any like Delta Eight or Delta Nine. So I'm I'm I don't know what the field was. What are those gushers? What did he give you? Uh, I I don't think I can say on the show. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> he gave you me a big fuck you at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, man! It is off to a roar and start. Happy. Halloween to everybody. Um, we'll probably say that a couple more times because, of course, behind the scenes, this has taken place over the past year. You know, we prepare car. We prepare this episode for a year. Yeah, we Listeners don't, should be very thankful. We, we don't, don't do this the week before. No, we don't cram for Same the exam. We, we learn the material uh, mm-hmm. and then we're That's able to right. navigate. <clears throat> we, we have done a lot over uh, this uh, year. As far as changing the format of the show goes, yes, we you know listeners in the past will know we did more of a more of a uh, uh, sit down and chat style show. Now we do the news, and 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 really we don't get that many guests on anymore, which is something I think in the new year as that comes we'll 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 start doing more of that again. But this is the opportunity, really, to get as many guests as we can. Those new listeners, if you've never listened to a spooktacular before, it's where we really go all out. Um, and uh, we have a good time. Ace, you are the first to arrive, as I said, though late oh, and without a my, costume. My really pleasure. unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Really unfortunate. Yeah, well, um, he, like you could say it is a costume, but I was Aaron told me something that oh yeah, it'll be fine. Just wear what I don't want to spoil the costume right now, but you know, uh, I because I'm kind of embarrassed now because Aaron kind of like uh, you know, um, big he's a real here. spoils for it. Yeah, yeah, he's he, a spoils uh, for. It. We shouldn't really let him handle our RSVPs either, Car. Yeah. We shouldn't have, let him handle it. We shouldn't have let him into the studio you know, in the first place. But. This is my <laughs> first true. Halloween. This is my first Halloween party in an actual crack house. So this yeah. is actually an eventful. This That's right. That's life. true. This is every day for us, bro. Yeah. Every single day. <laughs> well, Ace, let's get right into it. We have you on because uh, there are many an evening uh, mm-hmm. where you and I have stayed up to, yes. as you do, as you yes. do, uh, stayed up until three four in the morning sometimes mm-hmm. and we've chatted about the nature of the universe uh man's purpose and so on and so forth yeah just and, the gay uh, shit the, yeah yeah the stuff the boys do yeah stuff the boys do don't don't belittle it all right oh it's, no no i i'm no gay i meant gay in like the, the greek sense, gay like in the, the cool, cool way yeah gay in the loving your bros kind of way that's right yeah great exactly. yeah well i like that i like that a lot um and and so one of our major topics we always hit on is something to this day I still think is fake and don't understand, <laughs> which is quantum mechanics. Yeah. Uh, which you like very much, and you talk about all the time, mm-hmm. and and some parts of it do be getting a little bit spooky, Ace. Yes, uh, they do. Really, sometimes <laughs> at those three thirty four a.m. conversations, I'm sitting there going, "Is my brain really in my head?" <laughs> or is it split apart in multiple different dimensions where yeah. I all look the same and still run this fucking podcast, but uh, maybe we don't have Aaron. And now my question is, how do we get to those universes? Because I think Carr and I could use that at some point. Right. 
Yeah. Um, so the Earth is a line, but it's multiple intersecting lines. That's hey, relax. All right. The, <laughs> listen, we can't change the listen. The song, the song is what it is. Okay. We okay. can't change that now. <laughs> it's infinitely expanding. Yes. In two directions. It doesn't. That's, right. that's right. it. Yeah. All right. You, you heard it. the song. Right. But if you, you heard the it, song, Ace. I know. You heard the song. Topic, you heard the song. Yeah, I heard the song. <laughs> You heard the song. Don't fuck yes. with it. All right. Okay. Don't blow my mind. Like yes. That. Uh, t- please enter us into this conversation. We want to okay. talk about quantum mechanics and specifically some spooky things. Yes. So I think you know, for quantum mechanics, you always is for any, everything. You have to start like the very base, right? So when we're talking about quantum mechanics, we're talking about like subatomic particles. So like you're talking about like uh, photons and electrons uh, fundamentally. Um, so what what's weird about quantum mechanics, and I guess we can just kind of jump into it, and this is probably, uh, so quantum mechanics became popularized in the early 1900s, 1920s uh, by like um, um, Niels Bohr or Ring Schrodinger. Yeah, the German, the German. Good people. You know. uh, yeah, good, so very good people. Cars in. Car locked in. Yeah. So it, it, it leads to these really interesting questions about the nature of reality, such as, so um, for example, there's this famous experiment. It's probably one of the most famous physics experiments ever done, which is known as the double slit experiment. And to just like intro people into this. Um, so you, you take a project, you take a projector on the back wall, right? And this is a screen that records uh, photons or electrons hitting it. Right. And then on the other side of the room, you have like, a, we'll call it a photon gun that shoots out these photons. Okay. So usually when people think of like the building blocks of reality or the building blocks of the universe, you usually think of them as little grains, like little specks of matter, just like, you know, attached together in some way uh, through like atoms and stuff. Um, but uh, the double slit experiment essentially shows that that's not true. That it's, it's a very counterintuitive thing for most people. So what the double slit experiment does is that, okay, so you have the photon pro, uh, gun on the other side of the room, and then you have um, a barrier in between the projector on the other end that reads the data that gets shot through and the gun. And in, the, in between the wall, there's two slits, right? So usually if you're, sh- so if you're shooting a bunch of photons through there, right, like little tiny light particles, you would expect that the, um, on the projector screen in the back, you would see two like bands representing going through the two slits, right? In a very right. like determined path. Um, but what they realized was that when they were shooting these particles through, it created what's known as an interference pattern. So you had a bunch of strong bands in the middle and then weaker bands off to the sides uh, on both sides, left and right sides. And that didn't make sense because obviously why are, why is your, why are you getting an interference pattern when there's only two slits they could go through only two possible options, right? Um, so the reason for that is because what's actually happening, uh, according to like what we know about it is that, uh, a, a, what we would call like a photon, what we would think of as like a photon particle is actually a wave. And essentially they got to a point where they were shooting one at a time through because they were just curious as to why, uh, this was happening, why this like effect was happening. It was so different from what they thought would happen. So when they were shooting it through, um, at, even at one at a time, they were still noticing the interference pattern would eventually pop up over time. Even oh, it after would build, shooting. it would build up. After, it would build after up while. even going one uh-huh. at a time through the slit, and it made no sense why. And yeah. the answer for that is uh, because the photon is actually not a particle; it's a wave. So when they're shooting it through, it's going through both slits simultaneously, and it's interacting with each other. This is already very troubling. So you, are you <laughs> saying that, that light doesn't go in a straight line? No, well, it's not that it doesn't go in a straight line. It does go in a straight line, but 
Yeah. It's Oof. it's a <laughs> right car. I'm, I'm getting a little angry here. <laughs> <laughs> and you can... get riled up. <laughs> so the line stays intact. Line theory is still intact. Okay, okay? it's oh. fine. But well, who knows what will happen later? Hey. But so far, it's intact. <laughs> It just oh. it just cuts there. Ten minute episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. All right, guys, I'll go get him out. Get him out of here. I'm All right, next. Who's up? Yeah. <laughs> Eric, get him out of here. Right. <laughs> just a bouncer pulls me out. Unbelievable. Of the seat. Yeah. So so it's it's are you say it's a line built over time? Uh, well, so no, it's a line in the sense that it it still follows a linear path. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But. It goes through it when it hits the slit, the two slits. It breaks off and goes through both simultaneously and like splits between itself. And that's why two lines. Yes. Yeah, so it, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it, it it's a line, but it like splits and then it reforms essentially. I don't know it, what that says about our theory, Car. Okay. I don't know if we, we'd have to count for double lined Earth. Yeah. <laughs> right. The confusion right. is adding to my anger. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, anyway, like so. What this means, though, is like, so if you drop like a rock in a pond, right, and you create a wave, if you were to put mm-hmm. the two slits in the wave, you would get the two, you would get two waves on the other side once both of them went through the slit at the same time, right? The so wave, would, the wave goes through the slit and then more waves come out at the other end of the that's slit. That's right. And you get peaks easy, and troughs. Easy experiment to test, yes. basically. Yes, yeah. very easy. Bathtub. We have a bathtub. We don't use it to bathe. Oh, yeah, obviously. we could do that. Yeah. yeah, we could, yeah. So, like, let's say we just, after. like, dropped air in a pool, and we would see uh-huh. the wave that it created, and then we From could like test it From, like, 100 feet up? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Perhaps out yeah, of the helicopter. Yeah, I think we need at least 200 feet, probably. Yeah. Climb up another story, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. We can just test it. It's for science. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so it interacts with each other, and that's what gives you the interference pattern, and that's how they deduce that it was a wave and not a particle. Um, so that that already is strange enough, right? Um, yeah, it's really fucking with my idea of how this podcast has to pr- present itself. Right, yeah. right. We are not, uh, as you know, time wave Earth. Yeah, but yeah. right, right. That's well, our it, next rebrand. It's a minor <laughs> rebrand to conform <laughs> with the laws to... discovered by quantum mechanics, yeah. as Neil Bohr's has directed. Us. Yes, that's right. <laughs> So fucking hell it yeah, only pissed. gets weirder from here that's that like works. the basic intro so to... <laughs> yeah can yeah. i say like the, yeah. at least at least aaron and pause aren't here aaron would have gone code red by the number of <laughs> yeah, the times you've said slit uh oh yeah. right <laughs> and uh, as you know pause just wouldn't even have any of this i mean right yeah, pause yeah. is already like stop with this this is not yeah, the... <laughs> stop <laughs> right uh, so um, this is pause a terrible is a start to well Halloween known, episode. well frustrated. science disrespecter is pause <laughs> right that's <laughs> correct um uh, so how so, does it get spooky because right now i'm pissed Ace. Now okay. i'm just pissed so eventually what they did so there's this thing called entanglement and this is kind of where it really gets really freaky um and get this into is where, a relationship with a okay go ahead yeah yeah you know it, it happens a lot but you know it's still freaky um so anyway this is actually so this theory of entanglement is when um you essentially you split two particles you split two photons and they will be entangled in some sense and what that means is that uh, affecting the property of one particle will instantaneously affect the property of the other particle that was split even across space. So even uh, you could point, you could put a connected particle by like a line of some kind, maybe or a wave of some kind or Fuck a line. Off. 
or, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh. or a line theoretically but um this is what einstein called spooky action at a distance he did not like this einstein was pissed smart man uh, yeah yeah like, much <laughs> like us we are yeah. as you know we are the einsteins of it's, podcasting it's yes. a good thing that's that right. I, I i dressed as albert einstein for this, this that story. is very good oh yeah. that's yeah. what that is yeah okay, yeah good. with the hair Great. yeah so um, essentially, um, Einstein did not like this because his theory of relativity says that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. And this would seem to at least conflict with that in the sense that entangled photons um, or electrons can actually be affected by one another um, from across space and time. Like all the way, if you put a photon all the way on one side of the universe and the other one all the way on the, his entangled pair on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, affecting one would affect the other simultaneously. With Two photons on the other yep. each side of the crack house, and yep. Aaron walks in and says something, and then says yes. the n word, and both yeah. photons are affected. Yeah. So um, this also, you know, so this is Einstein hated this, um, and Einstein hated a lot about quantum mechanics, and uh, it, it, given the way quantum mechanics evolved, it didn't, did not turn out well for um, Einstein's theories, unfortunately. But um, Einstein ripped. Car, take that costume off. Yeah. Niels Bohr. <laughs> yeah, Niels, yeah, Niels Bohr. Bohr. Niels Bohr and Einstein had a very famous conversation where um, Einstein said that quantum mechanics was uh, essentially bullshit because God does not play dice with the universe. And then Hell Bohr's yeah. And then Bohr's <laughs> well, reply. Einstein, the team Einstein. <laughs> and then Bohr's reply, he said, you don't get to tell God what he does with his dice. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Team That's kind of Chad. That's kind of yes. Chad. <laughs> yeah, kind of Chad. The only so, cool conversation between two scientists. Right. <laughs> that's the real spooky part, part of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's Scientists right. at one time had a cool conversation. <laughs> right. That's real, that's, that's real entanglement right there. Right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yes. So the weird thing about the wave, and I forgot to actually mention this earlier. So the wave is what's known as a superposition it's in reality it's what's known as like a wave of probability so um this is like the what's known as the heisenberg uncertainty principle which is that when we're in measuring something when we're measuring the um uh the actual particle when we're trying to find the particle um oh actually i completely forgot to mention this this is where it really gets weird actually um, oh, wait okay all right it okay let me let me go back a little weird. bit yeah let me go back okay. a little bit because i position. yeah position pre let's us. let's pre-position ourselves let's retroactively yeah. go back in time yep. um so uh when when we're doing the double slit experiment right the uh, the um like the experimenters were really like just going crazy about like why they were getting such different results um because they're because they thought they were shooting particles and it turns out they were shooting waves so they're like okay let's let's do this where we turn on a, essentially a, um, a projector not projector but like um uh, a measuring device which we can think of it like in terms of like a camera kind of right so it's a it's a microscopic camera type thing and they're going to try to measure this at particle as it passes through the slit and see what happens mm -hmm. well you know as i said before how like it uh, it's a wave and it passes through both at the same time and hits it as an interference pattern uh or uh on on the back screen right and that's how they yeah. know it's a wave well when they turned the camera on, it went through like a particle. And there were only two lines on the back screen when their cameras were on. Uh, yeah, that's where it always loses me. You, when yeah. you're looking at it and it changes if you're look that You heard that pause, the stupidest, <laughs> the two we're dumbest cut, people on We're going to cut that out, right? <laughs> I think we might, actually, I might extend that pause. <laughs> yeah. I may extend the pause just to really let, like lay in on it. That right. I was I'm always stupefied by this. Do they know why yes. this is? No. So their oh, theory boy. is so what happens is there's a decoherence effect 
right? Which is the decoherence effect is when the when the wave collapses into a single point of existence. So they know how they they understand like the mechanics of like what happens, but they don't know why it works or how it works. Um, so when it when it interferes with something, science, like, everybody, yeah, when the way, yeah, no, for real, that is really <laughs> what know. science is. Um, <laughs> when you when the wave gets detected it so the wave is like a it's a superposition of probability so like there's no way to accurately determine where the particle will be once it collapses it's impossible to know it's a probability it's not a deterministic like knowable thing prior to the measurement god knows um, yeah <laughs> right god well knows. yeah god knows. okay yes god knows that's right G-man. Um, right right represent uh so the the really weird part yeah, yeah superposition so it, it's like it means it's like in a, in the same it's in i wrote it down places. because i'm so dumb i'm actually for the first time ever i'm using the zencaster footnote channel uh-huh. to write the things you say down because okay. here's the deal i have two slits in my head and yeah. a says you talk <laughs> right <laughs> there's an interference pattern that yes. develops and i just get confused and he collapses so. into himself <laughs> that's right I, yeah, yeah. Correct. Many times on this episode already, I've collapsed right. into myself. Yeah. Now I'm looking well, to superposition myself yeah. into a place of knowledge. So please help me okay. get there. Yeah. So superposition essentially just means that it inside the wave, uh, the wave is registering all possible places the electron could be at one time. Right. So in some sense, you could think of it as the electron is existing in all spots at the same time without existing because it's just a probability at this point. Um, but not until it gets measured does the waveform collapse into a decoherence effect, which uh, um, essentially creates this single point of matter, which we all think of as matter, like little bits of particles. So when the cameras were turned on in this experiment, or the measuring devices were turned on, uh, it collapsed the particle, it collapsed the waveform into a particle, and then they started acting like how they, everyone thought they should act originally. Um, when they turned is, it off, this is okay. Go when ahead. they turned it off. It went back to being a wave. How do they know? Well, I, that's not even an important part of it. It's the matter of the measurement device is collapsing it into a, a particle. Yes. That, that, so that is the theory, is that the measuring device in some sense, for whatever reason, is collapsing it into a particle. Because but the, the measuring device takes the measurement in the form of particles. Is that- well... Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's one, so yeah, so there's no real, like, one theory as to why it happens. There's a, just a bunch of different, like, dispersed Until theories. Until after this why. episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're we're uh, going to crack that code. That's we'll right. Pro- that's we'll right. provide the dumbest theory possible. And it'll, and it'll be <laughs> yeah. correct. Right. Yeah. So basically, before this podcast ever aired, it was wave, no, time wave Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then every episode we put out becomes time line Earth. Because people that's are right. looking at it. That's because right. Because they're looking at it, they're taking it in, media consumption, yes. so on and so forth. So yeah. we will know when we lose our last listener because it will just <laughs> we'll then it'll just be the potentiality. Wave. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We'll, we'll go, be go pure... back to time wave yeah. earth and then that's we'll, right. we'll just call again. it quits. You know yeah, what? That's, right. that's a good idea. Let's try and lose all of our listeners <laughs> so that we can revert to waveform. Heisenberg <laughs> experiment. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. All right. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a great idea for the podcast. Hey, get the fuck out now. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're you're out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, I, what um, I don't understand yeah. is this is spooky, but not in the traditional sense of spooky. No. It's just weird to understand the way yeah. that the universe is built. Is di- it's kind of like how the Earth is flat, but it doesn't affect my day. Yeah. 
it's, it's really the implications of this is kind of spooky. Oh, well, we know all about that. Right, yeah. Yeah. We know all about that. There's a moose mindset thing going on here. So the implications are what? Uh, so the implications of this would be, you know, and there's different models. So there's, I'll get into like like many world series like in a little bit, but um, uh, one of the theories is that like, so considering that all matter is based upon quantum particles, like quantum particle or quantum waves, the wave uh, form is essentially the building block of particles, right? So right. if it's that base underlying layer, but if everything is a wave at first and doesn't come into existence until it is first measured or encountered by something else that causes it to collapse, then essentially it does not exist until it causes that collapse, which essentially means that that the very building blocks of reality are not as deterministic as someone like Newton might thought might have thought. I, so when past. you say exist, you yeah. mean in, in, in physical an in a matter sense. in a material reality. Yes. Is it so? Th this is where I do get lost. Genuinely, if you don't measure something, the contention then is it's not material. Well, the, okay, so. In, in a macro sense, like in a macro worldview, we all we, we can we have pretty good assumptions that things are just there when we're not looking at them, right? And that's generally right. true. But in a microscopic scale, that is not that that you're that is incorrect. Um, there's very good evidence in, in like uh, quantum theory to say that no, uh, the the particle does not exist until you measure it, until you measure the wave. It does not it actually exist in any material sense until the probability produces it doesn't fits affect one out. any measured thing until it exists because that's what I would wonder what exists means. Yeah, ex by exists I mean in a material mat in a material reality, right? Because the waveform is something that exists more in a um how would i say it's it's more of like a probability it's like a potential that it could exist in a material reality timeline earth has an audience yes but if if until we actually talk to one of the listeners we don't know whether or not the audience is composed of any listeners who exist right exactly yeah Car, does so, that make any fucking sense to you, or are we kicking this guy out of the window now? <laughs> Seriously, I'm, this is... Yeah. Well, I, there is one thing, though. So, um, I did want to go into, like, Schrodinger's cat, uh, um, like, thought experiment here, because that's, like, probably the most famous thought experiment of, of like, quantum mechanics. Um, so, right, let's say uh, we stick air in a in Yeah, a the box, guy tortured right? a cat, right. Okay, Right, yeah, let's say fine. we stick air in a box, let's Put say. Put air okay. in a box, right. We, and, um... So we don't know if Aaron is saying the or N word or not, right? Yeah. So we put we, Aaron we, in a bag, we, but we do. But we, but do. yeah, but yeah you, we do. You, know, you have pretty true. good assumption. In a way, we do. So, Essentially, we do. <laughs> so you put Aaron in a bag, and then yeah. you know you don't know if he's saying the N word or not, right? In a quantum right. mechanical sense, and yeah. uh, Schrodinger's cat essentially says that well. Aaron is simultaneously saying the N-word and not saying the N-word at, at the same time. And you don't know if he's saying the N-word until you open the bag to find out. So he could potentially be saying either. Yes. And until we hear him say the N-word, we don't know. He's existing in a state of superposition between both possibilities Super N. He's super yes, N. That's right. The super Man, N I'm position. really glad he's not on this. The super he, N position. He's stopping us every two seconds. <laughs> with this going right. really amazing oh guys i was saying it off base yeah I got <laughs> so the idea then is the unmeasured thing yeah can be said to be occupying all possible positions of what it of the way uh, does of what it does uh, yeah i guess because aaron uh, is 
not a, a wave particle. <laughs> well, you, we don't yeah. know that. That's true. Yeah, that is true. But yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, you don't know because it's not measured yet. It's not actually real in a material sense in the way that we view like matter. Do you think that you could get out of being canceled in culture by just simply saying, well, I, I wasn't saying it until you were listening? Right, exactly. It's actually your fault. It's, it's actually fault. the person. That's yeah, I existed in a superposition. That's uh, I was saying it, and I was not saying it. Yeah, th- and yeah. You that's simply listened, and that's and brilliant. Reported. Yeah, that's a brilliant well, card. Yeah, this there is you the go. concept of the of of the thought crime, really. Mm. Yeah. Right. Is is yeah. you could be saying the n word or not, and your existence as a certain type of person would say. Well, you might as well be saying it at all times because mm-hmm. you you right. exist as so the wave particle mm-hmm. uh, becomes uh, a point when measured. That's right. Yes, uh, and then someone like Aaron uh, is always potentially saying the n word. That's right. And a so lot you of could say even when you've never heard him say it, you could say he's saying it right now. Right, because the potential there is always there for him to I'm say. I'm trying to think about how we can use this to crush our opponents. Right, yeah. And, right. See what we can do with this. Yeah, do with this, yeah, in a in a maybe a sociological sense. Right. Um, That'd be cool. People down. Hell what yeah. are the what can we do with this stuff, Ace? What what is what are the quantum mecha- mechanicalists what do they do? What like do they just is this all they do? Do they have rhetorical battles or I, does yeah, this well, they, come into terms in some sort of technology? Well, it does come into terms in technology in the sense that, well, they do have rhetorical battles, of course, but uh, a lot of it actually does apply to technology. So um, not specific. So there are things where they're discovering ways to actually, um, uh, in, in terms of entanglement, right? This is also something very interesting where they're trying to essentially use entanglement to increase encryption. Uh, um, so um, I, I won't get into like the super, super technical details of encryption, but essentially if they were able to make it work, it would make it so like if you had a key and you had an encrypted key, right? And you one person on one side of an entangled, like uh, entangled bits that you could say uh, uh, did one thing to the property, it would instantly transform all the way on the other side of the world instantaneously. And it would be unique to that person, right? So this is a way to strengthen yeah. what is already there with encryption. I know that's a terrible encryption exp- explanation, um, but uh, that's a, but essentially but you said the magic word encryption, which means I'm excited about it. OK, yeah, there you go. Yeah, because what they're trying to do actually is that they're trying to beat the other scientists who are trying to create quantum computers because quantum computers could potentially destroy encryption. Uh, so they're trying to create quantum uh-huh. encryption to combat the quantum computers. <laughs> right. Yeah. OK, well, now here's the now are those scientists creating the encryption destroying computers? Violating yes, they are. The nap. Are oh, violating the nap. Is that's a question. good question. Now go that's, and quote tweet that for that's, <laughs> four that's or right. five days. Yeah. Maybe a little more. That's yeah. a little yeah. You know, maybe more sometimes. Wear it out. Yeah, I'll just you know <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to think about this, and then I'll have to go back and quote tweet my own quote tweet and say actually, and then yeah. another. Long have you thread. ever considered? Have you ever considered doing that, Ace? Just having a quote tweet argument with yourself. <laughs> actually, actually, that would be really shark, funny. Right? That's really that when would, you jump the shark. That's <laughs> that would be really funny, actually. <laughs> I think you should consider that. I think that I, might be I think your I final will. moment. Is that if you ever wanted going? to blow up your account? Yeah. Is that what uh, is known as a quantum loop? Right. Right. There you go. Yeah. I like that. Interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. It's quantum tunneling. Quantum tunneling. Yeah. Hmm. 
Mm. Again, another thing Aaron would stop us at and say he was in the red. And, and right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Stuff. Oh, all right. Um, so I, I do. I forgot to mention something when we were talking about the uh, double slit experiment. When I was talking about like the uh, cameras, that because we can go back to something kind of weird here. So they thought that okay, we don't understand like why the projector is like uh, transforming these waves into particles again. This just makes no sense. So they're like, okay, let's try to trick it. So what they did is instead of putting the the um, ex, um, the measuring device before they go through the slit, they're like, okay, what if we put the measuring device after they go through the slit? Because by that definite, because you know, by then it would have already gone through as a wave. Do you know what I mean? It would have already gone through as a wave, and you should see the pattern. You should get uh-huh. the um, uh, refraction or the diffraction pattern on the back screen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, uh, so it, they shoot through the they shoot the photon through. And knowing what we know about quantum mechanics, it should go through as a wave, right? Everything we've seen so far tells us it would go through as a wave. But even even with that being said, went through as a when donut? the cameras turned on, when the cameras uh, turned on, after it went through the slit, it turned back into a particle. Oh fuck that! Yes, <laughs> just silly. Yeah. This is <laughs> it, yeah. I know it's it's <laughs> no no it didn't. Yeah no right that's just the <laughs> yeah no, no that that's powerful right that you is know? extremely Not powerful. True. He's like, no, I didn't. No, unbelievable. <laughs> so, so this is how we get magic and teleportation, and right? right. Is this this is where we're going with this? Where we finally I, sell our souls to Satan and move forward and technology. Get a Las Vegas show. Um, yeah, exactly. Hey, not a bad. You know, there what? you go. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. So you know, this whole idea of like you know having a line Earth. Think of just having a line Earth just expanding infinitely in every direction. Well, mm. that violates the precepts of the lyrics of the song, so I don't know Which two directions. But but here, okay. But when you think about direction, right? You have to think about what if you folded direction on top of itself, like a like folding paper, and then you could kind of morph the line into a bunch of different directions, even though it wouldn't change the fundamental nature of the line. Well, we wouldn't do that. Okay, that's right. I certainly wouldn't do it because what no. you just said sounds like something I have to go to hell for. You know? <laughs> Sounds sounds very sinful, right? Ironic, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for but real. I, I like so. what you're doing. I like that you're trying like that. I, I, I'd yeah. l- listen, Carr. We haven't considered is the fundamental value the directionality of the line or the line itself? It's just the line. It's the line. It's the line and the direction. It's the line. It's the line so quantity the versus quality. The line is the direction. Yeah. Yes, is what okay. you're saying. And there's two directions. And there's two directions. Right. So we've calculated the numerical value two. Or both, right? Is that how it works? One in one way. Well, and I think one they the imply each other, right? So you they, have to. They just, certainly you have a line. do, as in the yeah. form of a line. That's right. Yep. So as long as we maintain the directionality of the line, we are within the precepts of the song's lyrics, and therefore, what keeps this podcast together? I feel like you're leading me into a trap. I don't know what I'm. I don't know where I'm going. I'm a um, scientist. All right. I'm just experimenting. So I'm asking questions. This all sounds very like crazy, but I do want to mention that there is a Demonic. real world. There is a real world experiment. Many real world experiments you can do right now that will show the weirdness of this. So if you take some sunglasses or just some polarized lenses, um, for example, and Bird, I showed you this a long time ago and kind of freaked you out. Um, That's true. It, if you take polarized lenses, right, and you take them, so like let's say you just put them in front of a light source or something. And you take the polarized lens and you then you take a second polarized lens and you turn it like 90 degrees on itself. It should block out like almost all the light completely, right? Um, but 
what happens if, if you take another polarized lens because polarized lenses just act as like photon blockers right that's essentially like their their job that's, that's what that's car what calls born, them Every that's what they're born he to gets do in his photon car and he puts them on his eyes he goes i'm gonna get my photon blockers yeah yep. right bird hand me the blockers yeah hand me the blockers <laughs> and i at first i didn't know what he meant and now i yeah. now i do know yep right it's just intuitive it just makes sense uh, but with, with the uh, um, with the photon blockers, uh, sometimes called uh, sunglasses, is you know the, the awesome, uh, bougie term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you take the sunglasses and you t- so and you turn one ninety degrees, it'll block out most of the light. You know, it, it will almost knock it through. But if you take a third polarized lens and you put it in between, it's going to be brighter, not darker. How does that make you feel, Car? Not good. He showed me it. He showed me this. Yeah. This is this happened before my very eyes. The photon, my photon uh, receptors. This is why the there are the car is meant to hold two people, two sets of photon blockers, and never a third set never of third. photon blockers. Never yeah. a third set. Never a third set. Things really went downhill when you got the third set. Mm. Yeah. 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 I see what I, I'm reading between the lines here, and I agree with Yays. Between <laughs> between the lines, car. Oh God! Oh. Now I'm all confused. Now I'm all. Oh, see? oh. This is demons! Oh. Right. The demons! Hey, she got to get out. I'm sorry, man. This okay. Is, this is blown our minds. This you is... know, I think we have every member of Slurp Gang coming on this episode. So oh, if you want to do some my apologies. Plugs, you can. Yeah, it's all yeah, right. Uh, we'll get through it. If okay. If you want to uh, do some plugs, you certainly can. But I imagine you're. Uh, yeah. You know who's coming up oh. next, actually? Your least favorite co-host. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. And he's actually oh. going to be talking about demons, uh, if which I, will be good. If I go to add one thing before I plug, uh, there was line. another experiment by Dean Radin. He's a great guy. Uh, 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 wonderful gentleman. Um, One uh, of my favorite he, uh, Mortal Kombat characters, so I'm right, back in. Right. Um, he, he showed in a, in a, in a study that... Uh, just conscious thought about the particle could collapse the wave function. And he got, he got a bunch of Buddhists there to essentially just think about the wave function. He just, <laughs> he showed them a, a diagram of it and they were actually able to uh, like <laughs> affect it. I'm not bullshitting you. You're Buddhist. They, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he just pulled him, kidnapped him in the car and <laughs> dragged him. Buddhist? Buddhist? Yes. No, no. Okay. Yeah, right. Buddhist? right. Yep. All right. Get in yeah. the Buddhist. Get in the fucking no, car. I'm Hindu. Ah, never oh, mind. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> get, the hell, damn it. get the hell out of the car. Yeah, you so Buddhist he shows that Muslim. Get out of here. No, <laughs> you can't use this. We can't use this. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, he showed that your conscious thought about it could actually collapse it itself. So it shows that it, it, the implication would be that perhaps your consciousness is something more than what you think it necessarily is. And material, it, even integrated into the or, universe. Or a substance of some kind. At least. A substance. Yeah. A substance. A substance. Of God. Of- of yes. God, Ace. Yes, of and God. in fact, many of the many of the uh, you know uh, founders of quantum mechanics thought that uh, consciousness was a fundamental substance of reality, like all um, practically Based. all of them did. Yeah. So but anyway, uh, uh, um, you can find me on Twitter at Ace underscore Arcus, and you should never, under any circumstances, listen to the SS Slurping. That's true. You yeah. should never do that. You should only Ace, listen to you. Timeline Earth. Yes. Right, thank correct. you so much. Uh, yes, and there's absolutely. one line going in two directions. Okay. Yes. There's none of this two lines between them stuff. You've confused my co-host. <laughs> You've uh, infected around, yeah. his mind. Now we're going to go and we're going to talk about demons and we're going to really figure this thing out. Uh, <laughs> the other side of the line, if you will. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> the underside Ooh. of the line. All Thanks right. so much, guys. Ooh. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Aaron gives me the Delta 8. I'm really Yeah, on really your way pissed. out. Yeah, yeah. All right. go get a costume, man. It's a holiday.
Yeah. Well, okay, awesome. this was supposed to be my costume, but Aaron lied to me. I'm really upset. I can't believe he would do this to me. Unbelievable. Yeah. Really. All right. All right. Get out. All right. Of here. Thanks, guys. Later. So you see, it all began innocently enough. Perhaps even as you were expecting it to. What else would a Timeline Earth Halloween look like than Aaron out there trying to give acid to children and Ace being the first person to show up, eagerly awaiting, and yet somehow still managing to be late? I think the real curveball was Bird in the Panda Fur, but how long will that even last anyways? Really, what they did not know at the time was the dark forces hiding in the holes of reality that Ace had seen fit to play with and to disturb. The consequences of his actions would be far more far-reaching than any of them at this costume party could possibly imagine. It's going. Oh, yeah. So, what I was telling you uh, before we came was that Victoria and I came here and ate sushi at this park here. Yeah. And when I, I saw that there was a graveyard over here, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Let's go check it out. Because when I was a kid, if you see a graveyard, you go look at it and read the gravestones. Yeah, absolutely. And she was not interested at all in coming over here. It creeped her out. But uh, I'll give go ahead and give the story of this since now we're recording. Is that this is called like the lost graveyard of infants, and so the the kind of the, the gist of the story is that this is uh, by U T Arlington, and uh, a, in the late 1800s, a guy started a a home for women who became pregnant out of wedlock, and at the time that was a big taboo, and he thought it would be a good idea to make sure that um, they could have marketable skills to uh, be able to raise these children. And so he would teach things like typesetting and uh, laundry washing and, and things like that, that uh, industrial laundry washing, which I guess is different than regular laundry washing, so that these women could get jobs. But also, at the time, uh, you did not always carry your birth to term or your, your baby to term because they would they would uh, be stillbirth a lot of times and so all of the stillborn babies and uh, early infant deaths would be buried here in this cemetery and um, people say that you may hear like children playing or like dark figures dashing between the oak trees here some of these oak trees are probably as old as this oh, place. yeah, yeah and, and if I can just uh, describe this is probably what would you say the size of the football field but condensed yeah. into a perfect square or a roughly perfect square it does have a very kind of creepy feeling to be honest uh there's like random headstones across the whole thing and i gotta say there's in the background there's a ut arlington campus trail with lighting it's lighting up half of the graveyard pretty good here but if it weren't for that man it would be it still is really creepy and we came out here on almost a full moon yeah. So this is a this is a really uh, creepy little spot, and and the way that they have it inconspicuously tucked into UTA campus is very bizarre. Yeah, and apparently people who go to to UTA don't actually know that this is here most of the time. Yeah, I, w I would imagine they wouldn't. It's yeah. very very inconspicuous. Yeah, because it's kind of off to the side. But I want to show you some of the graves, okay, which are pretty go. cool. Like, let's go over and look at, at some of these. It's so because these were mostly uh, infants that were being born, uh, and 
would die early, the graves are usually marked with numbers or just a description of who is buried there. So, like, they've got a couple of here, and let's see if we can find one. I know that there's one that's marked, that's like, uh, this one's, this one looks just not like it's... Well, it is marked. It's marked. It's marked on this side. Oh. In memory, in memory of Susie Singletary, my, what is that? I'm not sure what that says. I, I, something YRS matron in... There's a bunch of this chipped yeah, off. So this one says, it says 1915. 19, October 21st, 1915. Yeah, I know there's a couple of, uh, I don't know if we can find them because they're they're flat stones, but there's a couple, one of them says like, twins, number 45. Oh, and God, like, yeah. Uh, and then it's just like, baby, number f- number 62. Uh, no, that's an indent, just an indent. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a nightmare to traverse in the night. Hold on, let's just, yeah, let's just, we'll just march across and see if we can... See what this headstone says. Yeah, there's a couple uh, headstones just kind of scattered across the the. the yard. Oh, here's oh, here a flat stone. Here's a couple, couple flat stones. Oh, they're all the way down the okay, line so here. here. Yeah, this one actually. This one says Laura Mann. Laura May, I think. This one just says first name. James. Uh, James. Yep. Is that? Oh, there's one here too. There's uh, Martha. So a lot of these are just first names. Oh wow, yeah, jeez. Infant seventeen. Oh, that's so Infant fucking 17. creepy. Okay, let's let's talk about it because you guys sent me an assignment and I I, I did I think I did my homework on it and oh, shit. Uh, it's it's really all about saving yourselves from the Muslims or as the Southerners would call them, Yankees. Okay. Fucking Yankees. Is that real? Is that really what they would call them? (laughs) I think so, from my research. Well, you did the uh, research. What you did is you sent me uh, Al Makana, I think it is. That sounds right to me. So, yeah, uh, Carr, I sent Ball a specific assignment I I knew was just going to be great for him. Um, I wanted to talk about the Reconstruction South and all the weird stuff that happened, like, uh, in regards to your favorite topic, Carr, magic. Yes. Um, with a K, right? Ball, how do you spell it? M-A-G-I-C, and then um, Alistair Crowley added the K at the end. Is that <gasps> who did it? That's that who... why. Mm. That's, That's who, who did, did it, it Carr. That's okay. why you get so annoyed by it, because it's a Crowley thing. Yes, and you can huh. you can feel the Satanism coming off of him. You really, but really can. Crowley was, was kind of just like the guy who took all these writings and put them all in one place, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. in addition to being a child molester and everything else, people <laughs> like him because he he had some somewhat of a scholarly <laughs> input on on magic with a K. Yeah, that's why they like Hunter Biden. That's exactly child right. molester <laughs> scholar. Scholar, <laughs> dude. Stand up how, man. how many people can you think of to whom both of those labels apply? <laughs> Alarming. All of them, all the scholars. All, Look, I've become of kind of a Pol Pot supporter. Because Me too. <laughs> that's what we need. Dude, I was cooking dinner today. We need to line up the academics. I was cooking dinner today, and I swear to God, I get these random thoughts, and and one of them was, you know, Pol Pot might have been right. (laughs) Just just randomly. Just came out of the blue. Wild (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Number one Pol Pot supporting podcast. Right. Even the leftists don't want to have anything to do with Pol Pot, but I think that's a good thing, you know? (laughs) It kind of shames them if you're further left than they are. This is true. So let's let's go to Al Makana, right? <clears throat> and that is uh, a 
eighth century prophet, right? So this guy in the eighth century decided, I think he got injured and he had to wear this veil over his face. And he, he claimed that he was a prophet of God and that God told him to rebel against the Muslims. Okay. Because at the time he's in Iran, right? And they were being dominated by the caliphate run by Arabs. And if you know anything about Iran, you know that they, they have not gotten along well with Arabs for quite a while. Sure, and yeah. so, the, so the caliphate being run out of Iraq and Saudi Arabia and that area was kind of like, you know, just dominating and destroying. They had a civil war before Al-Makana stepped up and said, all right, enough is enough. And what he did was he kind of integrated the ideas of um, – the pre-Islamic world, Zoroastrianism, right, with a little bit of uh, the Islamic world, which they were uh, sort of under, which was uh, Shia Islam. Hmm. And so the combination was much closer to Sufism is what we have today. And the people were called, hold on a second, they were called Kuramites. K H U, yeah, R R A M I T E S. Kuramites. Mm. Now that means cheerful ones. That's cool. right. So they they decided to engage in a massive bloody war against Islam, <laughs> cheerfully and enough. they called cheerfully. themselves the cheerful ones. Yeah, the cheerfully. Yeah, because they. They believed in happiness and light. That's what they were all about. And Kuramites right. also believed in free sex, which makes sense. Huh. They would be the cheerful ones. Interesting. And the Islamic people would, you know, be more angry because, you know, yeah. they were getting Can't be sex having free sex. Right. So let's see here. Uh, the Kuramites uh, were successful for many campaigns, but eventually they kind of fell and. Uh, Sufi Islam kind of grew out of that. And Sufism is really interesting, but it doesn't really pertain to what you were asking me about, which hmm. was what was going on in Reconstruction South with these revival of Al-Makana. Well, I think I have a good reason for this, and it goes into the Freemasons. In 1870, the Freemasons in New York started the Shriners International, known as the Ancient Arabic Order of the Nobles of the Mystic Shrine. That's 1870, right? So they mm -hmm. started dressing up in Arabic robes and strutting around like Arabic uh, princes and, you know, doing all these sort of like, you know, surface-level Arabic things. Well, in 1878, a southern uh, general decided that he was going to put on the Al Makana Ball in St. Louis, Missouri. Free love, baby. Right. Now, you can see the symbolism here. He's going for, well, who, who fought against the Muslims and the Arabs? Well, it was Al Makana. So we should definitely go with that because fuck New York, fuck the Yankees. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, hey, all right. One specific part of New York. <laughs> Just take it easy. <laughs> so they would always whisper, except for Queens. Except for one small part of Queens. 
where the so amateur podcasters are. <laughs> they're still putting on the uh, Almacana Ball every year to this day in St. Louis. Okay. Which is pretty funny. And what they do for this ball is they uh, they have one random person selected to put on the veil, which Almacana means the veiled one or the one of the veil. And then that person is basically worshipped for a night at one of these balls. Hmm. And uh, I don't know how how seriously they take it, but I think it's funny that you know they would start this in complete uh, rebellion against the Northerners who were basically putting them under this, you know, kind of. And they're called the Order of the Mystic Veiled Prophets of the Enchanted Realm. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought was really weird about it is the the whole pageantry of it. And this is who who is doing this again? Well, it was a Southern general who started it in eighteen seventy or yeah eighteen seventy eight. Okay, right. So this, this is shortly after guy. the Civil War, and he's a Confederate guy, and I'm sure. In eight years, he probably heard about the Shriners and thought, well, how can I symbolically rebel against them while also raising money because they're bleeding us dry down here? Yeah, and and now what, like, what is in the, they're worshipping the guy. Like, you, you, you read about they, they kiss the guy. Well, the Masons have always been kind of weird. And I think in some ways the, the idea was that, well, they do strange rituals anyway. That's not... That's not even to become a Mason. You have to have somebody hold a knife to your throat while you're blindfolded. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of metal. <laughs> is, yeah. is that kind of metal? Yeah. What is So what? They'll cut your throat or if you, what's if you the... reveal the secrets, you, you'll, oh. you'll die. That's what they tell. Okay. Now everybody knows the secrets because it's been revealed. Over yeah. Time. About a million times. But I think the idea there is that, the measure of a man in Freemasonry is who can keep their word. So I think that's what they're kind of going for. And the Almakana thing, you know, they thought free love. So I guess we, we just get to kiss each other a lot. Yeah, which nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you got to yeah. kiss your bros. Kiss in between bros, you know. Yeah, kiss in between bros. Let them De- know where they stand. Yeah. <laughs> right here. You stand right, right here. Right here in front of me. Oh, and it's <laughs> funny, the, uh, the Mystic Order of the Veiled Prophets they wear a black fez with a red tassel, and ah. the uh, uh, Shriners wear the red tassel with the black or the red fez with the black tassel. So it's kind of like we're the we're the opposite of these guys. So that's yeah. So the all and now, when you look into the organization, uh, d- did Freemasons have to be Christians or just monotheists? And then did this was this anything to do with that? Um, I see you have to be a master Mason to become a member of the mystic order of the veiled prophets. Oh, really? Oh, so this was like really high up. Yeah. Mason. It used to be to become a Shriner. You had to be, you know, a third level Mason or above. So hmm. they just decided recently that any, any Mason can join the Shriners because they're kind of dying out. Oh, okay. Huh? So I guess what I what I was trying to get to was was there any magic involved in this? Um it depends on what your definition is. If you're talking about low magic and talking about like uh the uh 
the glamour of it and using you know words and and pictures to kind of induce a sense among the members that is you know something to either control or to create uh unity that would probably be what you're talking about probably not high magic because all this stuff is pageantry it's all done in public oh oh, so, oh this is all public yeah well oh. i mean that's that's why they have the ball and that's why they have the random person selected at the ball to be so what's the deal Arcana. with it then because it seems so mysterious and weird is it just a big distraction uh well i think i think the symbol there was meant to be aimed at new york right i think uh what they were trying to do is show that we're not going to give in to the yankee uh, but how by by invoking Al Makana, while these other guys were invoking the Arabs, so oh, they're saying like, we want to be the the Persian rebellion to you, a uh, uh, bunch of Islamists. I see. Where I see. where were the Yankees invoking the Arabs? That's where I guess I'm lost. Up, up in New York with the Shriners that they yeah. started uh -huh. in 1870. Uh -huh. Okay. Yes, I see. So this was a counter Shriner movement of of Masons. Now, like, uh, let's just drill into that topic then, because now I know you, you probably know a lot about this. What the hell do the Masons have to do with, I guess, the idea of the Yankee, like post-Civil War Northerner? What's the, what's the deal there? Well, at that time, I think the scars were just so deep that they just wanted to say F you to the, to the Northerners in any way that they could. Because oh, okay. they were really struggling. You know, I mean, during Reconstruction era, there was no money and everybody was poor and all the all the war debts had to be paid off. And the, the Northerners decided that they weren't going to have industry and all the rest of this stuff. So they're like, all right, well, let's start raising money for our organization, for our town with this, uh, you know, this ball that we're going to have in St. Louis. Oh, man, that, I, I thought it was so much more nefarious. It, it seems so nefarious at the face of it that you go and you do this pageant where you all dress up and one guy dresses up as a veiled prophet of Coruscant and you have to kiss the guy's ring and you got to do like it always seems to me I have this impression. I don't know. It's probably just because of Alex Jones, but that every single one of these events is some sort of a gathering of people who practice witchcraft. This is obviously not that. Well, I mean, if you want to put it in that context, you have to you have to sort of understand that Zoroastrianism wasn't being practiced, and they were they're invoking kind of rituals from a thousand years earlier. You know, I mean, this is literally a thousand years ago in the eight hundreds that they had the uh, Al Makana uprising and the you know Kuramites. That the the so, cheerful ones, the very cheerful ones. Yeah. So in doing that, I, I guess you could say that they were going for that that kind of uh, that rebellious angle. That's that's what I assume. But you know, I mean, they kind of came up with their own rituals because uh, Zoroastrianism is not really about like heavy ritual and heavy whatever. It's more about experiencing life, right? Being so it's it's quite cheerful, even. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they were hoping for is, is if we live better lives than these people, then they have to leave us alone. But obviously they didn't and things got worse. And now this was just a one time a year thing. Like they would, then they would just hang their hats up and go home. I don't think so. I mean, once you're part of the Shriners, you gotta at least go to the once a month meetings and stuff like that. And so this brotherhood sort of 
existed in the background. And I think there probably was a linkage between uh, some of these organizations in the South that were started after the Civil War, like this one, and the Ku Klux Klan, because uh, oh, there was really? a big crossover there. Oh, yeah. A lot of Freemasons joined the Ku Klux Klan. That, that, and, that know, is kind of where I wanted to end up going <laughs> with this, is because, Carr, like, if you Google veiled, uh, the ball of the veiled prophet, um, like, you can see they had these clan-like costumes. Like, they were wearing uh-huh. these conical hats, and they had, the, you know, the veil, the classic veil that the clan member has. And it all looks very similar. And then, you know, you remember that the clan is, they were, I don't know if they're literally supposed to be invoking the image of the ghost, but it's a very, I mean, you've heard the titles of some of the leaders of the clan, I mean, Grand Cyclops, Grand Dragon. Like, these mm. are all very... Oh, they remind you of tarot almost. Yeah, mystic. Like, a, yeah, very mystical. And I guess that is where I wanted to go with it, Ball. It's like it, there is something to that in the clan as well. There's this very mystical approach to it. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Well, that that's nothing new. I mean, if you look around Washington, D.C., and you actually start to understand all the cultism that's, that goes into the, the street layouts and all mm. of the architecture itself – the mysticism is always present in anything that the Freemasons do. This is this is one of their calling cards. They leave it so that other people can follow in their tracks. And a lot of what this was, this this original rebellion, I believe it had more to do with, well, we're laying the foundation in case we ever want to rise up and, and go to war again. Who, you in a in a spiritual sense, like in what way? No, in in a physical sense. That's this is how uh, warfare existed back. I mean, I guess it still does today. But you you have to create the foundation of fraternity before you can start building into nationalism. And nationalism is what you would get from an organization like uh, the Ku Klux Klan, which, as you know, at one time was so huge they had a march on Washington that just went on for hours and hours and hours under. Uh, Who's that guy on the dime? That bastard Wilson. <laughs> that bastard Wilson. Okay, yeah. I, I, so maybe then, perhaps. So then, I guess if you would take that logic, are you saying the the prophet, the veiled ball, is a uh, a sort of a fraternal preparation for war, like a, another war? Like, what would the purpose well, be? As you know, like these these Masonic and uh, globalist organization work in rings, right? So this would be the central ring. What they're trying to do is establish a central ring. And then they get their tentacles out and they start other rings off of mm. that. So they can control industry. They can control uh, churches. They can control social events. And basically start forming the culture necessary so if there is a you know a need for them to go to war, all they have to do is flip a switch, and then they've got everybody in the right positions to do that. Mm-hmm. I see. So this was sort of an example. The veiled prophet was just sort of an example of one that never took off. Well, I mean, it's still going on today. I don't think oh, that really? they ever really. Yeah, I think Reconstruction was a bad time, but they never really saw the need to to go back into that war footing because. There's certain preparation that needs to be made. Like, for instance, you know, before the United States became a country, there's about, you know, close to 300 years of history with them fighting against the Indians. But we never talk about that, right? Because there's not that nationalistic impulse 
So you have to have that nationalistic impulse pushing people towards the brink of war before you can ever get to that point. This is one of the reasons why, you know, libertarianism is never going to be successful. We can't create nationalism. In my opinion, I think cities are the world's first Ponzi scheme and nationalism is the world's oldest form of magic. No, please go continue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you, when you understand society like that, things start to become clear. I mean, you, You've got all these uh, teachers, you know, and preachers and everything. You can't have a separation of church and state. Such a thing is not possible. No, the two are one and the not. same. Yes. Yep. So, you know, what are the magical rituals involved in statecraft? You know, and I, I liken it to when they were doing it, the, uh, the impeachment of Donald Trump. They were marching through the halls carrying the impeachment orders like they were part of a funerary procession. Yeah, that that's a straight. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Right. That's a straight up magical ritual. Yeah. That is their church. Uh huh. Or have they print out the, the platinum coin we're going to get and it gets delivered on a you pillow to Jerome Powell's office? Yeah. <laughs> right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of mysticism and ritual even today, even though they're not wearing silly conical hats and, and, and so on and so forth. That is true. Right. I think I think that's the worst part about all this is we've lost the conical hats, but we've kept the rituals. Right. I would really prefer the opposite. Right. I mean, in, in Spain, I think they copied a lot of those uh, conical hat things from some of the rituals that they have over there. It's straight up. They're dressed like the uh, the – you know, the oh, yes. Brand. Yes. Have you? So, okay. That's another thing. Car, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like probably I, I would say once a year minimum, there's this national uprising that goes on online because everybody gets, they see, start seeing new images of people parading around in the streets and wearing conical hats and so on and so forth. Right. And of course, from the American perspective, you're going, what is this? They're letting the clan Mm-hmm. rally and you find out every time it's from this small town in italy and it's the catholic church and they've been doing this for like 900 years <laughs> yeah. and, and and americans are like still pissed it's like when you yeah. wake up from a bad dream like a dream where your girlfriend cheats on you or something and you're kind of still pissed when you wake yeah. up even though it was an, it's like the same exact reaction is given by every american after they see this they're like oh well i'm just still kind of mad that they're, they still look still like clan members yeah but then read the but, room italy yeah <laughs> you're the world's largest room uh yeah it, it really is weird but then like you're bringing up an interesting point is like think about it in reverse it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they're donning the conical hats, but they aren't following a tradition that's like 800 years old and has been done. But it still has all these religious connotations to it. it right. that, that is weird. Uh, or not weird, but it is, I guess, talk about invoking magical power or whatever it might be. Right. And a lot of times it really doesn't matter what the symbol is. Like, for instance, like we're talking about the veiled prophet. Well, everybody's wearing a mask nowadays. You know, yeah. you could you could liken this to that same type of ritual, but at the same time, you know, it's it, it doesn't really matter what the symbols are. It's just that you're engaging with them. Mm-hmm. You don't have the symbol. You're not a part of the group or you don't have the exactly. symbol and you can't participate in all the other rituals. That's weird. Like a vaccine pass. Mm, it's almost like that. It's almost like that. 
Very strange. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doesn't matter. See, the, the power of ritual and the power of symbol is it doesn't matter what arguments you make against it. Either right. you have it or you don't. It's instantly polarizing. Hmm. Very weird. Very suspicious. So then I guess the other question, let's go back for a second. The Shriners, they don't wear costumes. They don't do pageantry, do they? I think they do. Oh, they? yeah. Do oh, they? Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Dora they got the little cars. Yeah. What? They got the tiny cars. They go around tiny in the car? streets on parades. I'm, oh, you've what never seen the Shriners? Like the Pokemobile? No, man. No, it's, it's tiny little go-karts that they drive around at parades. What, what is he? Yeah. Or is he telling the truth? Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> and they, all, they also wear like a fez, don't they? Yeah, they've got a red fez with a black uh, little. Oh, tassel. that's what you were saying. Yeah. Oh, I thought and you were saying the original Muslim yeah. group does that. Yeah, that's right. No, no, oh, the original what? Muslim group had had a red tassel, and they were they were called the redheads. The right? red so head. the redheads were the ones who you know were fighting against the Muslims, and in similar fashion, the southern uh, people who were following this, they decided they were going to have a little red fez in honor of the people fighting the, the Islamic. California. Dude, I'm looking at the pictures of these little cars. Yep. What, is great... what is this? These people control yep. the world? Come on. There's a great video of a Christian confronting a Shriner out in front of a Shriner hospital. And he says, do you worship Lucifer? And the, uh, and the Shriner's like, yes, of course I worship Lucifer. He's the god of light. Oh, I love Lucifer so much. It's what great. the fuck is and they're in little go-karts while they're doing shit like this wait a yep. minute this doesn't now this is crazy because is. do they dude this is crazy Goop, please everyone listening google shriners go-karts and see these men all wearing the same exact outfit and they're all happily whizzing down the street with American flags flying out of the back of their little red go karts. See, I think I think the the whole thing didn't work, right? So all these people doing the veiled one rituals down in St. Louis, they didn't get the ire up of these Yankees because the yeah. Yankees just kept on doing their thing, and there was never any conflict with it. So I think like the veiled symbolism that they were trying to use by using the veiled prophet didn't really take when it came to pissing off the Shriners. I, I'm pissed off seeing these little cars. <laughs> it's a wild thing. Dude, it's really a wild thing, car. What is we were, I don't know what the origin the, of I, I don't clan. know where that comes from. Yeah, where does that come from, Ball? What are they doing with the cars? What is that? Well, I'm like I think furious. It, I think probably they're invoking the microcosm, like they're steering the microcosm, right? So they're taking what? what should be, you know, God's creation, and they're saying, I'm a little God. I'm just making that <laughs> up. I have no idea. Dude, I want to believe. No, we're going to go with that, right? Now we're going to okay. hop in your little car. I'm a little God now. <laughs> Driving yes. around the street. We need Man, to tell the Christians. I, what's with we need the to gas get the Christians to go after things. these guys. Car, we gotta get us one of good. these for the next yeah, Childerberg. Pretty badass, dude. We gotta get a, one of these for the next Childerberg. We have you to, need get to get a three go-kart. people, three people in one go kart. That dude, would be amazing. 
How about this for a, a photo for the next Childerberg? How about this? Me, car, me, you, and Aaron each in a go kart, just driving, yeah. driving down the park. Driving down have that silly park. hats. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we'll we will. Oh, silly. we'll get silly hats. Oh, we'll get silly hats, man. Wow, you just—I don't honestly, a ball. I don't know where to go from here. I am stuck on go kart. I know man. where to go. I know okay. where to go. Take what you me need there. to do is you need to have a parade through the next Childerberg. Yeah. And you need to oh, have yeah. people dress up like fucking crazy things. Maybe like a rainbow uh, Ku Klux Klan outfit. That'll be great. Like <laughs> yeah, that'll be great for the optics. I'm sure. LGBT flag. <laughs> and they've got the, the Ku Klux Klan outfit. Car. All in rainbow. Uh, uh, tell, tell Jake about this idea. <laughs> <laughs> Going to dress like Klan members. <laughs> you got to get those... Presidential masks, you got to have people in presidential masks doing their thing. And it's just like one big cacophony of modernist, ridiculous bullshit. That, and that's yeah. where you need to go with this. This is ridiculous bullshit, man. This is ridiculous bullshit. I'm frantically right now Googling how to buy these go-karts. $3,000 for one Shriner go-kart? You can go fuck yourself. That's nuts. You need to buy. You need to buy a bus, an old a mini bus, bus, a little tiny bus that we can stick our heads out of. <laughs> a mini bus would be fun, oh, but I think like a, a school bus would be great for the show because you could just kidnap as many people as you want and have like live events anywhere in the country. I think a school bus would be a great idea. Yeah, you've heard about Shriner go karts. Now a liner school bus. Oh, here's here's even better. It deploys Shriner go-karts out the back. <laughs> man. Yeah, man, dude. This is some, these are some ideas. Wow. I, I'm stunned, man. I, this is it. Car, we'll be in touch. Yep. Car, we'll be in, I, I, I'm taking we'll, notes. Ra- yeah, oh, yeah, please. Ra- we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up, but, but Ball, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have any final thoughts on this? I mean, this is madness. Yeah, I think the Shriners won. And that's not to say that they won very much. They just sort of won by ignoring it. So in the Great War between the Southerners, they won the right to wear, you know, red fezes and drive up and down the street in tiny cars. And what else do you need? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I guess that's a pretty big win. I guess so. Wow. Um... Ball, I know you got a lot of things cooking. Um, do you have plugs for us? Uh, keep your eyes out. I think I'm coming back to Twitter, and I'm going to do it under uh, Open Road Anthropology. I'm going to try and take on the task of reinvigorating anarchist anthropology, maybe bringing a little bit of Austrian economics into the field of anthropology getting some uh, ethnographers together around the country, getting some eyewitness testimony from truckers, because we're, we're facing down one of the biggest problems, which is the shutdown of the ports, the shutdown of shipping, the shutdown of all no. this stuff. And unless we start to organize in the United States and start using uh, our networking ability to our advantage and using our intelligence to our advantage, we're, we're sitting ducks. We're FEMA camp bait. Your FEMA. Oh bait. yeah, absolutely, so, man. If we don't want to be that, we've got to start using the skills and and using anthropology to study consumption patterns, and maybe you know, in the end, we can we can get some 
black market activity going on against the big guys. I like that. Maybe we could get some black market go-karts. Black market fez. Black market fez. Uh, you know what, man? And then maybe some food. Yeah, we might need some food, too, because those prices are going up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah, dude. All right. You put, well, your little, you put your little crypto address right across the top of the Fez. Maybe you could have it light ooh, up with yeah. just your crypto address. Donate and be like, send me money, you idiots. <laughs> Donate here. It's Driving a little, by. You know what would be a good idea, man? On the front of the go-kart, why don't you, instead of actually putting, like, you know, letters for your crypto address, just put a QR code. Yeah. Because every time somebody pulls their phone out to record it, it will automatically reject the recording and force them to go to the web page that directs people to your crypto address brilliant right i saw a brilliant inspired video this guy took a bunch of qr codes to the cheesecake factory and he put (laughs) them on the table and said secret menu right and he had the little cheesecake factory logo And when Mm -hmm. you would go to the website, it would take you to a video of a hippopotamus shitting everywhere. (laughs) It's just brilliant. That is really brilliant. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on this Halloween special. I like your costume. You're repping the classic ball costume. I I, I really like that one. Um, Thank you. Always a pleasure. Live. All the people who are watching this live, you need to tell me uh, mm-hmm. whether I should lose the nipple rings or keep them. Mm-hmm. And if for just $25 a month, you too yeah. can watch the Halloween special That's right. live. That's right. There we go. Easy and buy payments. us a go-kart. Maybe. Hey, maybe payments. we can get a go-kart fund going. Sure. Um, and we could become the liners. That'll be that will liners be instead I, of shriners. I love it. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I think this is all good shit. Well, Paul, thank doesn't even you have so a steering much. wheel. It's Not just a chance, man. to go right up and down. And the old in line. fact, in fact, car, how many hands are we keeping on the go kart? Two hands. Hell yeah. Anarchy Ball is a wise man, and was right to point out the connection between the veiled prophet and the origins of Sufiist movements. However. All the research in the world couldn't contain what was to come next. Yeah, so twins, number six. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of... It is disturbing, but it's also like, it kind of... It kind of makes sense if you're a sort of wayward mother. Like, you wouldn't... Like, it's kind of... I, I could understand not wanting to name if you miscarried or if they yeah. died in stillbirth. Yeah. And, and I think that was actually a kind of a common thing uh, historically to not name kids until a certain point. So we have somebody who died in 1905 here, Nora Williams. Nora Williams. Nora? Yep. And then who's this... Oh, oh! So speaking of oh. ghost toys, there's a there's a, a Hot Wheel. Let's take a, take a picture of that. Picture of yeah. yeah, there's a Hot Wheel on this. Hot Wheel is, and an army man. Yep, on infant number something. Infant number seven. Number seven. And here's another flat stone over here. Pearl. Gar- Car- Carson. Carson. Yeah, 1907. 1907. Man, they're 
all around the same years. I yeah. mean, they're all 1905 to 70. Yeah, because so this was, I think, started in 1984 and... Uh, 1884? Or 1884, yeah, 1884. And then it became an orphanage in, I think, 1934, 1935. This says... There's your 1933 right there. Yeah, there we go. 1881 to 1933. Wait, so this is... Are there two people There's buried? two, yeah. It looks like... Uh, Cap, Cap Dewey. Dewey. Okay, so that's a kid. So a kid, yeah, two years old. Yeah. And Maddie B., wife of J.F. McBride, 1881 to 1933. This actually, this J.F. McBride, that might be the guy who started this, now that I think about it. Oh, wow. Uh, so the guy who started this, he was like a uh, like a Protestant, um, like a, he was a business magnate. So like he got the money together to be able to start this because he didn't want these ladies to suffer uh, needlessly. And, and sort of a libertarian story a little bit, like, you know, teaching them marketable skills so that they could go out in the world and, like, make something of themselves. And this town became extremely successful. So um, it became its own little village outside of uh, Arlington proper, which we were just at, um, and we were in the downtown part. That was the original downtown part yeah. of Arlington. And then this was sort of the outskirts. They started kind of their own thing that would take in laundry and do printing and things like that for Fort Worth, Dallas, and Arlington, which was not really a big city at the time. Um, but the railroad goes through here. So that's one yep. of the reasons why this is kind of like a, a big area is the railroad goes right through downtown Arlington. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is kind of a place yep. is that the railroad came through here. So anything coming through Dallas to Fort Worth, you know, shipping cattle or whatever, this could be a stop along the way, made it very easy for people to move back and forth through these. And so this was a pretty, a good place for it. And uh, supposedly, this is a place where you will see haunted stuff, although I do not see anything haunted at the moment. I don't see anything haunted at the moment, but I can see why people would say that. Yeah, it is, it is a little, a little bit creepy. Bit creepy. Yeah. yeah, I do see a lot of college students walking in the lighted part. Yeah. But, uh, it's a nice park because Victoria and I have come down here well, it's a weird. few times. This is, a, and I'll give you a description. It's weird how close this is to a bunch of lighted trails and how secluded it still feels. Yeah. Um, we're, I'm watching, we're, Jake and I are watching college students walking along trails not 200 feet from us, and yet the light seems to just die uh, yeah. before it gets into this graveyard where we're at. Um, and if it weren't for the full light of the moon, which is near full, uh, it would be quite a bit darker in here, and uh, we're watching a halo of light all the way around the park. Yeah. Um, what is this stone right here? Oh, um, I don't know. Let's find out. Oh, more. Oh, more markers. Oh. Oh no. A cow. Oh. Yeah, that was close. That was close. <laughs> almost, almost had a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting a picture of that. Yeah. It says calf. We thought it said car for a second. We'll upload that somewhere. That was a little, yeah, that was a little, a little bit of a heartbeat skip. That's So no, uh, no doxing anybody. Well, like no doxing. Person we know whose name doesn't fit reality. There's a few. There's a few. Yeah, it's I always weird when you learn your internet friends' names, and you're like, yeah. what? There's one in particular. 
really surprising. I think you might know who oh, I'm oh, talking about. You federal agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A very surprising name. Yeah, very surprising. Just, I just don't unsettling to be named that. Yeah, unsettling. it is. It's incredibly unsettling. Unsettling. Unlike Carr, whose real name is Long Aids. That's true. Oh, Long Aids. <laughs> oh, Long Aids. My parents named me that. They were prescient, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> of the Long Aids family line. Yeah. <laughs> Translates from German, uh, Long Aidschen. Long Aidschen. <laughs> well, we are here. We, um, we're we back. We're doing round two of this. Uh, yet another lost recording that uh, we're going to redo. We're going to redo it here. Um Thank you for coming on to the show, Jay, and also thank you for joining us in the Crack House for the Halloween special. Um, it's great yep. to have you on. And you were on last year as well. This is now number two Halloween special? Yeah, for you. two Halloween specials. Two Halloween specials. Okay. The first time, what did you do? Uh, Jewish pirates? Gangsters? Jewish, Jewish, Jewish gangsters? Pirates, <laughs> A lot of banksters, actually, yeah. <laughs> A lot of banksters. Uh, Weatherologists? <laughs> no, no, I don't, don't know too many of those. I've been blackballed from that. Mm, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Well, uh, regardless, you are going to um, ch choose oh. it up again, and um, <laughs> you've joined us today uh, to. Well, what are you showcasing? Why don't you tell the listeners? Uh, also, nice costume. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going this year as a, a functional recording platform. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. use that. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Talk about demons today, specifically like uh, possession. So, uh, demons yeah. and possession. Okay, cool. Yeah, exorcisms and, uh, oh, well, I like those. I like those. Yeah. And, um, and, um, you're a converso now. Yes, yes, yes. Apostate. You're a converso and, uh, You've, uh, discovered yeah. the love and grace, uh, bestowed upon you by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, and, um, now you're going to talk about exorcisms. Yes, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, all right, let's pivot into that. Let's get right in there. Not doing RCIA classes because I know how you feel about converts. So uh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Keep them out, I say. Yeah, yeah. So Catholicism, I'm hereditary only. We're giving it up. That's yeah, what we're a, doing. We're doing it up. Though I'm, uh, I'm gonna go with non-denominational. Man of the cloth. Yeah. No, we have one too many of those. Too many men of the cloth. I don't think there's ever gonna be too many men of the cloths. But, I mean, in this recording, know. though. Yeah, Fair enough. True. There's three. Do you feel like he's stepping on your territory there, Carr? Uh, you know, I'm strong enough as a man of the cloth. I, I lean on my faith in these times and I feel I'll get through it. Oh, well, great. You know, I'm, I'm going to let you have that because I'm more of a theologian, you know, an austere religious scholar. So, okay. Fair enough. Fair point. Yeah. Well, before actually, before Jay, before you get started, um, give some background to the listeners. Listeners like to, you know, know what's going on with us. Like uh, time to time. Those. Yeah, of course. Um, so what is I hear a weird noise. Anyway, um, that was a spooky. Is someone vacuuming? It sounds like it. Wow! No. Last time Car's phone starts ringing, now he's fucking vacuuming. Dude, he I'm not getting... vacuuming. He was. <laughs> I'm not vacuuming. He says, lowering the vacuum. Just <laughs> 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 gonna get a little in here. It's not actually a vacuum. It's those things to make your cock look bigger. Oh, he's pumping. <laughs> He's pumping it up. Yeah, exactly. Same pump. Bombero. About to astrally project. <laughs> about to astrally project. <laughs> uh, All right, let's let's cut the funny business out here. Car camp it. Yeah. I think, I, I think we had this conversation on the lost recording, but I do want to bring it up again. Car, you, um, the times have been strange, even malicious. Some would say. Are you starting to come around on demons? 
Oh yeah, yeah, I'm big demon guy now. Big demon, demon guy. you're demoning it up. You really, yes. you're in, in on the I dove, I dove headfirst into into demonry, uh, and as I surveyed the world around me, I noticed that there are quite a few. Quite a We got him. We got him, boys. He's a demon. Yeah. He's a demon uh, believer now. Uh, he's understood Pause the threat. Is, of the world around is pumping him. his fist in the air right now. Yeah, man, yeah. we've been pushing this kind of thing for you know years now, and so it's good to see the culmination of that on the Halloween episode. I think all three of us are demon believers. Jay, why don't you regale us with, um, you know, maybe a brief history on uh, demon possession, the threats of demon possession, and maybe tell us a story or two about a man who might be able to get rid of our demons. Yeah. All right. So uh, to start off, I mean, if you want to see the demon possession is real, just look what Joe Biden did last week. Uh, this is very true. Just this is so there, true, man. Just, Wait, what? It was like, yeah. Joe oh, Biden oh, the just, yeah. When he yeah, was when he was standing just, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just standing demon. there and demon, yeah, obviously sure. demons. Like, if you really zoom into the footage, you can see that his eyes actually like gloss over black again. It's not the first time that's happened. And uh, yeah, it's just really strange. So he's a good Catholic. So I think someone should call an exorcist for him. But uh. You know, let's uh, uh, let's, yes. let's rewind. Let's rewind the tape a little bit and go back to uh, the ancient world where, you know, the pagans had a lot of weird ideas about demons. They thought they could actually help them sometimes. And they called them things like gods. Uh, you got some Moloch believers and shit. Uh, you got some Roman Christians that write about how demons would possess idols of pagan gods and speak to the worshipers to make them think that uh, the gods were real. And not just Satan coming in and convincing them to go to hell. So that's a pretty cool little thing. Spooky. Uh, exactly. You get a lot of uh, you get a lot of writings about demons. You know, Jews had a whole demon thing ready, and then the Christians started writing about it. Apparently, the Jews did exorcisms, and the theologian, really? the, yeah, the Church Father Origen writes about yeah Origen writes about it in Contra Celsus, where Celsus this you know just cringe pagan who has something funny to say about the Jews. <laughs> the and... cr this cringe pagan. Zoomers teaching demonology 101. Well, this guy was cringe, all right? <laughs> he, was not, he was not a very based man. I mean, first of all, he was a pagan. So that's pretty... You know, if he was alive today, he'd have a TikTok. So let's put it like that. So true, Jay. So true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did he say about him? So Celsus asserts that the Jews accordingly endeavored to derive their origin from the first race of jugglers and deceivers, appealing to the testimony of dark and ambiguous words whose meaning was veiled in obscurity and which they misinterpreted to the unlearned and ignorant, and that too when such a point had been, never been called in question during the long preceding period. So uh, as we learned last time, uh, apparently Jews are good at juggling. I... I don't know, maybe like juggling high interest loans, but <laughs> <laughs> that was, I got to tell you, that was when you read it the first time you read it like kind of fast. And so as you were halfway through, I was like, what's going on? Cause I was so caught on his claim that Jews descended from jugglers. Really troubling stuff. And you can't I, juggle for shit, Jay. No, I got no hand-eye coordination, man. None. You, I mean, Tim, yeah. <laughs> no, your number of NDs would absolutely attest to that. <laughs> what are we on? Oh. Three this year? <laughs> hey, we were in a we were in Ocala for a whole weekend. I did not negligently discharge once. Discharge no, early relax. Firearms yeah, yeah, oh. relax. Everybody bring it down. Bring oh. it down. Bring it down. It was it. not a single one okay now maybe in my no pants one. different story all right oh there it is yeah. 
There it is. You know, very funny, Jay. You know, I had very funny, Jay. All right, well, take us into the demon ring and stop talking about coming. (laughs) What podcast am I on again? (laughs) (laughs) It's fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still, I'm still aghast that Aaron's not here. No, he's at the door. He's at the door. He's at the door. He's giving the candy out, CBD gummies to the children, make sure they don't have any back pain. Yeah, yeah, CBD gummies, sure. Uh, Yeah. You know, I noticed he hasn't put out an episode of his own show in four months. Dude, don't even fucking get me started. <laughs> oh, I got a house. What <laughs> <laughs> fucking Piper bursts. <laughs> Look, it's going to be based. It's, well, here's the thing. Actually, Aaron did do a recording. It's going to be on this special if it didn't show up already. I don't know the order of this fucking thing yet, but he's going to do one. He, he's going to give the listeners something interesting, a, certainly a treat. Listen, um, I'm not saying say. I want him to do one. I'm just saying he hasn't done one. You can't listen. You can't tell Aaron, hey, do an episode. He won't. Mm-hmm. He won't do it. He's like right. a donkey. You can't tell him to do stuff. Well, that's why, which is why he's out at the door right now. We told him to be well, on this and he said, and he said, no, I'll just give the candy out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really fucking All right, so I'll make sure to remind him weekly. Hey, don't forget to put out Boys Town with Aaron, so he never puts out. Again. Dude, that would be oh. really funny if you reminded him weekly to put out an episode that goes out monthly. <laughs> Reverse parapsychology. That's a good. That's hey, 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 the don't concept. Don't that demon shit here. I don't believe in that bullshit. Okay? Oh, that psychology in the name. Okay. That's psychology. Therefore, I don't believe in it. Interesting stuff. Well, why don't you tell us about what you do believe in? Tell us about demons. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get into the real shit. Okay. Demons are real. I mean, Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning. You think Satan fell alone? I mean, you got going before that, like 500 years or so. My math is awful. Like 500 years or so before uh, the events of the New Testament, you got a book going around called the Book of Enoch. And you know what's in there? Giants. The the first angels that fell. It talks about all that shit. And how That's they, true. They, the angels that fell came and made babies with the humans. And then those humans put out these things called Nephilim, which were giants, and they brought all the evil in the world. They taught them how to make war, do astrology, uh, all sorts of gay shit. That's true. It's so, all true uh, stuff. Yeah. And then God said, no, fuck you, and he locked them down deep below the earth. Flood time. Exactly. But uh, yeah, before that, I mean, you got fallen angels, and those were the first demons. And apparently souls that go down into hell can become demons if they were evil enough. So, I mean, I'm coasting mm. on something. I know I'm not going to heaven. That's interesting. Uh, so, okay, demons can anybody can be demons. Anybody, yep. Yep. any de- anyone, your neighbor might be a demon. I probably is actually. <laughs> well, not not your neighbor in particular, but the the colloquial your neighbor might be a demon. We should look out for them. We should watch out for them. Uh, Jay, watch out for skinwalkers too. Let's I'll let's be, get to I'll the meat loaded. of the issue. Demons have to exert power over the universe yeah. and they do so via possession that is correct right they get into your brain they tell you to do stuff they freak you the fuck out what does that look like ah uh, well you know the exorcist is actually very close to a documentary i mean really the, yeah aside from the fact that she ends up looking like a, a late-term abortion at some point in it oh yeah she starts melting and stuff yeah but other parts of it there are physical aspects to it Mm. So you got a case in the early 1900s in Bumfuck, Iowa, where there's apparently a bunch of Germans. I really didn't know that. 
We did the research on that. Apparently, twenty-five percent of Iowa is German. Twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent. Yeah. My brothers. Christ. <laughs> My brothers German. to the all-around. <laughs> like the port Iowa. I don't want nah. that shit here. Well, here. we did. We did determine uh, Iowa was not real. But in any case, in any case, tell me yeah, about this team in possession. Ooh, man, fucking seltzer makes a burp. Uh. Yeah, demon possession. So you got a case in the early 1900s where this woman was possessed for about 30 or so years with a demon in her. And it had been in her since she was 14 years old. Uh, she was a very devout Catholic, uh, went to church her entire young life until that demon possession. And suddenly, even though she wanted to, she couldn't find herself going to church anymore. Uh, she couldn't do a cross over her chest. She couldn't even pray. Every time she would, it would be something in her telling her not to or would I think it I think it hurt her. So she was really having a tough time. And for 30 years, she's carrying this demon inside of her. So finally, enough is enough. She's been to doctors. Doctors can't do anything for her. She goes to psychologists. They predictably can't do anything for her because they're psychologists and they can't do anything for anybody. Uh, so eventually, she finally goes to the right place, the church. Now, the church is a little hazy. You know, they don't want to necessarily do exorcisms too much. Uh, the church has a history on that, but at the same time, they do have procedures for exorcisms. Uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth, I believe, I'm not going to look at my notes for that. Uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth made a bunch of prayers uh, for exorcisms. So you get this guy, his name is Father Theophilus Reisinger, and he is built like a brick shit house. He is, look him up, ladies and gentlemen, Theophilus, look him up. He's fucking huge, he's ripped. Yeah, dude is... Uh, Dude is intense. So he gets on the case because he's done a lot of exorcisms in his long life. He's in his about his 60s at that point. So he's done quite a few exorcisms. And he decides, I'm going to take this on because he's had successful exorcism. Ex you know, it's a tongue twister. Exorcism. You can say it enough exorcism. Yep. Ex exorcism. Certainly is. Yeah. Don't, don't like that. German word. Really? <laughs> They're all German. I'll believe anything. I'll, I'll believe anything, man. If you say it's in German, word. I'll believe it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So he gets on the case and he goes to the local uh, pastor of the parish and he says, I want to do this in the local convent or nunnery, as I will call it, because it's a fun word. So he wants to do it in the nunnery. And the pastor's like, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. This could be bad optics. You know, how's it going to be for the nuns there? Like, you really want to do an exorcism here? I'm not comfortable. How about you go ask the mother superior? Father Theophilus slaps his giant nuts on the desk and says, I already did. And everything's been set up. I just need your permission. So the pastor's backed into a corner and he agrees. Now, things already start getting fucky by that point. Uh, Father Theophilus had a brand new car and it stopped working properly. He couldn't even hit the speed limit to get to the nunnery. And, but he makes it eventually, like, in twice the time it's supposed to take. And they had the woman come in by train anonymously because they didn't want a story getting out that this woman had been possessed by demons for 30 mm -hmm. years. They're very considerate about her, pers her public image. So they have her restrained by the biggest German nuns they can find. <laughs> milk fed. <laughs> milk fed, milk maidens. I mean, these women were probably carrying giant logs on their shoulders. Helga, Goethe. Yeah. Ger yeah, Gertrude. Ugh, I don't like those names. Bertha. Like, 
don't like the German people, honestly. Mm. Powerful, powerful. Well, that's going to get you. That's yeah, going to get you tossed. Very, that's uh, a tosser. Yeah, I'll, I'll just that's put it like this. I mean, if we're getting out of like the Italian Catholics, I'm going to put my bets on the uh, the French Catholics. Strong women, too, though, dude. Yeah. Big, like, mi- as, milky as, women. Milky women. Yeah, but, you know, as a people, I'm going to put my bets on the French and not the, uh, not the Germans. That's a terrible – that's probably your worst take. That's yeah. actually – in fact, that take is so bad I don't want it to hold us up here. Because <laughs> it will. Yeah, that's a big speed bump. Big speed yeah. bump. That's a bigger speed bump than anything Ace tried to tell no. us about quantum yeah, mechanics and the <laughs> Earth isn't a line. And that's even worse. I'm flustered. Yeah, I'm actually pretty mad. Well, anyway, hold on. Good. <laughs> good. Just good. keep going. Good. You know, good. just keep going, Jay. Just, Jay, just keep going. I mean, I, I serve my purpose. I think we've got the recording here. Now well, I'm upset. <laughs> Imagine he hangs up. <laughs> that would be, be a brutal move. Our milk-fed nuns. Yeah, milk-fed nuns. They restrain her. They tie her down. And they, they get her restrained. Once the father starts praying, she breaks through her restraints and flies over to the wall. I mean, literally flies and clings onto the wall above the door, defying all logic. And I mean, if you can be like Ace and give me some gay quantum mechanic explanation of how that works, I'll listen, but I won't believe you. Right. Uh, nothing is going to make a human fly except an airplane. So that's demons. That's true. A clear cut sign of demons. So they keep praying. And uh, they, they get her strained to the bed frame again. Now, the father has a pix with a consecrated host on his chest. And that prevents him from being harmed by the demons. The other people were not granted this permission for the church to wear that. So they are a little bit more susceptible. And he starts going through the, starts going through the motions of an exorcism, which is a lot of prayer. It's a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot of prayer. Like He's how much? Um, I'll just spoil it. Towards the end, he stayed up for three nights and three days praying to get the demons oh out my of God. Him. Yeah, he <laughs> prayed a lot. And, yeah, the, she starts having all these adverse reactions to the praying. It is not going well for the demons inside of her. Uh, at some point, her body becomes as hard as a rock and as heavy as a giant rock, and it bends the iron frames underneath her. Uh, she's vomiting 30 to 40 times a day. She's screaming, foaming at the mouth, and her skin is going from like pale as can be to as red as can be with her eyes bulging out. So the demons are not enjoying their little exorcism. Uh, eventually, the father calls on to see who are the demons possessing this girl. The first one is Beelzebub. Now, uh, being a recent converso, I am not entirely aware of what's the difference between Beelzebub and Satan. I've seen that there's nine princes of hell. I've seen one that there's just a bunch of names for Satan. Uh, so what the fuck is going on? with Who is Beelzebub? Like, I know he's a very important figure in hell, but is he a prince of hell or is he the prince of hell? Well, I don't think that's – to be honest with you, I, I think that that's like – renaissance era formulations i'm pretty sure it he's is. just a big like big name demon yeah so he's this demonic big wig and he's possessing her and he is he doesn't want to comply but he taunts the priest and it gets to a point where the father theophilus grabs a crucifix and it doesn't work because as the demon reveals it's made of paper mache so kind of a, a lame move on demon's part to be like hey it doesn't work and here's why 
Well, uh, he's probably a libertarian, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Actually. (laughs) And then uh, he comes back with a wooden crucifix. Again, the demon laughs and is like, ha, the feet are nailed wrong. Then as it turns out, we have no idea how Jesus' feet were nailed to the cross. So, you know, we can't trust the devil's word for how it was nailed there, but it was it was nailed wrong, apparently, and it wasn't working. So he just keeps praying, and he unveils that there are at least three more demons inside of her. Uh, the second one to come up is Judas Iscariot, who was apparently a demon now. Yeah. Uh, I believe it. Yeah, so I do Judas, too. Yeah, Judas is in there, and he is—he's uh, possessing this girl, and he's making her life a living hell. But I'm. The next one is her father, who had cursed her to become a demon, and apparently this was a very bad guy. Uh, he was a philanderer and abuser, and he wanted to have sex with his daughter, and she refused. His fourteen-year-old daughter, mind you, uh, to really just add on to it. She refused, and he cursed her to be possessed with demons. So even though he confessed and died, uh, this was a sin so grave that it could not be washed away, and he went to hell. The fourth demon in there was his mistress, who was apparently a child murderer, and nothing is ever expanded about that in the book I read. So Hmm. she's just a child murderer. I don't know how. Did she have an abortion? Did she actually murder, like, children outside of the womb? I don't know. But, she uh, throwing throwing babies against walls and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was Margaret Sanger. I don't know why I, I said that. <laughs> like I I deeply inquired to that specific <laughs> aspect. <laughs> well, if I believe in stupid things like psychology, that. I would psychoanalyze you. But uh, we're just gonna assume yeah. those are you know. But you don't. But you know exactly. Right. Yeah, it's just but you know. know. It's like okay, whatever. You know, maybe she, maybe she did throw babies against the walls. I don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe she like put them in freezers, froze them, and then broke them. Maybe she. All right, cool. Well, like, uh... <laughs> when I go to hell, I'll make sure to find her and ask. Yeah, sure. Find that out for me, please. Yeah. So the, the demons, they don't want to leave. They start making life really bad in the in the nunnery. Uh, the pastor cannot sleep because Beelzebub is summoning hell rats to come and bother him. Hell rats. <laughs> what do they real. do? They just scurry around. Oh, and they, they just disturb around to make night more make noise so they can't sleep. Because Something uh like that, yeah, so I don't know. You like my you like my rat impression card? Yeah, was yeah, yeah, for sure. We've been practicing for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four or five weeks. I don't trust your I don't trust your rat impersonations. My rat impersonation I thought it was good. I don't know. It was good. It's okay, it's passable, but it's like Okay, passable. I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to be a stereotype now I'm a converso and be like, oh, here's how you make the noise. So the no- <laughs> All right. The here's knowledge. how you make the noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect rat noise. It sounds like if you ever want to you know if you ever want to get into like into the cave and go into rodent noises i'll get my lawyer herschel Mendelbaum on the it's cave. a, it's a four that. hour episode of us pr- like going from st- step one to learn how to make the perfect rodent noise after four hours we nail it and we fucking call it a day we, we, we end the episode and realize my mortgage is paid off somehow uh, <laughs> Did I get the stimulus check in my bank account? It's a mystery. The weather, the weather is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, forty degrees in Miami? I never would have thought. Incredible, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so the devil is starting to pull tricks 
to make things uh he does that. to make things hell on earth. And one of them is that he almost kills the pastor because the oh. devil pretty much kills the wife of a local farmer, so she's deathly ill and she needs her last rites read to her. So the pastor gets in his car in the middle of that exorcism and starts driving. As he's about to cross a bridge, a giant black cloud suddenly engulfs the bridge, causes him to crash, and the only reason that he didn't go off the side is because he said a prayer to his patron saint, St. Joseph, for a safe travel. The Sano Giuseppe. Sano Giuseppe. Is that, is, is, oh yeah, Giuseppe would be Joseph in Italian. Yeah, it is. Italian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, I don't care about the Italians. Uh, so the... The farmer comes and saves the pastor from the wreckage, and he makes it back to the nunnery. I will not say convent. And that's where the devil starts laughing at him. He's like, I didn't get you this time, but next time. And then the devil reveals that apparently he does this a lot because it leads to lawsuits. So lawsuits are a trick of the devil. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Run with that how mm. you will. Mm, okay. Uh... Another thing is that apparently the devil and demons don't know sins that you've confessed. They only know sins that you've kept hidden from the church. Oh, so wow. They can, they can pull a trick on you to try and throw you off from the exorcism about sins that you're keeping hidden. But Father Theophilus knows his way around uh, an exorcism or two. So he, he, did a, he did a confession right beforehand. So, you know. He's the only one who's really tanking through this. I mean, the nuns can't stay in the room. The pastor's almost getting killed. They can't deal with this. They can't sleep. It's hell. So, Theophilus starts tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking. And it gets to a point where he's been doing this for about three weeks. And they've exercised every demon except Beelzebub, Judas, the father, and the mistress. So that's when he's like, no, 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 no. I got this. Get out of here. And he, for just three nights, three days, starts praying, prays the demons away. And finally, this woman, after 30 long years, is free of her demons. Hell Thanks yeah, Theo. Me. Hell yeah. Big dub. Big dub for yep. my man, Theophilus. Yo. Now, my question is, uh, if you brought a crucifix to Congress, what would happen? Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> No. I me- thought about this many times. <laughs> or conversely, if you put a crucifix in front of the Pfizer CEO, what would happen? Insta explosion. Insta. Because that's not even a possession. That's just a real demon. No, sentence. that is a demon. Yeah, that then it gets into the are are there demons who aren't possessing people and just literally have meat bags that they walk around in? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I think the I answer think is you yes. Just, you just have to look outside and see that yes, and they're all around you, dear listener. Grab your gun and start taking care of the demons. <laughs> Step outside. <laughs> a suggestion to you. Demons are all around you. This will yeah, hold up in court, trust me. That is the beginning of something. Well, okay, good. I'm glad we have we get demon tips. Did I just Jay? commit a crime, by the way? Uh, I, maybe. I'm going to air it. Well, um, okay. I'll see. I'll, I guess if I'm in court, I'll see you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll probably Absolutely. win. We'll probably lose. But yeah, yeah, demons. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was said with uh, like. Wait, actual... wait, 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 wait. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, all right. I'm gonna be arrested for giving people advice on murdering their neighbors, and you're like, yeah. oh, you'll win, we'll lose. Who the fuck are you in this car? Well, we're def- we've definitely we've definitely abetted you. <laughs> I just, 
I, I hope that's the case. I don't know what Car just said to me, but I'm gonna let it slide. Car said. <laughs> Car said. Car said because you have know a lot of powerful people in high places. Let's just yeah. say you're yeah. gonna get off from the case. I'm a converso now. I don't know what that is. I don't either. <laughs> all right. Wow. All right. We'll see you on right, the other side. Just, all right, Jay. Wow. Give us your plugs. Wow. Let's get your plugs out there. Wow. Plug uh, everything uh, you got. Yeah. Yeah. Recently banned on Twitter. So. Uh, help me really follow yeah said the said the retard word uh so follow me you mean you mean retard (laughs) (laughs) i have to dance around the subject jack doesn't like it uh yeah at the underscore jqjay uh slurp gang cognitive dissidents those are my podcasts i had pete on i had tommy salmons on by the time this airs i'll have had will fight on uh substack uh the jq just all one word Again, J J A Y, not the letter J. Uh, can't be too on the nose with it, you know. I like your I like your writing there. Very Thank funny. You. Thank it's you. Good Decent stuff. Everybody should check that out. It's very this funny. This week's went underrated in the numbers. Really? That's a shame. We'll have yeah. to plug that. Well, we yeah. just did. We'll plug yeah, it more. Yeah. Yeah, gonna plug that one on TL again. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, hopefully, this one doesn't get fucked up. No, this I one won't because Google again. is our best friend. Google's our best friend. And with that, listeners. The boys were proud of Jay and glad he could attend. They were all there in high spirits together, but the things he said, the things he was talking about with them, well, they would go far beyond just what happened in that room that night. You see, he was on the way to saving his soul, but would he be able to redeem it in time? Oh, that's it. My, uh, one of my grandma's names, too. Etta. Etta. Oh, and look, another toy. Oh, man. Do people just come out here and leave toys? Or like, I think it? so. So the one of the haunted stories is that you will have uh, the ghosts of these babies, and well, infants and, and toddlers and stuff like that, will show up and that they want toys and stuff like that. Yeah. So they're, So some of the hauntings are that toys of the era will appear but also people will come and leave toys for them because they're uh you know they're babies this is like a little a little toy frog i guess you want to take a picture of that yeah all right got it yeah that's creepy as shit dude Oh, here's one more right here. One more. Kate Ellen, so this must have been an older child. Oh, no, another one. Why do you say that? So, from what the internet, because I'm an expert because I read the internet. uh, Oh, infant number five. Another infant number. Yeah. Josephine. So, it says, like, that the tradition at the time was that if your baby lived after a certain point, you gave it a first name. And then if it lived beyond that, you gave it a a last name. Ah. So you kind of know that the infants died within the first couple of weeks of being born, or were stillborn, uh, and then the 
the toddlers that died just have first names, right. like the up to two years old, and then uh, like well two to three, and then and then up beyond that if they died. You know, and this is this was a really common thing. I I do a lot of genealogy for my family, and um, we go through and see this that like different Lindsays died, and it it'll list it'll just say so and so Lindsay died of the fever, and they're like two. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, but it, it's not really a clear cause right. of death. It's just like some fever COVID, killed them. COVID, Brian. Yeah, COVID. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, let's let's see if we can find a couple more graves, and then I'll tell you more. Uh, my story okay. that I saved from the Alliance of Liberties. You guys get exclusive access, access to this story. <laughs> so. Happy spooky season, boys and girls. Probably mostly boys. But uh, we, here we have at Boys Town, live on air, Rebel Without a Cause. Thanks for coming, man. <laughs> no problem, man. So today I wanted to talk to you about some uh, some bad dates I had. Bad dates? I, I can yep. imagine you've probably had your fill. I have. Uh, actually, not as many bad dates as, as you might suspect. Um, as, as you might, uh, I don't know what your marital status is, but um, you might suspect that the dating world, at least as of two years ago, I don't imagine it's changed very much, is uh, it's a battlefield. Love is a <laughs> battlefield. Pat Benatar got it right. I've got yeah. to tell you. She called it. Not as, not as good as Ted Kaczynski called it, but Pat Benatar called it. Yes. Anyways, I've I've been on three bad dates in the course of my existence. Exactly three. I I genuinely enjoy dating. I I like I like the whole pursuit when, you know, I I did mostly online. So I'd talk to them for two to five days and then lose interest after five days, um, if if we didn't have something scheduled. So I'd talk to them. I I I like hearing about other people. I like bullshitting basically and uh you know my first bad date was actually with a teacher and now i knew that she was a teacher and you're probably saying well you (laughs) kind of walked yourself into that one and you'd be right i uh that was my first red flag is uh when i asked what do you do for work she's like oh i'm a i'm a high school teacher and i'm like oof all right (laughs) maybe we can get past this so we agreed to meet up at this divey Chinese bar in a couple towns over from me that I've never been to, but I heard it's kind of a rough place. So it's my kind of place. Right. We meet up, we have beers, we talk, we hit it off decently well. She's she's kind of dumb and boring. I'm I'm mostly carrying the conversation. And uh beers were had, drinking, drinking, drinking. Get to the end of the night and she's like uh you've probably had a little too much to drink. Do you want to just come by my place? And I'm like, hot damn, let's go. All right, you're in. Yep. So we both drive to her place, which is right down the street. And uh, we get in the doorway. She's like, oh, you want some coffee? You want some wine? Like, can I get you anything? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I'll just take some water. Trying to to hydrate. And she says, hey, just so you know, we're not having sex tonight. And I'm like, all right. All right, that's fine. Fine by me. Sure. So we're sitting on the couch. We're watching. Uh, I, I think I found Hard Target and insisted that we watch it. That movie Hard Target. Oh, yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm like, oh, I love this movie. Let's watch this. And she's like, all right, whatever. So she's uh, she's getting a little handsy. I'm getting a little handsy. 
And uh, at the, oh, by the way, she's she's blasted, blasted drunk. Oh, of course. <laughs> yep. Like I, I I followed her on her way to the house, and she should not have been driving. And that takes a lot for me to say that. <laughs> like, should not have been driving at all. She's like slurring. She's uh. Oh, she's getting a little handsy, but at the same time, she's like kind of nodding off too. Right. She's like in a, it's like automated hand job. So. Those are the worst. They are. I, I, I didn't know this at the time, but automated hand jobs are the worst. So anyways, uh, we're, uh, we're getting down to business with, uh, with, with the hands and the dick. And, uh, she stops and says, just so you know, we're not having sex. And I'm like, all right, that, that that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I, that's fine. <laughs> I, I'm cool with what is currently going on. Yeah. So she doesn't, a <laughs> couple minutes go by. She's not very good at it. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can speed this up and try. Aren't to they ever good at it? No. Nah. You know what uh, I mean? I mean, they're not the pros that we are. No, like they, they and I'm sure I'm not the pro that she is in her department, yeah, but exactly. I, I just, anyway, I, I disregard that. I decide to reciprocate and she fucking grabs me, stands up and says, I told you we're not having sex. And I'm like, I'm not trying to have sex. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying like, to finger blast you and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she like storms off and like slams her door shut. She's like, I'm going to bed and I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> so, and that was the worst date I've ever been on. Wow. That's My balls the... were a deep shade of purple. Oh, I can imagine. And I was extremely worried that I was going to get me too. Yeah. Talk, talk about, uh, edging boys and uh, girls. Pff, damn. And that, and that has nothing to do with spooky season, but I, <laughs> there's nothing spookier than wondering if you're going to get like a call from the cops about like, <laughs> because you like sexually assaulted somebody. Yeah. Well, it actually turned out that uh, you had followed a ghost home and you know, you, you look yeah. up on the mantle place and it's like grandma's house and she's there, but she had died like 10 years previous or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she wasn't here, who was giving me the handy? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I went over my worst date. Let's <laughs> talk about your worst date. I know that you're a man. You're a ladies' man. A man of the ladies. A man of the ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple of good ones, actually. Uh, I'll start with one. It was uh, it was at a bar, uh, Clicks, down here in Baton Rouge. You guys can look it up. It's a little billiards bar. And uh, this one chick came over, and uh, she was uh, talking me up pretty good. And next thing I know, I'm buying her a whole bunch of drinks. And uh, right at the end of the night, she goes, oh, thanks for all the drinks. I'm going to go home with my boyfriend. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, I got scammed out of $150 worth of cocktails. Yeah. Wonderful. Your wallet, your wallet got cocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but at, at the very least, you know that you helped, you helped somebody else get laid. Yes. I, I was definitely being a wingman that I had no idea I was being a wingman too. <laughs> yeah. An unintentional uh, wingman. <laughs> yeah. That, that guy can definitely, uh, you know, give me a thank you card the next time he sees me, I guess. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> Yeah, the other uh, really shitty one that I had, I was talking up this girl for for a few days, and then we had finally decided we were going to go to a Italian restaurant. And uh, I get there uh, about ten minutes early. I'm hanging out in the bar. We get seated and everything. And uh, it, 
I'm just like sitting there looking at my watch the whole time. She's not there. I'm like trying to send text messages to her phone and she's not there. And the next thing you know, I've got the waitress now taking pity on me. It was like, are you sure she's coming? I was like, she said she was on her way. I don't know. And then after about an hour and a half, uh, the waitress just says, look, honey, just order whatever it is. Here's my phone number. We'll go on a date just to spite yes. that bitch. So yeah, I got stood up once. That was, that was awful. Yeah. But you ended up even it out. Yeah. <laughs> waitress turned out to be a complete psychopath, but I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've learned that Italian restaurants are also a red flag. If that's something they suggest, that's a red flag. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, my, my second worst date I went on. Uh, I went to the North End in Boston, which has pretty good food. I mean, for the Northeast. But anyways, I, I meet her there. Oh, and by the way, uh, let me preface this. <laughs> we had arranged this date a couple days before. Um, I get out of work early. I'm like, oh, shit, I look like a bum. I need to get a haircut. So I go to this barber shop on the way. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very particular about my barbers. Like, I need to know the barber. Right. I have like three barbers in the east, the eastern portion of Massachusetts that I know and trust. And this was not one of them, but I was in a rush. So I went there. I said, I w- I'd, I'd like a high skin fade. You can skin the sides, uh, quad zero, and then uh, just a trim on the top. He goes, all right. And this is like, I don't, he's, he's not, he's not black. He's not Italian and he's not, he's not Puerto Rican. So I'm, automatically I know it's probably not going to come out that good. <laughs> So he gets done and, uh, he did not, he, he, he must've heard uh high skin and quad zero on the sides because right. he did not fade at all. I literally had a bowl cut <laughs> like, and there's, there's nothing you can do with it. Like you can't no. fade a high skin bowl cut no, without, not. without it being a mohawk. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to show up with a mohawk or do I want to show up with a bowl cut? Now, looking back and knowing my audience, they're, they're going to say, oh, dude, just go go with a fucking mohawk. But you got to understand, this girl, she was like an insurance salesman, saleswoman, uh, made, definitely made more than me, drove an Audi. Right. Uh, she was not the mohawk type. She was also not the bowl cut type, as I later, <laughs> as I later confirmed. <laughs> As we later so, confirmed, nobody is the bowl cut type. So I end up meeting her outside the restaurant, and she just, she's like, "Wow, uh, you look nothing like your pictures." <laughs> got accused of catfishing already. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, "Yeah, I just got a haircut. It came out terrible. I'm I'm letting you know right now, this is not how it normally looks." She's like, "All right." So, anyways, we we <laughs> same thing. I, I buy her a bunch of drinks. I, I get pretty, pretty good myself, not drunk, but pretty good. Uh, she's, she's pretty drunk. We get done. She's like, all right. Uh, that was, that was very nice. Uh, I'm very happy to meet you. And I'm like, Oh, do you want to like walk around Boston? Maybe, I don't know, get a seat at a bar or something. She's like, yeah, all right. The other thing is that day was about 65 degrees, relatively warm. It was a it was a nice warm early spring day. Okay. That night when we got out of the restaurant, it was about 40 degrees. So I'm walking around in like a, a t-shirt and pants and and I'm like, man, I got to find a I I I, I got to buy a coat or something. I end up we end up going to Faneuil Hall and going to um the Godiva store. 
Okay. For a little for a little ice cream. And I'm like, hey, let me let me make a quick stop at Banana Republic. I'll grab a coat. So I ended up to impress her, I ended up <laughs> spending like $140 on a coat. Like, <laughs> ah, that's that's better. So we go up to Godiva and uh we she like wolfs down like a, a cup of ice cream. And she's like, Well, I gotta go. I got got things to do. I was like, Alright, cool. <laughs> I uh I text her that night, nothing. Ghosted. Oh Comple- no. Yep. Completely ghosted. That was probably like a three hundred dollar day. Oh, ouch. It's all and I blame that barber. Yeah, yeah, the barber definitely uh sunk you on that one. Terrible. It's like we're gonna give this green girl a bowl cut. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Yep. <laughs> he just looks like the type that'll drop an N bomb on a podcast. Oh, I would. <laughs> That that barber radicalized me. <laughs> <laughs> I had the Dylan Roof haircut. <laughs> oh no, not Dylan Roof. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of dating, do you have any advice for those young people listening right now? I know I have kind of. I, I think my audience skews a little younger. Yeah. Do you have any advice for them from one one old man to one young Ooh, punk? You- yeah, old man, uh, forty-two years old. That's that's old now. Uh, let me tell you. Uh, I mean, as far as advice goes, and this just is only going to come about just because of the last eighteen months. If, if they aren't on board with saying no to all this, just don't even waste your time with it. They, they aren't the ride or die bitches that you're looking for. Just gonna say that. It's just if they ain't on board with you, just say no to masks, say no to vaccines or whatever. Yeah. yeah just don't even waste your time. Not yeah. even worth it. It was, it was hard enough finding somebody that could tolerate, like that, that I could estimate would tolerate me after like a couple months of like getting to know my thought process and my ideology. I, I can't even imagine how fucking hard it is right now. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Like if I had to jump back into the dating scene right now, it would be fucking awful. Yeah. It would just be just terrible. There's just no point to it. Nope. I'd just oh, be sitting uh, there in a sad, drab little apartment with a uh, with a camping chair. Yep. <laughs> and <camping>. a six pack, <laughs> and just going. Uh, I, I get what the incels are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> huh. I wonder what Paul's doing now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just log back into Four Chan. I'm an old fag. I can get in there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I I'd, I'd just be sitting at home, fucking. You know, get get some lipstick to put on Manuela. <laughs> get the uh, the auto suck two thousand to go. <laughs> um, I guess if I could give any advice to young kids, those the young people right now is um, definitely it. Uh, online dating is a lot more prevalent than it was for for better or worse. It's uh, it's better because you can kind of. You can set your own filtering process, um, yeah. and it's it's a lot it's a lot easier and less awkward to just break break off conversations when when you when those red flags start forming a pile. Yeah, when you're delivering an entire box of red yeah. flags, it's like yep. no thanks. No, no, it's yeah. Um, common red flags that I've I've seen uh, right off the bat are. Um, you know, ne- never had a relationship with their dad. 
So, so daddy issues. Uh, automatic. Yep. So th that's a red flag, but it's also a green flag. Yeah, for for the other <laughs> the other department. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know that they'll do anal. Yes. <laughs> you know they're doing anal on the first date. <laughs> yes, and they will tell you about it. They'll just yes. like, why don't you do it this way? <laughs> yeah. Um. I used to uh I used to have this whole copy pasta that I'd kind of like um customized depending on who I was talking to like whatever information I could glean from their profile I'd like kind of customize it to that and uh say something about like oh yeah my you know my cousin or my friend or whatever is also a nurse yeah and uh you know how 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 is that like how how are you handling that nowadays or is your hospital short too like just Little, just little things like that in a, in a, I don't know, like a four sentence copy pasta. Yeah. And it fucking hooked them every single time. Right. Yeah. You just start talking about the head nurse being a little bit overbearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's like, oh, he's down with the struggle. Yep. <laughs> he knows my plate. Yep. And bitches love to talk about themselves. Oh yeah. You just get him going on them. And next thing you know, four hours later. Yeah, four hours later, you're fucking horizontal. Yeah, exactly. So you're from Baton Rouge? Yeah, not originally. I'm uh, originally from my mom, kind of moved around all over the country. And just Baton Rouge is kind of where I ended up at. I kind of view it as a black hole. I've tried to escape several times, and just it just keeps sucking me back. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've visited Baton Rouge a couple times. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a casino there. Yeah, we got a we got a few uh, casino boats now. So, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was uh, they put us up in a hotel room while my ship was being built in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Right. So Baton Rouge was a little little bit of a drive away, but that was like kind of one of the party spots. And um, I remember one night we were all playing poker. It was like me and probably four or five other people. By the end of the game, we we're all pretty hammered. Um. So my boss at the time was like fucking out of his mind drunk. He was like, do you, do you want to go to Baton Rouge? And I'm like, it's, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so we drive drunk to Baton Rouge. We go to, I don't even remember the casino. Um, we probably spend like, I don't know, a hundred bucks or something. Get back get back to the hotel at eight o'clock in the morning and then show up to work at eight 30. Nice. But my memories of Baton Rouge are uh, hazy, but fond. <laughs> That's most people's memories of uh, Baton Rouge. Good old yeah. red stick. <laughs> Baton Rouge has a pretty rich history as far as uh, spooky stuff goes. Man, I got to tell you, we've got every kind of ghost story you can imagine. Uh, we have the old governor's mansion. Uh, well, not the governor's mansion. I mean, the uh, the old uh, Capitol building, which looks like a medieval castle. And it's alleged to be haunted. Um, we've also got the uh, the Rougarou, because we got a lot of Cajun influence over here. So that's like a, a dog man, werewolf type thing. And then if you get out into like Lafayette and some of those places, they have the skunk ape, which is like the Louisiana answer to Bigfoot. And because apparently it stinks. Huh? Skunk ape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to say something racist right now. <laughs> uh, g give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's your take on all that? Are you, are you a, uh, 
Do you buy into all that shit? Yeah, I used to do a whole bunch of uh, ghost hunting um, back when I was in my early 20s, so about 20 years ago. And uh, we would take all the recording equipment around and we would go uh, try to get EVPs on tape and uh, set up cameras and stuff. And hopefully that we would catch a shadow and everything. Probably about the most uh, really cool EVP I ever got. There was a graveyard out in Watson, Louisiana, and it's just like right off the highway. So I just parked my car, got out, started hitting record and was just asking questions. And you give, you know, about a minute or so in between questions so that if you catch or capture anything, it's right there. And uh, I didn't really feel like I was catching anything. I didn't see the red light on the on the recorder uh, beeping or anything like that. And uh, cop pulls up, hits his lights and uh, he gets out and starts asking me what the hell I'm doing. Just hanging out by the by the cemetery almost at dark. And I, I was like, it's going to sound silly, but I'm just recording out here. And he goes, oh, okay, well, you know, you got to move along. You can't just stay here. So I was like, all right, fine. So I get back into my car, go down to the road to the gas station, pull in, and then I listen back into the tape, and I've got nothing. I'm answering, I'm asking questions, not getting any answers, up until the second the cop stopped. And then just in a faint whisper in the background, you hear, busted. <laughs> got trolled by a ghost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was the only one. I was like, "Oh man, I want to go you back now." <laughs> yeah. What is your take on the, um, I guess the, uh, where I guess how, how would I phrase this? What is your take on where ghosts come from? You know what? I could science could never quantify what it is, so you can't really say if the ghost is like some you know dead person from long ago. Uh, or they just haven't moved on yet or whatever. Uh, there's so many theories about it. We've got the one where it's just the, um, the energy of whatever kind of tragic event is just replaying itself over and over again. There's no intelligence to it. And then there's some where it's an intelligent haunt where you get stuff like I got where, where you get the, you know, busted into the microphone or they, you can hear them like actively planning on messing with you. Uh, I've had a couple of EVPs where it's like, well, we're going to bang on the pipe now. And then next thing you know, you hear dum 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 on the walls. So, yeah, I've uh, I've always kind of I, I used to watch that show Ghost Hunters. They were out of uh, Warwick, Rhode Island. Yeah, and um, I, I I used to love that show. And I know I mean I don't know how much of it was real and how much of it was, you know, et- clever editing. Oh, but, I'm um, pretty sure that was a bunch of clever editing. They they would even have stuff like where they would just intentionally go to a commercial break. And then yeah. we come back and like the explanation for it was just kind of goofy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I get mad because like an actual ghost hunts. Uh, if you're like going to somebody's house, you got to be there for like almost a month because you've got to weed out so many variables that are going yeah. on. And they show it like, oh, we're just going to be here the night. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it depends. I, I noticed like depending on the episode, if it's uh, because they're all rotor rooter plumbers. Yeah. So like they they're they're pretty good with like residential, you know, HVAC, plumbing. Yeah. Car like they they know a good amount of uh, structural stuff. So they I think they would pay lip service to that. I don't know how much of that how much uh, I guess uh, demystifying noises and all that shit went on behind the scenes. Right. But um, let's assume that let's assume that they did their due diligence and they 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 rooted out, um, you know the house settling, uh, airbound pipes, whatever. Oh yeah. And they would um, even show like, uh, on the episodes, like 
It's like, okay, well, you've got this pipe right here. It's not exactly held up up against this basement wall. So anytime that you start turning on the hot water, it's going to jiggle. And that's what's creating this vibration that you're feeling in the floorboard or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would like to think that they did somewhat of their due diligence because of that. They, they actually showed it on episodes where they would have, they wouldn't have anything paranormal happen. And they'd be like, look, you have a draft coming from like a hole in your roof or something. Yeah. Um, on the episodes that they didn't where, and unless it was, you know, put in like post-production, uh, like that's, it, it, it really captivated me and it, I, I know I, I found myself like getting more and more interested in like, you know, the occult and uh, the paranormal and all that, sh- all, like that whole area of study. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can get lost for days just looking yeah. up all that stuff. Yeah. Now, like uh, in the course of 10 years or so now, I, I completely askew that shit. Like I, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> like not, not, not in my, uh, I shouldn't say uh, not as a hobby. Like I don't mind talking about it, obviously. Right. But um, yeah, my, my outlook on has changed a lot. Like I, I think it's just objectively, um, you know, and anything that, any, anything that only serves to like scare you or make you feel unwelcome or uncomfortable. Like I, <laughs> I'm not about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's some stuff, there's some stuff that I've witnessed that's, uh, will make the hair stand up on, on end. Uh, and then we, there's some other stuff that I just can't even explain like one way or the other. It's like, well, I can kind of see that maybe this thing happened and that's what caused the glass to break or whatever. But yeah, it's, it, it's all kind of, kind of fun at when it's happening. And then afterwards you kind of sit back and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and you're like, uh, I don't know what I just witnessed. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I haven't had anything conclusive happened to me personally, but it seems like, uh, my mom, my dad, my cousin, and like who are all, uh, or my cousin was at close proximity to me living with me basically. Yeah. Um, but people in close proximity to me have all experienced something that they, they would classify as definite. Um, I have yet to, I have no interest in it. In fact, like, uh, my cousin came to live with me after I got out of the Navy. I crash landed at my parents' house for a few months and um, he was going through some trouble with his family. His, his parents were in the middle of a divorce Oh, nice! And, and it was ugly. So he got tired of it and came and took, uh, took my old bedroom. So he lived with us for like two months. And after like the first week of being there, he, uh, this is for, my, my mom told me this, but came downstairs my mom was like doing dishes or whatever she's like hey auntie like is there something is there something in that room and she's like uh what do you mean she's like well i i i I saw like a a fog or something like a like a apparition he meant to say like an apparition right but he was Uh, kind of censoring himself yeah like he didn't really know how to describe it and uh my mom like knew what he was talking about because she had seen it before occasionally not not on a regular basis but um so she knew what he was talking about and then when i got home later that day she told me about it and i had no idea about any of it that she had seen it or that anything was going on in that room because i i lived in that room for 10 years and i didn't see anything um and uh 
So I, my reaction to that was, was anger. Like, I, I was, I was very, I was angry that like something was in my house. Yeah. And, and it uh, didn't show itself to you or are you just angry that there was no, something there that you didn't know? It was, was there? It, it, I, I looked at it like it was a, uh, it was like an invasion, an invasion of like my, my, uh, personal space, my personal space, the place that I grew up in, the place that I'm comfortable with, um, that something that's not supposed to be there is there. Yeah, that that's a tough one because you don't you don't know if the uh, if your cousin brought it with him because he was going through some kind of uh, trauma at yeah. the time. Yeah, or or activated it. Yeah. Um, I know that my I, I I can tell you if if that's if that's a thing that these entities feed off of uh, you know fear or stress or whatever. Um, then I, it would explain why my mom saw it. The reason why my mom was sleeping in that room is because her and my stepdad fucking hated each other for like three years, and she wouldn't she wouldn't sleep in the same bed as him. So Ew. she ended up going up going upstairs to my old room. I was in the navy, so she just slept in my bed. Right, and that's where she started seeing it. And, yeah, uh, and like that, and it it scared her, and it didn't make her feel good. And that's another reason why it was like, all right. Um, that, you know, it arose a lot of anger and resentment Yeah, me hearing about that. Yeah. Who knows what it was just feeding on uh, bad energy in the house. Yeah. So I, I went and got, uh, I had, <laughs> um, that whole, the, the year before I got out, I was going through a uh, catechism for, uh, the Eastern Orthodox church. And, uh, so I was like all, all up on like my you know, my, my dogma and my theology. Yeah. So, so I went and got broke out my fucking icons and my sensor and all that shit, set yeah. it up in my room and said, you know, told my cousin, like, I'm just going to leave this here. Let me know if anything happens. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Cause I, I think for that type of shit, if you were to fight it, um, I, I think that's probably the best way to fight it. Which yeah. I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into like religion or anything, but <laughs> it's just the idea that, uh, you know, these human beings have been around for, I don't know, tens of thousands, civilization has been around for tens of thousands of years and right. primitive man has dealt with this type of shit. Um, a lot, you know, a lot more than we have probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like that, that whole concept of lost knowledge. Oh yeah. 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 There was a, there's definitely something to that because, um, if you go to Africa, a lot of the medicine men out there in Africa, they have, uh, stories of the UN coming to write down their stories and everything. And then all of a sudden that medicine man wasn't allowed back at that tribe anymore. It was almost like they were trying to separate their oral traditions. Yeah, I believe it. You know, and with that thing, that's a, it's a little more, you know, not quite as modern. You know, that's all they really have is those oral traditions and uh, all the stories that they pass down. So yeah, I mean, even shit that you can read in in a book. I mean, you might have to special order the book, but yeah, you know, there's there's all kinds of things from like the first, second, third century A.D. from like, you know, early church fathers, like or like the uh, Jewish tribes. Um, you know, all 
Muslims talking about like jinns and all that. Yeah. Uh, it, I think every culture has something like that and some way to treat it. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, the, they've, just about every culture has a vampire story. You know, it's like one being that sucks the energy or the lifeblood off of, off of others. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty ubiquitous about humanity throughout the years. So, you know, there might be something to it. Mm. Oh, I'm enjoying my ice cold Bud Light. <laughs> Bud Ice. Remember that stuff back in the day? Oh my Bud gosh. Ice. Oh my God. <laughs> that might have been before my time. <laughs> it was, it was like, what was it? It was like eight or nine percent alcohol by volume. Really? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Huh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, at the time there was uh, Canadian beers like uh, Labatt's and Molson that are also like eight, nine, ten percent. They were uh, starting to make a little bit more headway into the U.S. market, so then Budweiser decided they were going to come out with this Bud Ice. If I want to remember correctly, it had like a pretty high alcohol volume. I've been drinking uh, Fisher's Island lemonade. It's uh, <laughs> it it's uh, vodka and tequila with lemonade, but it tastes absolutely delicious. And uh, you drink two of them, and you're fucked because it's nine percent or eleven percent if you do the pink lemonade. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and it just goes right down. <laughs> I can we, imagine. Uh, it's like, like a, getting drunk really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> We have them in the fridge in the office at work, and like every Friday, we cut out like an hour early and just all get together and drink cocktails. And uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll drink two of them, and I'm like, "Fuck, I gotta like, I gotta stay here and like drink water. I can't drive home." <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and then I remember there was a, a strange time in the early 2000s where we had like Mike's Hard Lemonade, and then there was a whole bunch of other uh, like hard fruit drinks like that. Yeah, Twisted yeah. Tea. Twisted tea, <laughs> Smirnoff ice. Yep, icing a bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we had this one in Texas. It was called Hooper's Hooch. It was like hard orange juice. It was huh. ridiculous. <laughs> Just like a, it's like drinking a mimosa in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like heavily carbonated, and you could definitely tell it was alcoholic. And in the orange juice part of itself wasn't even all that great. Jesus. I remember getting it once. I was like, man, this is disgusting, but I feel like I need like an eggs Benedict with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to go over? No, man, that's pretty much it. I mean, right. yeah, I mean, we've got ghost stories. I, I can tell some where, you know, I got thrown out of bed a few times, had, you know, cold hands slap me in the middle of the night. So really? Yeah. I've had a whole bunch of great stuff. <laughs> yeah. And what, what was, I'm, how did you feel about that? Oh, man. So the creepiest one was one night. I, ha- I used to have a futon because I had this idea that I needed a, a couch in my bedroom rather than a, a a bed like normal teenagers would have. And so I had this uh, crappy futon. And one night the uh, the futon rolled up around me and I got thrown to the floor with it. And then the only thing I could hear, like the uh, tinnitus type of uh, sound in your ears, like that big ringing uh, at the same time, I could hear a voice underneath it. And it was like, aren't you impressed with my size yet? What? Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, and then it had pinned me down to the floor for a good couple of seconds after that and then let go. Did you, like, fundamentally change your whole outlook <laughs> after that? No, I was like, 
I kind of stood up and I was like, okay, whatever weird shit goes on in this house, it needs to stop. I, I got to get some sleep. <laughs> I was yeah. just like more mad at it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that seems like traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. We've, I, I've had some weird stuff that used to happen in that house. We had a, um, a, one of the old CRT TVs before the flat screens and everything came out. Oh yeah. And, uh, all of a sudden the living room filled up with the smell of roses and the dust that was on the TV screen started to get wiped away, and it left a message. And the only thing the message says, it's going to be okay. Huh. And then uh, a couple days later, my dad's girlfriend calls the house while my mom is at home. She was the one who answered the phone. Jesus. <laughs> and then uh, after my mom had thrown the phone at him, and it was a big old art knockdown drag out argument about that, uh, next thing you know, room fills up with the smell of roses again, and then she's instantly comfort again. Hmm. And then she was like, you know what that smell is like? I was like, I have no idea. It's like, it smells like my aunt's old perfume. I was like, okay, that's a little trippy. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got into an argument with my girlfriend. Her uh, Both of her parents passed away. Uh, they, they committed suicide when she was in her 20s. Oh, yikes. And um, so... It, it's obviously it had a huge effect on her mental health and oh that would she, have an effect on anybody's mental health yeah really jeez yep and uh you know she's she surprisingly enough she's like as as normal as she could possibly be like i mean she's still a woman yeah but um <laughs> you know she's she takes her prescription she goes to therapy and she's fine um but uh, she went to this uh, pretty famous psychic uh, medium that's pretty well known in my area, um, Maureen something. And uh, she, it was, we were at the car dealership and I had just bought my, my Subaru. And uh, we were on the way, we were driving at home. She's like, oh, uh, I'm going to this medium. Do you want to go with me? And I'm like, Absolutely not. And she was kind of taken aback. <laughs> She's like, uh, all right, w- well, why? And I'm like, because like, I look at it this way, either that shit's completely fake and it's a scam. Right. Which I'm going to be mad. Yeah. Or, <laughs> um, she actually is talking to something. How, how sure are you that she's actually talking to what I, what I imagine you want her to be talking to, which is your mom or your dad. Right. How, how sure are you? That that's them on the other side that she's communing with and not something else. Yeah. Like if like, uh, be like going through the whole, uh, like atheist to Christian transition, like really blackpilled me on all like the fun occulty things like Ouija boards and right. Like, like going out and getting drunk and seeing a medium Not like <laughs> five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'm not, no. I'm not doing that at all. <laughs> that, they're, they're either faking or they're real. And either way, I'm just going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, I, uh, I had a girlfriend and she took me to one. And as soon as I walked in the, uh, the building, uh, the, the madam, the psychic madam, she uh, pointed at me. She goes, no, you need to wait outside. I was like, oh, oh yeah. I was like, why do I need to wait outside? And she goes, nobody with the gift needs to be in here. I was like, ah, okay. I'll walk out. I'll play along. <laughs> Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> always kind of fun dealing with those people. <sighs> yeah. yeah um, my dad actually got thrown out of a, uh, out of Vina for similar reasons. She's like, she, like he went in with his buddies and um, 
this was in this was in Boston, and it was I, I'm pretty sure Puerto, Puerto Rican or I don't know whatever their whatever their like Santeria like thing that Puerto Ricans do is yeah. yeah. Um, but he went in like him and two of his friends just for the just for the hell of it, and uh, she looked at him and was like, "What?" Like started doing like the boss. Like, what you think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> and basically just threw him out for for no reason. And but she said it's because like he he can't be here because he he knows too much or something like that. Right. right. Yeah, you never know. It's like they just like an instant read on somebody who's like, oh, this guy's not going to buy her bullshit. So. No, no, it, it it's because she she said it's because like he's um he had like I don't know some type of aura about him or whatever. Yeah. Which I can see because he's a fucking weirdo and like he dreams about shit that like ha- like that happens and shit. Ah, prophetic dreams. Those yeah, are, but like, those are always fun. Yeah, and except they're not fun. <laughs> like he told me about two of them where like there was a missing kid on Cape Cod. Uh, it was all over the news, like back in the early nineties and he was doing a job. Like he was, he's, he's a bricklayer. So he's doing a job on the Cape and, uh, goes home. And like that night he, he dreamt of like, uh, like an, an autistic kid, uh, climbing up a tree and falling asleep. And then, uh, it being so cold at night that he froze to death and oh, they okay. end up, and then, like, a week later, they end up finding that kid who is autistic or retarded or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, he succumbed to the elements. And then, like, that, that fucked him up. And then uh, there's another one. I, I can't remember what. But he, he grew up in a, in a house that was built in, like, the, the core house was built in, like, the late 1600s. It was one of the first houses yeah. in his town. Like, you know, where where a couple or he he lived a couple towns over from Plymouth. Yeah, and Massachusetts and the New England is is full of stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's like an old building, and like most of it was built in the 1800s, but there was like one little section of it that was probably built in the 1650s or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's all over the place. But uh, his his house uh was not a very happy place to grow up in. Like a lot of uh, you know, abuse, depression, and all that shit. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of energy to feed off of. Uh, yes, exactly. And him, he, he, he's, he's the second oldest of five. So him, uh, my two aunts, and my two uncles all have seen shit. All have seen like apparitions, things move, uh, footsteps, knocking, um, all that type of shit. Yeah, it's it's always so weird uh, when you get validation from the from the other people in your family yeah. you know i've i've had uh glasses like thrown at the wall and uh one time that happened like right in front of my dad when he was like giving me shit for something and the glass like literally came up out of the sink and smashed up against the wall and he just kind of looked at it looked at me and he goes I-, I didn't see that and he just like walked away yeah and i just kind of looked around and said all right well thank you for getting him off my case yeah <laughs> it's like uh th- that type of shit manifests in uh, like just a negative atmosphere. Oh yeah. And it's not scientific. It's fucking, it's uh, metaphysic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it right at the beginning, you can bring in whatever kind of scientific equipment you want. It's, you're not going to find anything that'll measure any part of it. No, it's the human experience and it's yeah. uniquely human experience. 
Yeah, and what's uh, really kind of fun is when you're doing like EVP work, sometimes people will hear things that you didn't hear, even in the same recordings and everything. So it, that gets kind of fun too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait, you heard yes in that? I heard no. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about all I got, man. Yeah, I think that's pretty good, especially for a uh, for a scary episode. Yeah. Talk about, talk about bad dates, which are just scary by themselves. Yeah. That's <laughs> like between like bad dates and uh, I don't know what what I consider to be demons. It's kind of yeah. kind, kind of somber subjects. Yeah. I mean, at least for me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're here, you know, laughing and joking about it because oh, that's yeah. what that's what you do in the face of danger. Right. <laughs> that's right. You mock it. <laughs> <laughs> mock it mercilessly until it leaves you alone or just kills you finally. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming down. And uh, do you have any plugs? Yeah, sure do. You can always uh, find my podcast. That's the Rebel with a Cause podcast. It's available on all your podcatchers, uh, YouTube and Odyssey. Uh, or you can head over to my website and see what I'm doing over there. It's rebelwithacausepodcast.com. Excellent. Be sure to check that out, boys. And also, welcome to Boys Town. Thank you. I don't really have an answer for that, so that's how sure. it's going to be. I'm going to set myself to this volume, and I'm going to keep it that way uh, for the remainder of the episode. Nicholas, welcome to the Crack House. Um, hey. Glad that you could be here. Please sit down on that couch, but don't sit on the left side. As you can see, there's a wet spot there. Um, do you prefer any drugs of any kind? I've got uh, a crack pipe that may or may not have residue in it, and I have some... Um, spice K two. Well, I don't like to use other people's crack pipes, so That's I, br- I brought my own. Fair. Oh own. wow! Look at that—the <laughs> most prepared <laughs> guest ever to come on into the cave. Uh, let's go in. Let's just immediately go in. So, I did an episode recently. I don't even remember when it was. Who knows when this will come out? Um, usually the first Friday of the of the month. I did an episode recently where I was with Carr and I assume Aaron, and we were talking about platinum coinage, uh, or specifically the one trillion dollar coin. Mm-hmm. And you had hit me up on Twitter, and you really tickled my fancy uh, in regards to the trillion dollar platinum coin. And uh, then we got into talking in the DMs. I, yeah, I've been following you for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. I've liked what I've seen. I like a Delusian. I like a Spinozist, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, sure. I, I like individuals who dive right in, and you've been doing that uh, recently. And I wanted to get you on so that we could dive right into a couple of subjects that are uh, weird to me. The first one mm-hmm. that you immediately brought up, you, you must know me very well. The first thing you brought up in DMs was that the Bronze Age didn't happen um i'm immediately gonna ask you what does that mean please tell me what that means when you say the bronze age didn't happen all right uh so there's a i want to say an egyptologist named david rawl who um he kind of dropped out of the institution because he wrote his phd thesis and then it got optioned for a book uh on Egyptian chronology and then he couldn't use it as a PhD thesis because uh, it can't uh, PhD theses can't be previously published 
Mm. So he kind of just said, fuck you to the academy and went <laughs> off and started his own uh, institute. So he has his own institute. Um, he has quite a few books out uh, on sort of medieval uh, and earlier history. And um, his, I guess, most provocative claim is that there are 300 years around uh, the Bronze Age, um, so something like 1012 BC or something like that, that um, we've been, uh, well, uh, it's sort of like, it's called the Greek Dark Age, right? So um, there was Mm -hmm. a period in Greek history where um, we've, at a time when we found things in the archaeological record, and then there's sort of 350 years where we assume that we haven't found anything. And uh, then there's sort of a Greek Renaissance where we, we start finding artifacts again. Now, um, his theory is that we're just dating that wrong. And there's like 300 to 350 years that um, we invented that didn't happen. So no, there was no Greek Dark Age, right? Right. And so a lot of um, sort of interesting things from the Bible and even Egyptian histories kind of fall into place uh, if you take out these 350 years, um, specifically around the story of uh, Joseph of, you know, the Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. Um, There's no real, uh, I guess, evidence that um, there were any Jews in Egypt at the time that... uh, they're dating the Bible story. Um, but, and that's, I think it would be the middle kingdom, maybe the first, I think it's the middle kingdom. Sorry. It's about a thousand BC. Yeah. Yeah. If it's about a thousand BC, we're placing this. Yep. And so, um, there, uh, if you take those out, it puts the Jews in Egypt, at that time and it also um there's sorry i this is sort of i'm not an expert on this i just kind of brought it up as a joke <laughs> so <laughs> first it's a joke then it's a lifestyle Shout right, out to right. Woods. i need to know <laughs> and so um you can there are various artifacts like there, there's a house that is dated to around the time that if you take uh if you take out these 350 years um it could could have been Joseph's house. It was a famous um, uh, Egyptian or uh, Jew's house. In I guess uh, he was a, he was a high official in Egypt, um, and so just a lot of a lot of different things fall into place. You can uh, you can read about it. I forget the name of the book now, um, and I should probably be more prepared. But uh, David the, Roll, it was David Roll, R O H L. R-O-H-L. Oh, I didn't get that one right. R-O-H-L. Let's find it. Revised Egyptian Chronology. New Chronology. Right. Uh, the Real Gate of Solomon, potentially. There's, uh, anyway, oh, it's called Exodus Myth or History. Most sure, likely. yep. Yep. Um, yep. Okay, well, I'm in. I'm going to order that. <laughs> I'm in. He, he has know, a bunch pa, of books, actually. Paz pa once told me about the lost time theory. We were doing mm-hmm. some research... Oh, man, about a year ago, I had to be at this point where we did an episode on the Tartarian uh, conspiracy. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, this uh, theory that there was a grand empire in Central Asia where the Tartars were. 
yeah. which which has been com- more or less completely erased out of history. Um, mm. And in the process of doing that, about a thousand years or more of time had to be erased from history in order to do that. Or we simply don't have the evidence available to support that period of history existing chronologically with everything else that we know. Certainly most of the events in time that we know of happened. It's just our distance from Christ's, uh, uh, I guess the contemporary time of Christ uh, Mm -hmm. is a lot shorter uh, than than we thought it was. And and this all goes into this Tartarian empire conspiracy theory. Now we ended up going to this website of a man whose name I cannot remember. I wish I could, because I would love to show uh, you this guy. And he had alleged that the time of Christ was less than 1,000 years ago, which if you know anything about most Christian eschatology, would be very, very interesting considering the times we are currently in. Um, right. So I love lost time theories, man, because I, I, archaeology, as we know, is a giant crock of shit to begin with. Um, for, the, for sure, yeah. The, the entire Academy of Archaeology absolutely doesn't understand what it's doing because there's too many... Um, interrelated subjects one has to understand in order to actually make an archaeological diagnosis, and archaeologists mm-hmm. simply don't understand any of those things. Um, like you have to have an understanding of precipitation and weathering on stone, something that most yeah. archaeologists don't specialize in, and the few who do are often poo-pooed and shouted down by basically guys who like to dig and like to yep. match layers of dirt with time periods, which is ex- really unreliable uh, in the first place. So it, sure. I love lost time because I, I guarantee you somewhere along our, our timeline, we're missing about four or 500 years somewhere. I don't know at what oh. point, what events came before or after or went during. We're missing time somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you read through some archaeological literature from uh, any journals, you'll find that these dating things are really just kind of judgment calls i want to say to be charitable that is yeah. Uh, so uh it's it's very possible and when you're looking back you know you kind of see what you want so um you know you can make up things one thing that's interesting i think about tartaria is it actually broke into the the rationalist sphere um with really the only um interesting rationalist that i care about uh um his blog is Astral Codex 10 on Substack. I can't remember what his name is. Scott Alexander. Um, and he, he invoked Tartaria uh, in a blog post about why we, we can't produce interesting buildings anymore. So mm. <laughs> so go check that out. That's it. Damn, this is already – I've already got many notes. <laughs> I've already got many notes. Um, sure. But let it, let's get to the – Let's get to the meat of today's episode. I don't, you don't feel no pressure to extend this to a, a very long episode. Let's just hit on what, what we need to and and um, dig into it. Because I, you, you brought up a really interesting or, or just relevant and important thing to understand here. Uh, we're going to talk about probably MMT and the trillion dollar platinum coin mm-hmm. and how interrelated those two things are, if they are interrelated or not. I was doing a lot of... Uh, going back and mm-hmm. listening to uh, 2018 was a giant year for the Warren Mosler MMT socialists. Um, they may not even really be socialists, but they certainly like to say that they are most of them. Sure. Um, MMT to me is simultaneously 
the next step in the mm-hmm. neoliberal world order and also the socialist dream piece. It is this extremely reframed economic theory that at its simplest level, if I had to explain it, I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know this. Money is simply as if it's, if you are a sovereign currency printer, which Mm -hmm. is a very unique status in the world. If you are a sovereign currency printer, you can print as much money as you want. And the only consequence is inflation But inflation can be brought down via taxation, which has to be done by force. And this is a really fascinating economic theory because to me it is probably the most honest economic theory so far (laughs) in that it really does drill right down into what money is. It is kind of pure illusion backed by force. Um, But we were talking on an episode of TLE – about the debt and the debt ceiling mm-hmm. and how they always make a big deal out of the debt ceiling and anybody with half a clue understands the debt ceiling isn't real and and I mean you know empirically it's not real most countries do not operate with a debt ceiling at all yeah so, i think uh, only only denmark has denmark. a debt ceiling yep and, and you should see is... their debt ceiling yeah yeah it's in this. It's not even a ceiling. It's it's an astral debt ceiling. It's out of. <laughs> they'll never hit it ever. Or, right. So we. The only reason why the debt ceiling exists is that it is as a part of the empire's giant theater. That hey, we need to in a really. Uh, oh God, is it? Um, I'm trying to look to see who the hell wrote that book, Brave New World. Um, it, it is a Brave New World concept. It's entertainment. Yes. It's pure entertainment. And sure. you had messaged me or, or on the timeline, uh, you tweeted to get my attention. Hey, we could talk about the trillion dollar platinum coin and why it matters. And sure. I'm totally in because that was basically the Austrian theorists say that the best way to stabilize, uh, to, to create higher time preference, to um, bring us away from the debt cycle and the boom and bust Mm-hmm. is to, for the country to pay off its debts. Now, some people have said, well, the way that we can pay off our debts is why don't we just print a trillion-dollar coin? And mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun on TLE just kind of goofing around about the idea that they – why would they – because Aaron was like, do they actually have to print it? And Carl <laughs> and I were both like, no, of course they don't actually – have to print it but they probably would and they'd have some fucking well 14 year old uh, lap stool kid uh to, right. to go on a on a velvet pillow and deliver it to the fed um but you they, but you jumped in on this so please take take they, it away they would actually have to print it they would have to print a coin uh to oh, they would yes um as a uh asset to um for the fed to issue liabilities um but that that's far down the road of this is that a legal is there for a is that for a legal reason that 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 in order for something to have money it has to be backed by a physical token of some kind i'll I'll explain that uh as we go through it um there's a reason there um but so uh just to touch on something uh the the debt ceiling of course was uh president woodrow wilson's doing and we all know Mm -hmm. that woodrow wilson is the devil so of course, that that would have to come out of him. Um, it was a, I believe it was a, um, 
compromise with uh, the Congress to get uh, increased debt for World War One uh, to um, uh, establish borrowing because prior to that, uh, Congress had to actually physically approve every bond that was issued. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, the compromise was that there would be a debt ceiling, but then the Treasury could issue bonds for however much they wanted up until the debt ceiling. But nowadays, yes. I think yes, is it, how it, most countries with most central banks still work this way. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. sure. Well, the, there's an the, well, we can come across that here in a little bit too. It, okay. it, some of some of the banking systems are interesting. Um, the Federal Reserve is kind of unique in the world, uh, but we'll get into that. I just wanted okay. to give a bit, a bit of history there. So um, the significance of the platinum coin, significance of the platinum coin. Um, I was a blog, an economics blogger back in, I don't know, like 2005 to 2010. And uh, I wrote for um, my own blog. And then I joined a group blog called uh, uh, Modeled Behavior uh, that got picked up by Forbes. Uh, and that's about when I, I left. Uh, but I remember MMTers being sort of gadflies back in that day. And um, there was uh, the height of the crescendo of the previous debt ceiling uh, and the previous uh, um, fame of this idea of the platinum coin came in 2010, right as I stopped uh, blogging. But um, I remember when this came up, it sort of followed the path that it's following right now where um, the mainstream media, or I like to call them the vestigial media or corporate media, whatever you want to say, um, sort of writes a few articles, uh, it gains popularity, um, it makes it up to the desk of the Federal Reserve Chair and or the President, and then uh, someone demurs. Now, Joe Biden isn't a real person, so there might not be anyone there to reject this idea this time, so <laughs> we might actually get it. It's um, wild, right? <laughs> speaking right, right. Of, speaking of vestigial, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so the interesting thing about the last episode is that um, after everything died down, uh, or after the White House um, and the Federal Reserve sort of rejected the idea, it it died off in in most of the press. Um, everyone sort of forgot about it, but it didn't die off in MMT circles, and Sort of the reason why is because um, MMT ha- is a chartalist theory of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so they believe that uh, the origin of sort of um, what we view of as money uh, comes from state issue. And um, the earliest, I guess, MMT book is a book by L. Randall Ray, who's a professor of economics at U. Uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. Um, it's called Understanding Modern Money, and it's it's a pretty thick book. Um, it's kind of uh, pretty technical as far as getting into um, the inner workings and pipes and stuff of the banking system. Um, but one key aspect that uh, Ray um, comes up with in that book is that the Treasury and the Federal Reserve have a consolidated balance sheet. Uh, Basically, they're consolidated entities. And so my 
story of the Federal Reserve, <clears throat> or uh, MMT, I'm sorry, MMT, is that uh, sort of a, a bunch of interesting folks that uh, sometimes they like to deny that they're political at all, and sometimes they like to say that they're socialists, uh, came up with an idea of a jobs guarantee. <clears throat> um, a, basically a federal government provided jobs guarantee. And um, in coming up with this, they uh, realized that it would be a gigantic boondoggle. It would um, cost a ton of money and it would raise the red flags of basically anyone uh, that came across the notion that we would have to borrow or raise taxes to fund this jobs guarantee. Mm -hmm. So sort of what this book is doing is trying to reverse engineer the money system in a way that would allow them to spend all this money on a jobs guarantee without actually raising taxes or borrowing any more money. And so um, a lot, some MMTers will claim or make the claim that the jobs guarantee is not important to modern monetary theory. And hmm. I just, I call bullshit on that. Yeah, I think me that the, too. It's all the over. whole theory. Yeah, the whole yep. theory is the jobs guarantee. In fact, I would say yep. that modern modern monetary theory is a theory of a jobs guarantee. Yes. Uh, yeah, and nothing that's more. how it, that's a most, I mean, Warren Mosler says that Warren <clears throat> yes. Mosler bases the entire theory on the fact that once you hit full employment, all you have to contend with is inflation. Yes. L let me close this door real quick. Sorry. It's okay. It's our crack house dog. Just be, he bites. So. <laughs> Careful. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, Warren Mosler, uh, is big on the jobs guarantee. Um, and so is, um, uh, Ray and I, I don't know about Kelton. Um, she might not be so big on it. Uh, there are other big names in MMT, uh, that, um, I guess would attest to the jobs guarantee. I think that the popular marketing, uh, is where you get the idea that it's not based like the whole theory isn't based around the jobs guarantee, but it, I, I'm here to say that it, it absolutely is. Oh yeah, so. I completely agree. <clears throat> and, so, and before uh, you even continue, just to set some ground, and we'll go back to jobs guarantees and where you want to go from here. Um, mm -hmm. Chartalism is often contrasted with metalism. Can you explain the two of those briefly for the listeners who may <clears throat> not know what that is? Um, so chartalism is, well, okay, let's start with metalism. Metalism is the idea that um, money derives its uh, value from some commodity and the most fungible and transferable uh, and long lasting commodity that has sort of been found in history has been precious metals. So gold and <clears throat> gold and silver usually. Um, so uh, if you think about something like um, Mises regression theorem, uh, yep. yeah. it would be money. Our money today is sort of the ghost of gold uh, is what it's been called in some, some of the literature where um, you would put marks in this as well as a medalist or I yes. just said, all right. So that, think, there's one tradition there. There's like a continental tradition of metallism. I know mm -hmm. that goes back to Aristotle. Yes. Keep going, though. Um, and so uh, that would say that the money that we use today has its origin in value from um, the its use, uh, the gold's use as money. So mm -hmm. uh, if you trace everything back, you you originally derive value from the commodity. 
to contrast that, uh, chartalism is the theory that um, money is basically a liability of that states issue. And so uh, states issue coinage, uh, put a um, denomination on the coin. You use that coin based on the, um, the government's denomination, and then the government uh, demands that you pay taxes in the currency that it is issuing you. Uh, and so chartalists would say that um, sort of modern mon money arises uh, with the advent of um, what I call state, state capture technology. Mm -hmm. um, and before that, Yes. <laughs> and before that, uh, you would, you, it, you would consider something like, uh, metal <clears throat> metals, uh, trading as barter, um, as distinct right. from money. Now, um, I like, there's a paper out there called evil is the root of all money. <laughs> okay. And it's by a group of people that call themselves, um, new monetarists, uh, in the vein of sort of, uh, Milton Friedman's monetarism, and their theory is sort of like David Graeber's theory, that money is, um, what would it, wait, what would you say? It's a um, exaptation of credit. Um, so people would issue um, credit slips back in the day mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. um, gold, basically gold reserves or precious metal reserves. And then uh, people figured out at some point that the um, the slips were actually easier to trade than the gold itself, and started uh, trading the slips, and that is the um, that's the origin of money. So, that or is, at least there, pay, and there is archaeological money. evidence of that. Speaking of archaeology from earlier, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, and so, uh, I guess getting back if you want to, to the MMT uh, phenomenon and how this relates is that um, what would happen if uh, a federal coin was mint, or a uh, platinum coin was minted by the um, mint, which is under the treasury, and then deposited at the Fed's account, uh, at the treasury's account at the Fed, um, it would actually consolidate the Federal Reserve and the treasury. Um, so that would be a situation where the Treasury demanded that the Fed take on an asset and issue liabilities um, uh, in the same, I guess, denomination as the asset that was deposited. Right now, the Fed or the Treasury does not have that power. Um, the Fed, the Treasury can't issue bonds and force the Federal Reserve to buy them. In fact, the Federal Reserve has to buy bonds on the open market. So at the moment, uh, the only way that the Treasury can get uh, money into its Federal Reserve account is via debt issue or via taxation. Um, what the platinum coin would do would e erase that distinction so that the Treasury can just come up with a, in this case, platinum $1 trillion coin deposited at the Fed and immediately have $1 trillion in spending power. And that is why you see MMT are so excited about this platinum coin idea, because um, mm. 
Ray's uh, 1988 book was too hasty in consolidating the two. Uh, that left MMTers with a theory that did not correspond with any reality, um, but um, this is a way to hack that into reality, actually. So is one of the things you're saying here that the minting of the platinum coin would what you you mentioned spending so so the minting of the platinum coin would give the federal reserve spending money you're saying they wouldn't buy off the debt with it I, i'm trying to figure out what you mean there no it would be all new purchasing so this would be oh, um, okay yeah so it I would be consider that <laughs> it, it would be a current account so uh the fed could do whatever or the treasury could do whatever it wanted with it if it wants to buy back debt it can do that but yeah, right. i'm guessing it would fund new spending so um, as an attempt to buy the debt back in other ways, or are they not concerned with buying the debt once that thing is printed? So there, there's no debt involved in the, the platinum mm -hmm. coin. Um, yeah. So it, it's brand new money. So it'd just be like um, $1 trillion showing up at your house for no reason. And nobody has anything on its books that it are, uh, are, assets that correspond with those liabilities right so so when the fed gets this trillion dollars in spending what would they do with it what what do you what would you expect them to do with it at least <clears throat> so the fed would credit the treasury's account one trillion dollars and the treasury would just have a trillion dollars to spend ah okay treasury do with it what it will then yes yep mm. yep so um <clears throat> that that is the MMT link to the platinum coin, why it's so exciting to MMTers. Um, and it would actually bring apart, bring about a new paradigm, a new monetary paradigm um, that would make their, I guess, uh, scribblings uh, a reality. And that's not, um, I guess, a political movement that's based around money is not unheard of. Uh, even in the modern world, or I guess relatively modern, you had um, the green backer, green backers, mm -hmm. free free silver, social credit, uh, those type of movements. So these it has an antecedent in history. Um, so it, it's something to I uh, I think that a lot of people don't take it seriously, um, but I think that they should actually. In what sense, as a serious <clears throat> threat or as a serious solution? Well, I guess that's relative to uh, your position on, I guess, how money works, but <clears throat> or or the the uh, the soundness of government spending, but um, it could become, uh, I guess, a reality in the sense that the monetary system could shift to a system where the Fed and the Treasury are consolidated. And then whenever the treasury needs uh, extra money, it uh, just um, delivers a, an asset to the Federal Reserve uh, with a um, particular denomination on it. And um, the Fed credits its account. Hmm. And so that's why, <clears throat> as I said earlier, the coin would have to be delivered. And I mean, not necessarily the coin. It could be a piece of paper with a trillion dollars, you know written on it or something, but something has to be delivered to the Federal Reserve uh, as an asset. So that, that's why it needs to be there.
be good to, for them to throw a big parade a la the last, uh, you know, Star Wars A New Hope, where they, <laughs> where they carry it up. And I'm telling you, where they ca- they have to. Hillary Clinton herself, <laughs> let her do it. Carry for it sure. up in a pillow to Jerome Powell or whoever the fuck is in, in the, the Fed now. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, and on one knee, hand it over to him, and then he can drop it in the piggy bank or wherever they keep their yeah. money. Yeah, he just drops it in the piggy bank, pulls out his phone and hits something, and you know a big number goes around and fucking one sure. trillion dollars. You know, I my thing bunch is, of confetti. is it because is this a deceleratory thing, and how can we turn it turn it acceleratory? Because they print this coin now. Mm-hmm. There's a trillion dollars that that gets put into the system. A new trillion dollars gets mm-hmm. put into the system inflation is obviously going to go up and so the response to that would need to be a rise in wages so that they can get more out of taxes so um as far as inflation go- going up that's sort of um a function of the de- quantity de- quantity demanded of uh money uh if there's a lot of uh demand for or i guess aggregate demand you would say but demand for money um you could see inflation not go anywhere um i think that a trillion dollars probably would stoke some bit of inflation and really the only um mechanism that the government would have at that point to rein in inflation is fiscal policy writ large oh and really so, that's yeah. not what they say, the MMTers at least. Not that this is only an MMT or move, but wouldn't they, the job? So what I'm trying to figure out is what is the big result of printing this one trillion? There has got to be consequences of some kind. Yeah. So um, it, the jobs guarantee is a, a sort of a um, corresponds with a theory of full employment so um Mm -hmm. as you said ray ray emphasizes full employment and then um what they wanted the system that they want to set up is a system where um if you're unemployed uh and i guess unemployable uh because of whatever um situation is happening in the economy uh your skills don't match or there's a recession or whatever um you can go to i guess the government office of useless jobs mm-hmm. and say and turn you into glue oh okay <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> something like that and so that would solve the uh the aggregate demand problem right because they'd just be killing it off a bunch of poor people that's uh, what i really believe is, is that <laughs> if, if you can't be employed in this future system then they have to get rid of you <laughs> they, sure. there's, they have to take you out of the system entirely but yeah so what would you what would you actually do with an unemployable in a system where they require full employment well, I don't know what the jobs would be, and that's sort of a question that I I have. Um, maybe just sitting in a room, kind of like uh, you know when um, like teachers get suspended or something like that, but their contract <laughs> says that they have to show up, so they just yeah. sit in a padded they put room. Them in, or something yeah, they like put that. them in a room. Yeah, yes, they do. <laughs> I've been <laughs> in that room actually. <laughs> so, so they now. If there's a consequence along the line somewhere and, and full employment is necessary to run the system, which it is, and it, it has to be used ultimately to, to, to stave off inflation through taxation. You're saying fiscal policy, but let's just fiscal assume policy, yes. let, let's just assume for now 
it, it, we can we can bracket that part of the conversation because I really want to know somebody's going to get the raw end of this deal when yeah. they print the money and there's a everybody has a job and certainly you have to look towards the unemployable people whoever they may be for whatever reason they don't want to work uh, they yeah. want to escape the system of work entirely what do these individuals pose to the system? Uh, are they a threat to the system? Do, do they provoke negative consequences from the system to the system? What is an unemployable person's place in this system? Well, so in the MMT literature, um, they'll make it the distinction uh, for this jobs guarantee um, idea that it's anyone who wants a job. Right. Oh, and so nice. um, <laughs> I, now I don't know how they come to that conclusion. Like um, if you want a job and the government has a bunch of jobs that still don't, I guess, suit you, or maybe the government could come up with whatever job it wants for you. Um, maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's something like it, they'll pay you to do really anything. Maybe not. I don't. I, I don't know. I, there are a bunch of ideas of how this jobs guarantee works, and um, at, so at some the, point you're abandoning productivity as a necessary goal of employment. For sure. Yeah. And none of this. I guess the political um, orientation around this is um, one of uh, egalitarianism. So at all costs, really. And so um, it's not really, I guess, they don't concern themselves with productive, the productive aspects of the economy or the fact that um, production needs to happen at all. Um, you <laughs> right. can just t and this was where fiscal policy comes in. So if, if inflation gets out of hand, um, really, you've neutered monetary policy almost completely and so the only mechanism that you have to rein in um, the money that is in the system is to uh, bring it back in and destroy it and that's that's what taxation would that's the role that taxation would uh, play yeah, in you the su system. suck it back in like a vacuum because it's just right. floating out there now okay I don't if stop me if I'm getting moving you away from what you want to talk about here but I'm, I'm just I've always tried to figure out in, in let's to the to the nth degree of this so that I can understand what the actual consequences of the single unemployable person would be. What if everybody wanted a job mm -hmm. but none of the jobs produced any commodities? So they would all be just sitting in a room doing nothing or well or making YouTube videos. I, I don't know. Uh, is that a commodity even? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. So what you're saying is you're not producing any goods that you can consume. Yeah, I, I, so I, like come, I come at this from perhaps a Marxist perspective. I really don't know. But to me, an economy is commodities. I don't really, I don't really know what you would be doing otherwise to drive demand for the currency. So, well, I guess that's, a, that's an open question here because um, it, if you have a jobs guarantee that is uh, – paying high enough that no one is out in a field um, picking food or milking cows or anything, then yeah, sure. you're, out, you're out of vegetables, fruit, and milk just in that situation, right? Sure, and So yeah. um, it's, it's really an open question in the system. One, who, 
who is going to sit there and come up with the magic wage that balances a bunch of useless idiots that don't want to produce anything and the people that would be caught up in a system that they could do something and they want to do something, um, but the jobs guarantee just pays more than something productive. Right. So maybe at some point you, you would have to counterbalance uh, nobody wants to be a farmer anymore with, well, being a farmer privileges you in this system, you get paid a lot more. Well, yeah, then wages for that type of thing would have to go up, up probably pretty significantly. Um, so if you think about something like uh, raising the minimum wage, a lot of people conceptualize that as you raise the minimum wage from, I guess, $1 to $5 and um, you uh, sort of, you have a gap there of, of $4, but you're actually, you have a gap there of $10, right? Um, because the, 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 start, the baseline starting wage, uh, or I guess $8, uh, the baseline starting wage starts out higher. And so mm-hmm. um, instead of someone looking and saying, I made a dollar um, and now it's $5, they would say, well, now I make $5. And if you're offering me $6, that's, uh, I guess, what would it be, 25% more or something like that. So they'd say no, right? Maybe. Right to right. take that job. So you'd have hmm. to you'd have to raise the wage even more from that new minimum wage uh baseline to be able to um uh hire uh more people because of I guess opportunity costs. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. Yes. It's so it's it's the the thing that I did seem to the thing that I do seem to like about the modern monetary theorists in general is that they do have and even it seems like most austrians there's been were many debates with bob murphy where he kind of i wouldn't call it conceding because he obviously believes the same thing they kind of have an accurate picture of how the current economy works and where money currently is but it doesn't seem like it seems great to me (laughs) because i'm just not interested in in this in the legacy system anyway but it seems sure. like at some point this thing cannot feed people. Or if it can feed people, we're just going to be back in the system we currently are in, except mm-hmm. with a massive reorganization of wages, which would happen in a free market system. I, I don't right. quite understand that. So um, one thing that I do actually think that MFEers get really right is um, their analysis of the the banking system, which is um, sort of a black box in mainstream economics. Um, I know that some Austrians get into the function of the like, I'm not talking about the function or the role of banks in an economy, but the actual fun- like functioning of banks with regard to the monetary system. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Bob Murphy there. And I, I've seen debates that he's had. I used to... Um, sort of correspond with him when I was blogging. Uh, George Selgin and Lawrence yep. White are uh, two others that engage this quite a bit. And uh, they have a really solid understanding of, of money that is, I would say, superior to um, sort of mainstream stream economics. Um, and specifically in their um, idea of, or well, the core idea that of endogenous money, uh, whereas uh, a lot of mainstream theories are um, 
based around the idea that money is exogenous and there's a money multiplier. Um, you know, the Fed is, issues money and then uh, it goes into reserves and reserves uh, can be um, multiplied by 10 or something like that. And then the money sort of goes out from there. Um, the endogenous theory of money uh, is that money comes into existence in, uh, in the, within the banking system uh, and banking system reserves expand or contract um, to accommodate loan demand. And that's right. sort of what, that's the role of the Federal Reserve um, is to broker uh, those loans. So the, um, the discount window is where banks would come to uh, borrow money if they can't get it in the in, in interbank lending. Right. Yeah. And that um, does, is that, and you're saying that is the more accurate of pictures because it seems to correspond that way. Yes. For, for modern money. Yes. Uh, that yeah. the endogenous money view is uh, more accurate to the functioning of the current banking system. That's that's what it seems like, yeah. <clears throat> and so um, I think that uh, it, the odd thing is that the there's no reality in the United States that this sort of corresponds to, um, as we had touched on earlier. That's sort of where the platinum coin comes in. Um, there is like the Bank of Canada sort of operates this way, though. Um, so the Bank of Canada operates, um, they buy bonds directly from whatever Canada's tre treasury is called. Um, they're obligated to buy, or the, I guess the treasury of the, of the government is obligated actually to sell um, something like, I don't know, 15% or something like that of, of new newly issued bonds to the Bank of Canada. Um, and so it's, it's a lot closer and it's weird that I think it's weird that MMTers don't sort of focus on that um, because it would be a more accurate picture of what they want to see mm. as far as uh, how the banking system works. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't really know. I don't really have anywhere to go from there, <laughs> dude. It's so weird. It's it's a it's a it's almost alarming <laughs> because the 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 thing that freaks me out about I don't know what a good term for it would be, but the present circumstances of the economy as interrelated mm -hmm. to society yep. is very clearly a move by like a pincer move by corporations in the state to make people transient reliant yes. on as, as low paying as possible to survive without upstarting the system jobs mm -hmm. and to undermine anybody's ability to acquire tenure and people have to be comfortable moving places all the time. The, the Airbnbification of the country, basically, in, in every sure. single facet of participation in the country and the economy. That, that seems to be what Globo Homo wants. And sure. MMT seems to, with the jobs guarantee, mm -hmm. seems to want to do that very same thing. So 
is yes. MMT in, in when we're having this discussion is MMT really the next move or is MMT actually rebellious towards this system? Uh, it would be the next move in the sort of system that you're outlining there. Um, particularly in sort of eventually after a while of this sort of thing playing out, I imagine that you would end up with a nationalized banking system. And so something like the post office or someone would operate all the banks. And of course that means <laughs> that, uh, that the national government would be directing credit, right? Yes. So yeah, right. It, yep. um, they would be deciding projects that come up and all that stuff. And so I believe you call that a social credit system. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That, yeah. Sure. That's what like they that. want, man. That's what they want. They want a digital currency. <laughs> That mm -hmm. you that is one hundred percent trackable at every mm -hmm. phase. They want to yep. be able to, without you even noticing, adjust every price via some sort of a redistributionist AI, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they yeah. want your job to be whatever is needed at that moment to produce well, the next thing. Sure, um, I think that they want most people doing what I would say um, happened to the boomers um, post World War II, and that is they were put in a middle management filing cabinet where they basically just push around symbols all day, right? So yeah. that makes up yep. that makes up most of what you would find in a company is are these middle ma manager types, and that's simply because. Um, with the major push to get people into degrees along with um, an economy that didn't have places to put people with degrees like that, or at least that many, um, you get a whole bunch of basically bullshit jobs. Yeah. You know, comp totally companies bullshit. just make bullshit jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and what is the, and the result of that for the entirety <clears throat> of society is a slow decline, right? I mean, you can't, Production is what is, I don't know, maybe this is a little well, hoppian of me, but production seems to be the basis of any good society, and increasing production seems to be even better than that. And if yes. you just have bullshit everywhere, I don't really know what that does. So some the thing is, I guess the thing is, someone needs to produce at some point yeah. along the chain. So if you can push that production like we have to China, and then we can just you know, sit and have fun and uh, not produce anything and, and play around with symbols all day. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, all, that's, that's fine and good as long as it lasts, yeah. but as yeah, you're as saying as now, it lasts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> China, China is pushing now, China is now pushing that off to even poorer economies. And mm -hmm. let's say, let's say that that raises everybody's standard of living up eventually. And, and in a hundred years, there's no one else, no one left to hold mm -hmm. the bag at the end. Then, Robots. Well, that's that's the dream, right? Yeah, is that is. that all of this is going to be fully lug fully automated luxury space communism or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Except except in Star Trek, they made that seem like it was cool, and I feel like in real life, it's going to be like, well, at some point, and I really believe this. At some point, once we reach the point of total automation of production. Mm -hmm. everyone is going to simply fall asleep. 
there's no more there's no point anymore to actually existing on earth i don't it, sure. it gets really weird once mm-hmm. everything is taken care of for you well then just plug in and enter the dream world for the remainder of your existence what's the point right right yeah and that's uh so i forget uh there was a really early on in this sort of culture war battle that we find ourselves in somewhere around the 2010 range i've been complaining about this shit for way too long (laughs) um there was a um trans person that wrote a book called um from trans to transhumanism or something like that oh boy oh boy uh, <laughs> I'd I'd have to I'd have to go and get the actual title of it, uh, but the whole case was that um, in uh, breaking down uh, these identities as correspond to sort of a material world, um, it's sort of the first step in the idea that we're just going to erase the material world. Yeah, without a doubt. I really believe that. And, and again, I don't know. I actually think this is unconditional and inevitable. But sure, I I really do read the forces of production and the natural way that you would think about what's happening is you have two options: restart the clock. Well, I guess you have three: restart the clock and become a hunter gatherer, not because you need to, but because mm-hmm. it's the only way you could find material value. In, in something called the real world. At some point, mm. the real world's just going to break down anyway, but, but not everybody's going to choose the same path. The middle ground is y- you continue to operate in existence within the real world, but because everything is already auto-produced for you, you're, you're doing work to produce things for yourself, not because you need to, but because it becomes the moral goal of life is, well, sure. at least I produce things for myself. And, and it's inane to do that. I mean, you don't need to do that like our ancestors. Well, I need mm-hmm. to grow this food or I'll die. You're just kind of doing it as a hobby. So it's either the, the, the <clears throat> hunter-gatherification of society, the hobbyfication of society, or what I really believe is going to happen for the vast majority of people is mm-hmm. an initiation of a great filter where yeah. most people simply decide – that's it. Let's plug into the matrix and we all live in our own little dream worlds while the food paste that's produced by the robots is pumped into our bodies and we can live in fantasy for the remainder of human existence, which will immediately stop and evolution yep. will no longer continue. And then when mm-hmm. aliens come to planet Earth, they look down and they see we're all attached to giant servers and they go, holy shit, I guess we don't want to be like them. And they leave. <laughs> I, dude, I really, I, in a way, I sort of believe that is the natural trend of what is coming, is that transhumanism really means transreality, where you sort of enter a dream space, because once, every, once you can ex- continue to exist in, in the form you do, you might as well plug people in, and then they can do whatever they want in an immaterial space. Am I, am I yeah. off on that? Have you considered this? Because nope. it yeah, freaks absolutely. me out. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I uh, that's actually, um, I guess you would call it a Landian view. Um, no, I've been reading he, a lot of him, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that he sort of, uh, he wrote about the beginning of that and like um, Fanged Numina. Um, Robin Hansen is also uh, sort of a big theorist in this space of um, uploading yourself to a computer. Uh, he wrote a book called The Age of M. Um and really, that's the option that most 
I would think that most people are going to take. There aren't that many people that can come up with things to keep them busy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where, t- you know, things like TV or video games or something comes from. I mean, if, if you're the type of person that's a self-starter, um, that's able to keep yourself busy, then you're, you're making the video game. You're not, you're not consuming mm-hmm. it. Or maybe you do consume some, but, but most of the time you're, you're coming up with new things, right? And there are just very few people that can live that way as self-starters. So I think that the the big option that people will end up taking is going to be uh, to plug in. Now, it's complicated because uh, they might just die. They w- yes. Because uh, uh, yep. so if you think about um, uh, uploading yourself to a computer, um, that's go- initially going to be really probably pretty expensive and really you're going to only want to take the most productive people and just copy them over and over again right and so their mm-hmm. wages fall to zero uh, the person that owns them in the real world is fantastically wealthy um, because they're sucking up all the productivity of all their little clones and then nobody else gets cloned and everybody else just kind of dies Mm-hmm. humanity That's, just yeah. dies off um a bunch of rich people that, that can afford to buy immortality you know buy immortality um i guess there's the idea that uh, um the rest of the planet sort of self-starters are going to become nomads in space on space uh barges or whatever yeah um, and, and and they have to make the decision to live a harder life Yes, yeah, that that, that is actually uh, the question is, do you, and that's even the question uh, a lot of people around our circles talk about um, becoming self-sufficient, right? And uh, yeah. becoming yeah. self-sufficient is sort of synonymous with becoming poor. Yes, uh, especially when you're contrasting it with plugging in and living in, you know, dream world reality. Correct, yep. And so, um, and I'm not saying that being self-sufficient entails that you're going to be poor. I'm just saying when you start out and you're trying to build self-sufficiency, um, you're, you're denying all the riches that are on the table for you for something hopefully in the future that is sustainable or more fulfilling or brings meaning to your life or something like that. Some other reward that maybe some side effect is that you'll be rich uh, sometime in the future, but you're, you're definitely foregoing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, level of consumption to do it so that is a big leap that uh it's hard to ask people to do that right if i'm um, yeah i mean i don't i think it was adam patrick who was talking about you go to a different planet you become a hunter gatherer yeah. and um I, yeah i really to me those are the three options and i guess the fourth sub option you alluded to with clones somebody mm-hmm. has to still be procuring the resources to fuel this dream system which could be i mean anybody or anything some fuel source and something that provides the nutrients for the bodies in the cave to continue Mm -hmm. to exist um it's a very dark reality and i really think this is more possible than people are have considered and i don't think it's that far away either uh once once one person does it it's you know it's going to be exponentially easier to plug everybody else in and and I well, don't even know where the economy comes into play when something like that happens. Well, here's the tell um, that you can see sort of the beginning of this, or what I take as a tell, 
is that if you look uh, around at the type of values that we're discarding and the type of values that we're picking up, we are actually picking up values that were inherent in hunter-gatherer societies um, that were sort of discarded in the ag agrarian revolution. Um, so we're discarding agrarian values and uh, picking up forager values. It, it, who is in this sense? Uh, just uh, sort of the general popular culture. Mm. Um, so things that are like um, uh, uh, polyamory, right? Take mm -hmm. that for instance. Um, there have been multiple, obviously multiple attempts throughout history to get polyamory off the ground. Um, no, most of them fail. It's a really high IQ type lifestyle that you would have to that you have to be able to lead to be able to make that work for you. Um, but we're inching more, closer and closer to that sort of breaking out into uh, the mainstream. So you can go on some dating app and somebody will, will say, oh, I'm non-monogamous or something like that. And then how long until that sort of everyone's non-monogamous or it's sort of the norm the default assumption and then whenever you see someone um that says they're monogamous you look at them kind of sideways and that that's a forager value that's sort of seeping itself into the popular unconscious um <sighs> fucking weird dude really and so the weird. the funny the thing is um if you if you think about um, a culture that is sort of spacefaring, uh, a spacefaring nomadic culture, um, they're going to live in a situation where really everything that um, is worth knowing is known and can be known cheaply. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then they're going to have sort of pseudo limited communication. Um, and so they're going I would imagine that they would revert back mostly to forager values. And then when they tell stories about our time, uh, they're going to be, they're going to live more cl or closer to subsistence. Of course, subsistence is going to be a lot different than it would be today. Um, but they'll look back on our time, a time when we had a bunch of um, just uh, idle wealth sitting around uh, enough wealth to be able to engage, indulge ourselves in consequential delusions um this is going to be like their fantasy time they'll write stories about time our time yeah i don't know because they could just plug in I, that's well me, the that's the, the reality the thing is the reality that they would plug in just like we plug into um the the medieval area era that's where our mythology comes from yeah if they plug in they're going to plug into our era because this is when their mythology or where their mythology is going to come from. I guess, you know, I really, what I, what I really think is the only way that you could escape something. First of all, I don't even think mankind becomes spacefaring because of the fact that by the time that these virtual reality systems are implemented, the vast majority of people are going to plug in instead mm -hmm. of do the research to move forward into that. Uh, that's just a bet. I mean, I don't, I don't, I have no evidence of that. That's just a, a gut feeling. Sure. Um, and what I do imagine is, I'll tell you what, if we get on that ship and we get off of it, I'm burning that fucking ship to the ground so we can't come back. <laughs> and we're starting over. Sure. Because that's the only way you could ever 
And again, this only privileges a view that reality is actually worth living in, that it has some sort of content within it that, you know, Robert Nozick posed this with the experience machine, um, mm -hmm. which he, he thought was a great argument. I don't think it's a good argument at all. His basic, his basic premise was, would we rather live in an, in an experience machine or in reality? And he says, well, most people would rather live in reality because ultimately they would find something about the experience machine to be inauthentic. And I don't think that's true at all. I think most people are, are willing to forego this manufactured idea of inauthenticity in favor of infinite pleasure um, oh, yeah, in whatever yeah. manner they choose. And he really thought the opposite was true. I think some people are going to say that the opposite is true and that they would rather forego infinite pleasure in favor of some constructed authenticity about the real world. I think other people will use their religions as an excuse to forego the infinite pleasure. They may say the experience machine is literally hell I mean, it mm -hmm. might be a good hell, but it's literally hell. You're damned. You're done. You've chosen, right. you've chosen to circumvent God's command that Adam has to toil in the field for the remainder of his days. You're going straight to hell. That's what hell is. Right, right. Uh, yep. You know, I, I have no idea, but um, it doesn't look good to me for the vast majority of humanity. And certainly it is the stopping block of evolution. Once we it, hit well, that point, yeah. there is no transhumanism. It's pure inhumanism once you plug in. That's it. It's over. Sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that Baudrillard probably has the better of that argument, um, from simulacra and, or simulacra and simulation, I think is the yes. name of the book, yep. um, in stating that, uh, once you sort of get into, um, uh, hyper realities and even hyper realities on to on top of hyper realities mm -hmm. that when you see the sticky residue of something like reality, uh, it's repulsive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I'm, it's one of my favorite books. I've read it many, many times. I, I think he's right. I, th I yep. think it is, it is people would actually be reviled at the idea. Once they plug in, they would, they would hate to come back for sure. Yeah. Yep. They would be afraid to come back. Oh, you mean relinquish? I don't know if you've ever had a lucid dream but there oh, yeah. is something very, very strange about the lucid dream where the minute that you realize it's lucid, there mm -hmm. becomes this, for me, it's almost like feeling the feeling of a vortex, like mm -hmm. reality tries to pull you back. And it's very unpleasant when that happens. The minute you realize, oh, I'm in the dream. Mm -hmm. realities like claws you back and you wake up. I mean, almost all the time this happens to me for a little while. You may be able to maintain your lucidity for a little while, but it doesn't last long and you get clawed back. And I really feel like once human beings invent a way to prevent the claw from pulling them back, that's it. I mean, who would not rather live in Roblox, <laughs> basically dream <laughs> Roblox, than come right. back and have to work and suffer. There are people who will manufacture goodness out of their work and suffering but it's just not the vast majority of people so i, I think this yeah, is yeah. really the an apocalypse for sure it is really the reverse of a um rapture sort of is is the the raptured ones are the ones who are kind of damned they're done and it's right. only the people who abide by suffering on their terms they go yes i know that reality will be more to suffer than whatever is in that rapture point but i'm going mm -hmm. to do that because I believe 
that at the end of my life, I will get the same thing that the raptured people are getting right now, except it will be in God's good favor. And once those raptured people finally expire, they're done. You, it almost, you have to manufacture purpose in a world where pleasure is like a click of the button away and, and things like infinite money production. And I mean, ultimately once you get the fuel, and the, re- mm-hmm. the resources for the fuel and the food, this is the mm-hmm. decision you have to make once the virtual reality comes in. And yep. um, like, I don't know how we got here, but it's this to me, <laughs> once people start talking about infinity in any sense, I immediately go this way. It's unconditional death. That's all that's coming is if you try and play that game. I don't know, man. Sure. Yeah, I see. And uh, I mean, it can, I guess it can go on for as long as the universe produces resources for the machine to consume, and then yeah. the heat death of the universe happens, and you can't wait. nothing else from that. <laughs> just, just can't wait, man. It's can't all wait. it's always depressing, right? Yeah, it, well, it, yeah. It also, <laughs> I, I think that's why a lot of people cling on to a next life. Um, sure. Because the way that this thing goes with hyper-productivity really seems to go in one direction for most people. Right. Um, yeah. But not to tarry that point, uh, listeners, sit on that for a little while. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is what a year of reading, of consuming as much Nick Land as possible has done to my brain. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I love Nick Land, so... Well, I I love the the one who's dead. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I yeah. don't know. People well, have been um, like, "Hey, do you want to get him on the show?" I was like, "Dude, the Nickland who I read is dead. I haven't even gotten to the current one. He he even says he's he died. So I yeah, don't know. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. So he he'll I guess I'll say that um he uh if you listen to any of the sort of st- ideas or i guess he's done a few video interviews and debates and stuff and he he comes back to ideas from yeah um, like the ccru era uh but the the idea that you know he's a methed out weirdo now is is dead now he's yeah sort of a middle-aged guy from shanghai he's tame yeah he's tame i heard he has kids too that'll do to you that's the end that's what i heard i heard that from somewhere he's got some kids yeah, so me and uh, since he's notoriously bad at or just more important than uh, answering my DMs or anyone that I know, <laughs> dude, <laughs> so, it's annoying. He follows a majority of my friends and yeah, not me. Yeah. It's really, oh really? <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really frustrating. <laughs> well, yeah, I hate to I hate to be the guy that says he follows me, but I was I was floored. <laughs> No, I was dude. actually floored when he followed me. No, yeah, he he follows a majority of my friends who are like, "Who's this guy?" And I'm like, "You motherfuckers!" <laughs> <laughs> I just want that guy to be a mutual, <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah, me and uh, me and Adam Patrick on his podcast have been reconstructing um, the history of accelerationism, uh, and we're we're uh, wanting to get up to land. We're at Hume right now. Uh, so the next one is going to be on. God, I hate Hume. Ugh. Man, I forget who it is. Uh, Pat Patrick hates uh, Adam. Patrick hates Hume a lot too. I know he does. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I don't even hate the things Hume says. I just I I can imagine the smugness with which they were delivered. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm really looking forward to you guys rounding that corner because I have been, and it's really going to start to pick up once I have 
my personal space and my ability to just sit down and work for hours on end. When I moved to Miami, I've got my office and I can set myself in a mood. I've been working on a summary of things I believe because it's taken me a very long time to commit to any ideas at all. Uh, and what I, how I really think things work and land has been essential in that. So I'm really looking forward to you guys putting those episodes out so that I can hear what other people, I don't talk to people about the things that I believe because very few people believe the same things that I do. And certainly very few people touch on the influences that got me to the point where I am. So I'm really looking forward to you guys covering that. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to do a big multi-part series on Deleuze, who is um, probably my favorite philosopher from uh, the last century. Uh, my favorite right-wing philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or, or at least uh, reactionary leftist, as uh, yeah. Justin Murphy Justin calls Murphy. Him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so um, I'm hoping to do a multi-part thing on him to coalesce everything uh uh, into sort of the Deleuze nexus and then branch out into acceleration. Um, yeah, the great thing so. is after acceleration, you still have a lot of spaces to go. You can go to transcendental nihilisms, post-speculativism. You can do a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, um, it never I'm, sure ends. That, I'm sure that conscious realism is going to come up at some point, which is yes, sort of uh, my sure. mil- milieu. Um, I'm ah. big into conscious realism. Very interesting. See, we're, we are now the audience is asleep. <laughs> and it's, just of, it's just the two of us now. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Let's let me get all the plugs that you possibly have. Um, I mean, you've alluded to some of them here. Um, any plugs anywhere you want to send the listeners to? And again, thank you for doing this. This was fantastic. Oh yeah, no problem, man. Um, I I don't write much anymore. I've been trying to get myself into it uh, again um, by just writing uh, something at, on a schedule every day. I have a Substack sort of earmarked um, for when I can get myself back into it. But um, right now, my my only real contact is on Twitter at uh, Cheap Seats Econ. Nice. Okay. Uh, with that, listeners, thank you for joining me in the cave. Uh, we will be back once again. I don't, you know, I've got the itch to do a few of these episodes, so this might be released on a Friday among several others because this this topic has is, is it deserves more. Sometimes I, Nicholas, I will literally. I think it was Antonio Negri who like first gave me the confidence to do this, but he mm-hmm. he he writes books with Michael Hart, and yep. they were doing an interview. And Michael Hart basically goes, yeah, usually when we write a book about an idea, we come up with the name of the idea first, and then we write about it. I thought that was hilarious. I think that's a great idea. (laughs) And uh, monetarism is a thing that came into my mind in a dream once. And uh, I think I want to do an episode on a subject called monetarism, but I don't know if I've come up with it yet. So that will be what I will pick my brain about for the remainder of this month and hopefully i have a monetarism episode coming out soon um cool. thank you man i really appreciate this i will definitely be having you on again if you'd like to come back on um just on your way out watch the crack dog again it's a very dangerous animal um, sure yeah wait didn't he get shot now there's a lot of them so <laughs> yeah there's a lot of crack dogs so all right that's just cool. careful on your way out thank you again uh listeners as you all know i don't have a way of ending this so i'm going to simply squaw and we'll be out of here squaw
I always wished I had paranormal stories, mm-hmm. and I just don't really have that many, except for two. And my family talks about these all the time because these are, we all have these in common. Um, one, you guys go listen to the Halloween episode of uh, Conspiracy Corner from Lions of Liberty last year where I t- told my space-time vortex story. And I was going to save this one for them this year, but they didn't ask me to come on, so... I'll give it to uh, Timeliner. Oh, yeah. Said. It's, it's, it's exclusive. Exclusive Timeliner. Yeah. <laughs> and what it was, so we used to go, uh, in Northern California, there's this uh, town called Grizzly Flats. It's up kind of kind of northeast of, uh, of Placerville, which is the kind of the bigger town up that way. And it's it's a it's, it's a hike to get out there. You have to kind of go through all these winding roads and stuff. There's a lot of ravines that have, like, mini bridges, which you probably know about. Mm-hmm. They're not steel bridges, though. They're, they're concrete bridges, mm-hmm. most of them. Uh, they go across, and uh, we were coming back, actually, from a Halloween carnival at a school up there, because my aunt lived up there with uh, my cousins, and um, we were coming back from Grizzly Flats Elementary School, and on the way back, crashed into the edge of this uh, bridge, this concrete bridge, like an old bridge, probably made in the 1930s, mm-hmm. like, probably, probably, actually, it was probably... Um, During the civil the, service, yeah, the civil service stuff. So it was definitely that era yeah. style bridge. Uh, crashed in the side of this concrete bridge was like a 1970s, either Cadillac or Lincoln, something like that. And um, the wheel had come off completely. It was just sort of like on the side of the road. And there's an old lady standing there right next to the car. And so my mom, you know, being the people that we are, we just you know. I still do this to this day. If I see somebody who's kind of like stuck in the middle of nowhere, I stop and go, hey, mm-hmm, you need mm-hmm. help or whatever. And so we stopped. Uh, and she was like, yes, uh, can you, I- I'm trying to visit my son, um, but I obviously I can't move the car now because it's broken. Can I get a ride to town? Mm-hmm. So town's the opposite way that we were coming from. Uh, she wanted to go up to Grizzly Flats. And, uh, and so my mom said, yeah, we can give you a ride to town, um, but I've got to come up here and turn around. And in the meantime coming uh behind us is like a guy who lives up in grizzly flats lifted truck kind of like yeah. you know snow snow tires type dude comes in he goes hey actually i i'm going down here and then i'm going to come back up to grizzly flats you can ride with me and the old lady was sort of like well not super comfortable riding by myself with some you know redneck dude yeah. from the mountains and so my mom goes okay well, well what we'll do is because we had a you know my mom we have five kids in our family so we were in the van and um the Ford Aerostar, and uh, we didn't really have room for another person. We could have squeezed somebody in, but my mom's idea was, well, you can ride with that guy, and we'll follow you mm-hmm. so that you feel you know safe. Uh, and I th- kind of think that we sort of knew the guy in the truck. Uh, like my mom's talked about it before, like she knew she knew him, but not like not personally. Yeah, like it was. It's Grizzly Flats, a small town. Sure. Everybody knows kind of everybody. So uh, my aunt Ronnie Sue knew him. And we kind of knew him through that. And so the road's too narrow, though, to turn around um, because it's a mountain road. And so uh, we said, okay, what we'll do is we'll go up. It's about half a mile up, and there's a turnaround point. So, you know, like when you're driving through those mountain roads, they've got this sort of turnoff, sort yes. of gravel. Yeah. So, yeah, we were waiting for one of those. And we knew there was one up, up there because we drove up there a couple times a month to see my aunt. Um, so we said, okay, well, we'll go up there and turn around because, you know, we can't turn around here. Mm-hmm. So we drove up turned around the dude with the big lifted truck also turned around came back and when we got to the bridge no car was there and it was the spookiest thing we had ever like 
So, but did you talk to the woman? The woman was gone. The car was gone. The woman was gone. The dude in the lifted truck was flipping out. He was like, there's no way that lady could have moved this car in 10 minutes. And uh, it was just, the whole thing was gone. And it was just like one of those like weird glitches in the Matrix. Or Wait, so did the woman ride with him? No, no. She was waiting with the car oh. for us to turn around. So, but when we got back to the bridge, everything everything was gone. Everything was normal. There was no debris on the bridge. It was just a... No way. uh, It was wild. And we talk about this to this day. This This was like our only like legit ghost story because it was the weirdest thing. And my mom didn't know what to do. The dude in the lifted truck was just kind of like, I don't, I haven't, he, and... I have no idea how to explain this. There's no way the car could have moved. Yeah. There is. So in retrospect, because we actually go, I go back out to California all the time. And so we go up to this spot and check it out all the yeah. time because it's fun. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, what's going on here? Like, what was that all about? And there is a house that's sort of off of the edge of the bridge further down. But they would have had to have like a tow truck. On the ready. On the ready. Hooked that car up and brooms the whole thing because it had no the the tire had fallen off yeah so and so to this day my mom and I talk about it all the time my older sister was so I was probably seven or eight at the time my older sister is two years older than me so she's nine or ten and uh, my other sister my other two sisters one of them who was not alive at the time remembers it so well because we tell it so often she thinks she was there yeah yeah but. but my youngest sister, or my uh, sister one down from me, was was conscious enough that she does remember as well. And all of us kind of tell the same story, where it's just, we went up the road, turn around. The turnaround is, is less than 10 minutes away. Yeah. Uh, so you turn around, come back. 20 and, minutes. And it's just empty. Just Oof. gone. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool spot, too. We used to go for trout fishing, actually, in that ravine. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, it's, it's like a... It's, it's like sheer rock all the way down the ravine. Okay. And then when you get to the bottom, it's really good trout fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it was just one of those things where you look over the edge. Like, there's no way that this could have just, like, she couldn't have fallen off the edge of the bridge. Right. They would have, I mean, theoretically, in 20 minutes maybe, like there and back, and probably less than 20 minutes, they could have maybe towed her off maybe. to the edge or something. But it was just, it was the most wild, it, to the, like, again, to this day, we talk about this every single time we get together. Yeah. And just anybody references anything spooky, we go, well, is it, was it as spooky as that one time when we were coming down Grizzly Flat Roads? Right. Yeah. And uh, nothing is that spooky. Well, I think that's a good enough place to leave it. And uh, I'm sure we've got another segment queued up next. So I'll leave you guys and catch you on the other side. When we when we first reported, I was I was on cloud nine, uh, just high off of Red Bull. Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And I do have and Red Bull and bacon to be specific. Three um, pieces. Three pieces. That's right. Three I pieces have, of bacon. I've eaten a good amount today, and I am drinking Red Bull, but I am. Uh, it's been a it's been a weird day. You were had, zoinked. I was very time. zoinked. I was very zoinked. Yeah, you, so you're telling me you're not zoinked today? I'm not zoinked. Not zoinked. I'm not um, zoinked. Well, that's not optimal. No. Um, hey, Carr. Hey, guys. 
Uh, Cotton is not zoinked right now. I'm going to turn off my camera. Oh, look at that. It appears that he has gone from not zoinked to zoinked. Well, I I was getting heated in the Discord voice chat a minute ago about Dune. Um, About Dune? (laughs) I have avoided all Dune posting because I don't. Dune related content. Yes. Cotton, Cotton, it's Halloween, man. You got to zoink up. I want you to be zoinked for this occasion. I'm trying. All right, let's I'm help you try. Let's mm-hmm. help you try. Car, how's your Halloween going so far? Very well. It's going very good. well. Yeah. I saw you changed your costume. Sure over. did. Looks good. I like that. I don't know Thank what you. it is. You look like some sort of a bird of some some sort of a uh, uh, parakeet. It's some a bird? living mockery of you, bird. Wow. Mm. I didn't. You don't even pick up on that. Hmm. Interesting. Cotton, how are you? <laughs> well, you know, to be frank, I'm pissed. Um, <laughs> oh, why are you yeah, pissed? Yeah, I'm, I'm upset. Uh, well, I, I don't want to Dune post on the podcast, but I'm going sure. to. I'm oh, sorry. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm angry that that Timothy, Timothy Shalamot, Shalamot, chats a lot. Yeah, I don't, don't yeah. like him. Uh, no, I'm very upset that he exists. Wow, uh, that's almost petty. Just, uh, yes, it is very petty. I'm in a petty mood almost right petty. now. Are you? Is it because he's like a like a twink or something like a well, handsome twink? That's, What's the deal? That's part of it. That's part of it. Do you think mm-hmm. he's? You handsome? don't like twinks. You want to live in a world full of bears. Yes, you're a bear yes. guy. I'm a bear. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a bear yes. land boy. I'm, I'm partial to bears. Yes. Where are we at right now? Uh, he's angry about twinks. Okay. Yeah. He's angry, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's angry about twinks. It is still All Halloween, right. car, but this is a topic worth discussing. I yeah. feel. Put my bird costume mm-hmm. on. Yeah. <laughs> Twinking it up. <laughs> and my well, twinks. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset that people are like people are losing their minds over a movie about a twink and like sand, and it it makes no <laughs> sense. makes no sense the to bravest me. commentary on the afghanistan war also <laughs> wow. the overlap is there a lot of frightening there are a lot of timothy's in afghanistan it's very true that's very true um well look let's you know we had ace on mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if you saw him on the way out um but uh mm-hmm. he's you saw his costume it was atrocious um yeah. I, I like your I, costume I crossed more. the street when i saw him yeah you know, that's what you do uh, and he car. Let me not miscategorize what happened. He was upsetting. Oh, there's no question about it. Very upsetting. He uh, was very upsetting guest. Destabilizing feature of the Halloween episode. I really destabilizing. And to start that way. So Cotton, the point is we're right there with you, man. Mm-hmm. We're right there with you. Um, he really, he brought out some theories. If you can even call them that, that were very yeah. upsetting. They ch- challenged the, the, you know, for a year now, we've been trying to build up, you know, this theory about how the Earth is a line, and mm-hmm. he just comes in here and and is it it cars the word balderdash? Is that a word I can use? He, That's ball, a, he dashes our balls. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's really unfortunate. So yes. we want we want to get you on, mm-hmm. Cotton, because you're gonna be the savior here. You're you know we texted you. We said. 25 minutes ago, we texted you and said, Ace is really blowing our shit up. Please mm-hmm. bring help. us back. Yes. And okay. I think you can bring us back because 
he talked about quantum mechanics, quantum physics, you know how he is. Yeah. And and it's all a bunch of hokum and bullshit. <laughs> and um so we need to be brought back to what Carr and I really uh appeal to is weirdness mm-hmm. um and um other other psycho things. Things for psych right. psycho stuff. Just psycho, psycho stuff. Just psycho stuff. That's Just psycho all yeah. stuff. That's all we ask. That's a t-shirt, by the way. Just psycho stuff. Just psycho stuff. That just is psycho all we ask. Just hashtag just psycho things. <laughs> I'm psychotic and have a podcast t-shirt. <laughs> I'm psychotic and I have a podcast and a gun. Yes. And a gun. <laughs> Walk into the club with my podcast on and my gun out. <laughs> all right. Cool, cool. Well, we're in. We're, yeah, Carl, you, you, Car, you yeah. don't feel very festive right now. I need you to uh, fest it up. I yeah, need you, you to know, fest it up. I, uh, <laughs> you know, when I when I went into back into our back room there to throw this costume on, I I was you may have heard me giggling. I was you know laughing at at, at uh, like I said the mockery that it was about to be, and then I I came out and I'm <clears> feeling like it's more or less deflected off of you, like water off a duck's back. Uh, so that didn't work, and also it's mm-hmm. not very Halloween themed. So I'm feeling very out of place. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You you tried to troll me. Yes, and uh, you yourself was you you yourself were trolled. Yes, mm-hmm. you were by, trolled. Well, that's okay. Uh, not just my co-host, but also the occasion. The occasion, the day. Well, it's okay. We'll bring you back, okay. Cotton. We brought you on for a special reason. Yes. You are uh, an intelligent fellow, and you're also a psychology disrespecter. Yes. Um, yes. And I think our listeners already, their ears are probably perked. You too, listeners, if you've listened for this, to this podcast for long enough, you too have either had to make a decision <laughs> that uh, you need to stop listening or you have to disrespect psychology because that's really the only two choices we've left you with here. Cotton, take it away. Tell us why you disrespect psychology and where we're going from there. So my problem with psychology very simply is that it is trying to uh, use "quote unquote" big S science to unravel the human mind, which, like, I'm I'm 100% sure that science is fake. I'm not even sure the human mind is real, but uh, I do certainly think that aspects of the mind is more real than science. Yeah. Um, but there is the problem of like uh, non verifiability in the human mind and its attributes and also there's a certain infinitude to it that we have no way of uh, unlocking and psychology says no we just need to do you know a ANOVA and we can figure out why so many you know young people like twinks and movies about sand and worms right and right and I, I don't think that that is possible. And but right. that is that psychology's bread and butter, right? Is is trying to come up with reasons why people be acting that mm-hmm. way? Yeah. Right. Well, that's okay. And so, sir, if we're going to abandon this, what do you? What do you? What are we talking about here? What are we? How are we going to debunk this? What are we presented <laughs> with to do so? So, uh, if we are you asking like, what is a good replacement? For psychology well why are you even here you just here to tell us that we oh, can't right right yes so you can't we can't think anymore we can't psychologize which i'm fine oh, I, 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 <laughs> listen man i just want to vibe vibology vibology car's <laughs> little book of vibology <laughs> buoy it up <laughs> okay i'm a buoy for a minute here and uh step back while i buoy and 
I want to talk to you guys about a highly interesting and highly uh, censored section of psychology that no one talks about, and it's very spooky. And uh, it is called parapsychology. And I legitimately think that this is more real than quote unquote psychology as a discipline. It can't be um, less real. It's that is certainly true. Um, now, parapsychology is concerned with the study of things like ESP, telepathy, uh, precognition, clairvoyance. You know, all the all the all that cool stuff. All the X Men. You know, uh, what's his name, uh, Professor Xavier shit. Um, and <laughs> that's a hell of a name. <laughs> that's his name, name, right? Him? The wheelchair I don't know, guy? Professor Xavier shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's his name. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, so, and, uh, so, it, <laughs> and I think that, uh, I do think that one, one aspect that is clearly real and as you know, all of us are Dexter de la Paz respecters here Huge, and, man. uh, we uh we all know that synchronicity is real very true and explain that for our listeners though so synchronicity is last night or it was two nights ago here's an example of synchronicity i was in a youtube stream and i was bullying a friend of mine that was streaming and i was calling him you know i, I said things like you know he looks like he just got a good review at his uh job as a junior banker and things like that <laughs> and, a friend who may be <laughs> appearing on this podcast shortly <laughs> so, no no it wasn't but i, I don't want to say his name because he's okay. Turkish. but is it, yeah. in, is it ended in scene <laughs> i don't want to say not... his name because he's turkish it's <laughs> 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 legendary okay cool <laughs> so um and i was uh i was doing uh, we were bullying him uh ace and i and I was thinking of a joke that, that involved uh, a reference to the Tuskegee experiments. Mm -hmm. And okay. those are those always go. Those always go. I'm in a mood. Um that's a yeah, that's always that's always rich material. <laughs> and um but I could not you know, it's really it's the go anywhere of comedy. It's it's your alternative. Yeah. Uh, it'll go anywhere. Don't make me pull Very out the Tuskegee boy. jokes. <laughs> it's like the Swiss Army knife of humor, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what, what, what's the crowd going to be like tonight? No idea. All right, I'll probably start with Tuskegee. <laughs> so I was trying, but I could not remember the word Tuskegee. So, and I was talking to Ace, and I'm like, oh, what's that? What's that experiment? Oh, oh, and. And as I was looking at y'all, ever heard of injected figures? <laughs> <laughs> was that the joke that I thought it was? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, did the Nazis invent syphilis? Uh, that is a spooky question. Um, but That's so true. I was trying to remember. Was that the not word. part of the joke? It was. <laughs> was, was that just Aslan? Because I gotta tell you. Stabilized here. Oh, I gotta tell oh. you. Do, do I have do I do I have permission to moose this podcast real quick, Bert? Absolutely, yeah. So, the car. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> have you um have you heard of the movie Hidden Figures? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's doing it. He's doing it. <laughs> tell him. Tell him about hidden figures, Cotton. Tell him about Car. This is a joke he's told about two hundred <laughs> times, and I've heard it probably a hundred and ninety times. So, uh, hidden figures is a movie about how uh, in the uh, the sixties how black women basically invented NASA. Um. Okay. And. <laughs> <laughs> So my question to you, Carr, is what do black women and Nazis have in common? Don't they invented NASA? Yes, very yes. That's the fun <laughs> spot. <laughs> All right, we got <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's the reaction. That's the reaction everyone gives. Jesus. Jeez! <laughs> they guess the an- they guess the answer every time because he has to ask if you've heard about the entire joke <laughs> before he tells. It. Yes, yes. Fuck! I'm so glad we got that on the Halloween special, dude. I just sapped my energy. That's. That took me. <laughs> I went from destabilized to restabilized to just completely unsupported. Oh my god. That dude, Car, your answer is the answer. You, that's every single person responds the same way. And then they go, What's funny about that? And then you hear it 12 oh. more times. <laughs> oh. It's like a fraternal oh, hazing where <laughs> that's a right you of hated passing. it when you had to go through it and then you hear yeah. other people have to go through it <laughs> unbelievable oh oh, oh my god all right well let's that's get back to parasite back to psychology yeah oh my god that was incredible <laughs> so, so oh we were talking about synchronicity yes um uh, so uh, so back to the tuskegee experiment um i was trying to remember the name of it and all i said to ace was like oh what's the name of that experiment and he immediately went oh the tuskegee experiment Mm. and we had the you know we're the gif of like uh the the wavelengths like going between two people's brains Mm -hmm. you know that's (laughs) that's, that's synchronicity Uh um and so we have at least thus far one aspect of parapsychology that is more real than the entirety of big P psychology. Um, Which is synchronicity, the, the yes, idea that two yes. people's minds can be synced on the same subject because of, well, who knows? Uh, uh, psycho, uh, uh, psychotronics. Yeah. Oh, boy. We're going to get into that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How long have we been going? I don't know. I don't man. know, dude. I don't know. Dude. Days, probably days at this point. It's got to be right. It's like a long time. Forty-eight hours, fifty. Who knows? See, we got him zoinked, but we got you zoinked now. Now you're zoinked. Yeah. Now you're zoinked. I'm zoinked. I get. Oh yeah, man. My my. Uh, yeah, my heart starts racing whenever I am lucky enough to to tell the NASA joke to an unwitting. <laughs> A German, no less. A German, <laughs> an unwitting German. Oh, um, 
So, all right. <clears throat> so parapsychology is uh, a black ball discipline in uh, psychology now. You know, they, they, the, the, the quote unquote, you know, psychology researchers uh, use all the, the normal words like, you know, it's bunk. It is, uh, it is fraudulent. Quackery. And quackery. Bogus. Bogus. It is, uh, you know, just a bunch of magicians, basically. Magicians with a K. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, if I saw, if I see magic with a K, I, I freak out. If I see magician, the word magician <laughs> with, with a, a K. fucking K in there. <laughs> That'll freak you out, huh? You be... oh, God. <laughs> man, I love what you've done here, Cotton. This episode has just been car taking punches on the chin over and over. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring, bring right into the energy to the to the Halloween is, special. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. God. Um. So, the psychology uh, treats parapsychology as if it is just fake. Uh. Uh. M- m- magicery mm-hmm. and um but th- we should mention that there are two major universities that have done uh experiments in parapsychology so the first is stanford university in the early 20th century and they were the first academic institution in america to undergo a uh somewhat controlled study of esp and psychokinesis which is very similar i like those words i like those words the uh, tel aviv campus (laughs) 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 punch back gotta punch back (laughs) i'm gonna get you off my back here i'm gonna get you (laughs) and um they they conducted uh, ten thousand experiments, which is an insane number. Ten thousand, and they did not find anything for ESP. Um, but in nineteen thirty, uh, Duke University began doing their own research in uh, parapsychology, and it was spearheaded by a man named J. B. Ryan. Now, J.B. Ryan is kind of famous in the world of parapsychology because he helped to form the uh, Parapsychological Association. Oh, sounds based. mm -hmm. And in their constitution, it says to advance parapsychology as a science, to disseminate knowledge of the field, and to integrate the findings with those of other branches of science. Oh, okay. And it is... It is actually uh, a part of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, which is a massive institution. Hmm. And it still is a part of uh, the AAAS. Now, so thus far, we have an idea, I think, of what parapsychology is. It is basically the scientific study of spooky shit, you know, in our brains. Wait, uh, is it also, would you say, like the way the human mind is able to affect the world around it? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yes. Um, now, there is a specific type of experiment called a Gansfeld experiment. Now, to understand what uh, my, my big point and the spookiest shit of uh, parapsychology, we need to understand how a Gansfeld experiment is undergone. Uh, they find someone, you know, they, the researchers, find someone that claims to have some sort of extrasensory perception. And they put them in a room and they cover their eyes with uh, ping pong balls for some reason. And okay. <laughs> they cut the ping pong balls in half. And uh, I think this they just do sounds that. like a lead up to do a they, joke, doesn't it, Carl? Do, do, yeah, do they color pupils on them just so they look more normal during the experiment? <laughs> uh, no, but they should. They definitely should. Yeah, write that down. Um, yeah, right, I got it. I ran that. I'm Childsburg. Gansfeld pupil experiment. Yeah, we're like, we're gonna see if you can fucking move this rock. Taking selfies with them. They look like a complete retard. Some of them are looking in different directions. Here, put this on. Is that a wig? Yeah, put it on. It's a fucking clown wig. That's good. But in that, that's even better because they also uh, give them headphones and play like really loud white noise so they can't Rush. hear anything. Oh, okay. well, no, yeah, no, white no. noise. White noise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on. I'm zoinked, bros. I'm back in. <laughs> back in. Heroically back in. Charging back in. Wow. So the Gansfeld, the Gansfeld kind. Yes, the Gansfeld. Um, so uh, what they would do is they would cover their eyes and ears, take away their sight and uh, hearing ability. And they would have someone. Uh, <laughs> they also take away the hearing ability with ping pong balls. <laughs> Insulated Parrot. ping pong balls. No. <laughs> For some reason, everything is just ping pong <laughs> Looking like a fucking one of those squeeze toys with the, where the eyes pop out. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> let's see if you let's see if you let's, can move this rock. Let's just make pretend that we find stuff so we get more funding. We can do it again. <laughs> Dude, the ping pong ball budget is insane. <laughs> Gotta be massive, yeah. <laughs> It's wrapped in. If you go far down uh, enough in the defense budget, you'll see the ping pong ball ping section. Ping, <laughs> ping pong has been, has, been, has been added again. More ping pong balls. More, I've signed a bill for more ping pong balls. You know what we want. More, more ping pong balls. <laughs> oh my God. We're never, never going to find out what the experiment is. <laughs> we, I think we already did. <laughs> I'm having the time it of my was, life. Was, the experiment was exactly this. It was just a good time. It was just, it was just a bunch of dudes being guys. Baby. Yeah. Throwing yeah. out. Really throwing out. Millions of dollars on ping pong balls. That's I want to well, dressing up their friends in goofy stuff. We, when, we, when we attempted to record this the first time, you at least got to the point where you told us the results of it. You need to yes. tell us. 
if okay. anyone was able to move that rock. Well, so wait, wait, why are we getting all these other details on this one? Because I don't remember the ping pong balls. <laughs> <laughs> he did extra, Kari did extra research. Wow, wow kudos to you, sir. It's hidden in the, uh, it's hidden in the files oh. that got released by the New York Times. There's mm-hmm. a lot of ping pong balls involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did, he did Obama. a control F on, he did a control F on ping pong balls. <laughs> Obama ordering sixty three thousand <laughs> ping pong balls. <laughs> so continue so um (laughs) they would either have someone uh behind a uh a a pane of glass thinking about something like thinking about like an elephant or Mm -hmm. you know a ping pong paddle or something (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and uh they would um have the person uh you know with the you know covered in ping pong balls Mm -hmm. um (laughs) <laughs> trying to like you know uh, envision what the other person is thinking and uh, or what they would have is they would have like a picture or a word uh, in a, like a manila envelope that the uh, the ping pong <laughs> person <laughs> was not a uh, uh, cognizant to the guy they... is covered in ping pong balls <laughs> and Aaron walks into the room carrying manila envelope <laughs> <laughs> Hold out your hand, sir. <laughs> what word am I thinking of? He says. <laughs> <laughs> the guy nervously, Just the guy shaking, nervously clutching his collar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got the middle of envelope, but it's shaking just a little bit because he's <laughs> slightly cold in there. He's a little bit nervous. <laughs> so. I'm about to I'm about to ruin the vibe, and I'm going to mention a little bit of math oh. when it comes to <laughs> when it comes right. to uh, you know ping pong ball studies uh, of the mind. Um, so when a when someone undergoes a psychological experiment, you get a number based off the type of test you run the numbers through, but you get one number, and that number, I think it's R or no, it's it's P has to be. Uh, ping, above, yet yeah, P for ping pong. That's right. Big P psychology. Um, yeah. It has to be above a certain like threshold number to be considered significant. Now, these Ganfeld experiments, Ganfeld experiments, were consistently and still are technically statistically significant, hmm. meaning that uh, enough people were accurately thinking of a ping pong paddle or you know uh aaron's word um (laughs) the aaron word the aaron word (laughs) uh, the aaron slur um that uh there was something not random going on and uh i find that quite spooky and interesting yeah it's extremely fucking weird Like in all seriousness, we t- it's fucking weird mm-hmm. because theoretically, if it's a random word each time, there should be no chance that yeah. they guess the same word. I mean, like with the joke last time was, well, if they were guessing the word elephant, the fucking building is shaped like an elephant. I wonder yeah. how they guessed the elephant. But like you can't do that. You can't reshape the building. You can't, you know, like if everybody's yeah. going, all right, roller coaster, elephant, hot dog see see anemone like just mm-hmm. various things it doesn't there's no way you're gonna guess that i'm gonna do it right now okay cotton i want you to guess 
What word am I thinking? Oh, uh, mozzarella. No, spoon. I was thinking Damn. of spoons. So you hmm. fucking failed. You fucked failed. that one up. I, I Get the fuck out of here, man. You know what? Nice. Get I'm off sorry. of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. No, it's fucking really difficult, dude. It's not, you, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no chance. It's not a chance. Yeah. It's just impossible. So the fact mm-hmm. that it's not, not only one person got it right, but the fact that you're telling me it's a statistically significant amount of people got the, got the answer right mm-hmm. is fucking weird extremely spooky it is extremely spooky now uh here's where the u.s military gets involved um the boys in are ni- back. The- <laughs> in 1978 in at fort meade maryland um a, a little known project called the stargate project was born and the Stargate project was created in response to the belief that the Soviets were undergoing uh, parapsychological experiments to try to create psychic spies that can uh, view, like, aerially in their mind different parts of the world and uh, tap into others' consciousness using, what's the word, psychonometrics. Or something along those lines, um, which I, I I don't think that we know if the Soviets were doing that, but it was just the belief that they were that the U.S. military was like, all right, we're going to create some X Men uh, and uh, get yeah, some like, mind readers. Like the same thing with the moon landing. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't really happen, but we had to convince them that it did. Yes. Mm. So. Um. There is a man, y'all might remember him. His name is Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller. Three-time um, TLE co-host. Mm-hmm. Yuri Geller. I think you're going to have him on after me, actually. Um, <laughs> and it's a, a descendant. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so... Uh, Yuri Geller is now known as a somewhat famous magician. And uh, he is known in the context of Stargate because they underwent these Gansfeld experiments on him. And he was just hitting it out of the park all the time on like, every question. <laughs> Toyota. And this- <laughs> <laughs> Shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. <laughs> Ping pong ball. <laughs> Ping pong ball. Matt well, yeah, I mean, like the, the <laughs> Matt Damon. Tibetan Buddhist. <laughs> Underwear. <laughs> Hidden figures. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking it out of the park like fucking really. <laughs> No, I can't Getting it. every single one, and people are like, "All right, what the fuck is going on?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and eventually, the experiments were so successful that a number of big names in psychology traveled to Maryland to observe them, and uh, either out of being scared or jealousy. They suggested that uh, the government stop funding this research, and the government did on uh, the the on specifically Yuri Geller. 
Um, but speaking of Ace, he turned me on to something that I was not aware of the first time we recorded. There is a man that they um, that was a part of Project Stargate. And, oh, I'm trying to find his name. His name, he has a very, like, uh, Scottish Harry Potter name. Um, it's Mick Moneagle. Okay. And, and he really is, uh, no, to do with that cotton, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> and he is the premier psychic spy in America. <laughs> <laughs> How do we fucking get that title? Okay. McNeagle, Joseph McNeagle, premier psychic spy in America. (laughs) Neo-reactionary blogger. (laughs) Oh, fuck. By the way, Yuri Geller, if you Google him, you you go on his Wikipedia page, the first thing it cites is his ability to spoon bend, which I think is also an excellent thing that he can do. But uh, McNeagle? McMeagle. You did not tell us about McMeagle at all no. last time. We knew nothing um, of the McMeagle. So there's a, a very famous story about uh, McNeagle. You're having trouble there. I am. <laughs> You're getting a little spoon bent. <laughs> no, somebody was just tampering around in God's brain there for a <laughs> Yuri Geller heard his name mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, He's fucking tapping he in now. He just sent a bunch of psychic energy in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> the subject of this episode is Cotton trying to explain something, and he's experiencing ESP interference ESP during the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is one of those segments where everyone is like, this is amazing. This was your best episode ever. Or they're like, this is not funny. I'm turning this shit off. (laughs) (laughs) There's no middle ground for this one. There's no middle ground. Listeners are in at this point. You're locked in. Holy fuck. So Mick Moneagle, uh, psychic spy (laughs) extraordinaire. um, Yeah underwent one of these Gansfeld experiments and someone just handed him a folder and said hold the folder and tell us what you see and he said I'll just read you the transcript he says okay I'm seeing uh it's like a perception of a shadow of people very tall thin it's only a shadow it's as if they were there and they're not not there anymore uh he says i keep seeing very large people they appear thin and tall and they're very large uh wearing some kind of strange clothes he also said he saw obelisks and um roads and pyramids now and he said they're dying it's past their time what was in the folder was a typed piece of paper that said the planet Mars 1 million years BC. 
Oh my god. <laughs> so, what the fuck? One million. That sounds like something they wrote when they were high. Well, <laughs> one billion one, BC. It, <laughs> a thousand BC. No, 10,000 BC. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> So we got a psychic one perception million. that one billion BCs ago, people uh-huh. on Mars were turned into ashes by some sort of an explosion or something. That's that what trying to we think. Them? Okay. That is what we yeah. think. Now, so that is weird, of course. That's fucking but, weird. But, uh, what's his name? McMoneagle? McMoneagle. McMoneagle. Um, McMoneagle. Uh, also, famously, uh, astrally projected a. <laughs> Why would that? It came on strong. <laughs> I immediately thought of a guy jizzing on someone. Yeah, it, it sounded very like sexual and aggressive. <laughs> astrally projected. He astrally projected. That's a crime in 48 states. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> this is the this is the hardest I've ever laughed while recording a podcast. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> um, so <clears throat> he was astrally projecting a, uh, a section of the ocean, and he claimed to see a Soviet submarine. And they went to the coordinates he gave, and there was an actual submarine there. No fucking now that yep. is really weird. That's uh-huh. real? Yes. It's real. That actually happened. You can find that on the uh whoops. On the CIA Project Stargate documents that really? they released. Yes. Wow. That's fucking yep. weird, man. That's really fucking yeah. weird. Oh, and also this article about it uh is written by a man named Jacob Brogan. Okay. And um I don't really have anything for that, but I do like the name Brogan. <laughs> yeah, I like the name Brogan yeah, as well. Good. <laughs> that's good. So we learned today that uh, ESP is real. Yeah. I assume. Is that what you're trying to communicate here? Yes. Or I'm, I'm saying it's at least more real than 99% psychology. of things that you hear about with dealing with psychology. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I just astrally protected, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> just saw my whole life. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's what I was thinking, bro. Well, you're about to record with one, bro. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Wow>. Man. <laughs> really jabbing him right there. Yeah. Wow, really astrally jabbing him. That's wild stuff. We should get yeah, Ace was... back on to fucking argue for four hours about whether or not you can astrally project through someone's property and it's not a nap violation. <laughs> Dude, that's that's just a Walter Block book if he took LSD. <laughs> Walter Block book, is astral projection a form of coming? <laughs> <laughs> if like, I what... astrally project with my friends a few times in college, am I gay? <laughs> Technically. See, do y'all remember when like uh, the hippies would go out to Joshua Tree and sun their buttholes? Like, all their... <laughs> 
Yes. Yes, what? I do. I do remember that story. You don't, yeah. you don't know about that car? Oh, I do remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when I first, when Ace told me about, when he mentioned the astrally projecting, that's what I thought that was, but, like, with some mystical, like, they're wearing crystals, you know, on their body somewhere or something and just sunning their butthole. And, right. and they got something out of it. And that's what I thought astral projecting was. But no, it's apparently something totally different and, um, and kind of cool and uncool at the same time. It was, it was kind of a letdown, but also it's interesting that like they're giants on Mars, 1 million BC. Yeah, that's fucking, that's weird. And then it's somebody correctly calling where the location of a Soviet submarine is mm -hmm. actually something we should look into. Like, that's really odd. And then well, it got they defunded. Fucking all of this anyway. You know, I'm fucking, no, they, they, their shit got pushed underground because it was working too well. <laughs> yeah, whenever they you fucking, look at the budget. There's little, like, fucking little Sheldon type people that they right. have in the fucking basement of the NSA facility who they fucking poke with sticks and they go, all mm -hmm. right, who's not paying their taxes? And they fucking, oh, this yeah. guy, this address, and they can fucking so, tell. Like, the audit, yeah. Yeah, they're talking, everybody freaking out over how Fauci killed 40 to 50 beagle puppies with his bare hands. Go walk into that fucking NSA facility and tell me I've got kids strapped to chairs that can fucking tell you the name and address of anybody who doesn't pay their taxes. Well, you That's... know, this was literally a South Park episode. Is it really? <laughs> Is yes. <that> really? <laughs> yes. Cartman went to the NSA and they found out the reason or the, the their ability to keep track of everyone stems from them having Santa hooked like his brain hooked up to their computers in the basement. That's pretty spooky. That is that's yeah. South, and that's South Park is history. Spooky. That's true. So, so we learned sunning your butthole, um, right. not ESP. <laughs> right. You might need some SPF. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, zinger. Man. What else we got? What else we got, Cotton? Regale that's us all, once more. That's all I have. I'm just, you know, I, I came got, into man? this. I came into this recording and I was in a bad mood. Um, wow. I, I got to talk, I got to use the word astrally project and I got mm -hmm. to tell Carr the NASA joke. I'm on yeah, cloud nine good. right now. I am, I'm yeah. zoinked. That was uh, good. and before we go, I do want to mention one thing that I mentioned the first time we recorded on the lost recording. Uh, the first episode of Fagcast I ever listened to was the Halloween episode in 2019. That was Dang. my introduction to you guys. So now. Two years later, it's, we've it's, been to Childeberg cool, together. We've shared mm -hmm. a lot of laughs. It's full circle, man. We've astrally projected a few times yeah, together. In the yeah, yeah. If you and your friend astrally project onto this biscuit and then you both eat it, <laughs> is, is that gay? <laughs> Listen, I've been I've been trying really hard to astrally project and find out Jay's routing number for his bank account. Uh huh. Yeah, you'll um, never get it. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, he's got one of those where it changes every three days and they email right. him a code that that yes. <laughs> dissolves after 10 minutes of non-use. Yeah, he, he's got that hookup. He's got the hookup. I, you know, I didn't ask this on the lost recording, but I figure I might as well do it now. It is Halloween. Cotton, before you go, can you regale us? Maybe I believe it was October 1st. You began. Okay. I began a hashtag. Oh yes. Known as the GF challenge. Yes. 
because you had set out a very noble quest to spur yourself to action, mm -hmm. you know, to begin the process of looking for a GF. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not you were successful, success is not the measure of a man. It's how hard he tries. Right. And I'm just curious. I'd like to know the, the, the story, how it's been. Do you recommend other people set themselves a GF challenge? What, what, what cautions would you give to those who embark on such a quest? Things like that. Regale us. Yes. Cotton, okay. how's it been? Absolutely. So uh, it's been good. I've, I've, I've gotten a lot of skills. I have, uh, in doing things not directly related to the GF challenge, but just to make it slightly easier, I have uh, worked out a lot and have lost a decent amount of weight. I have uh, successfully secured my bag and got that Skrill in my bank account. Great. Uh, and I have talked, this is insane, I've, and I'm not even making this up, I have probably talked to with romantic intent and they had their, they had knowledge of this. I've probably talked to about 15 different girls this month. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's a... That just goes to show you, man, dating is hard. It is. And, and not a single one of them worked out and it was all, I think one of them was them and the rest were me going like, yeah, no, this, this isn't it. Just you haven't found the one. You didn't find mm -hmm. the one to fulfill the challenge. The girl who you could astrally project into. And... Yes. <laughs> Right, right, right. And be with for the remainder of your days. Mm -hmm. It's okay, but I'm seeing that the story isn't, you know, it's not whether or not you got to the end. It's the journey along the way. Yep. And that's all I have to say, Cotton. I'm really proud of you. That's that's it. I'm Thank proud you. of you. Me too, buddy. Proud of you, bud. Really proud. I'm losing it. weight, always a good thing, mm -hmm. uh, unless you are underweight or starving. Um, mm -hmm. and finding like Timothy a GF. Chalamot. Chilami Tomathe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like that. Um, stay twinked, listeners. Cotton, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've had uh, Slurp Gang be plugged here, but please, all the plugs that you'd like to give out, please, please do. Okay. So check out Slurp Gang on all the podcatchers. It's one word, I think, but I don't really know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's very um, fair, to be honest. <laughs> And and uh, and I'm Cotton Arcist on Twitter, but y'all y'all probably know me. Astrally projected me when you listen to this. Yeah, and, hit um, him up. Hit, hit me up. You know, I'm down to you know uh, do a little joint astrally projecting. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm ch I'm chilling. Carr did not understand at the time how prescient his words would be when he said. It's a living mockery of you, bird. But there were other matters to attend to at the time, such as Cotton and his understanding of synchronicity. It's not merely enough for two minds to be joined in thought. It's about the universe aligning around a pattern that should not be. And after Ace's tampering with the timeline itself, Who's to say how many more we will see, where we will see them, or what their implication will be? So you see, the slow descent into madness. What had began as a purely innocent costume party had been on a long, low slope 
towards things darker than any of them could have possibly imagined. What Carr and Jake found in that cemetery, what Ace willed into existence by noticing the fundamental flaws of reality, what Jay welcomed into their common areas by invoking their names. None of them, I repeat, none of them, were prepared for the milieu of pure evil they had wrought that night. To know how their story ends, however, perhaps it would be best if we called up their spirits to tell us the end themselves. Great. Again. We, um, we're here. We're, we're nearing the conclusion. How are you feeling, Carr? Man, I'm feeling a little uh, spooked, a little scared. You're spooked out? Yeah. You're spooked out? Yeah. Well, between every other recording and this recording, which, as you know, the show's live, mm-hmm. I managed to get anesthesia, <laughs> and I managed to get surgery on my meniscus, or whatever yeah. the fuck. Yeah, it was. I was zonked. It was great. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So that was, makes three knee surgeries out. among uh, all the co-hosts? Aaron's a big guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he's had one. Yeah, maybe. He's had hopping. Maybe he's not a guy who hops around a lot. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a hopper, but... Um... A hopper, yeah. And I may need to go back and get another surgery. That'll be exciting. Uh, because, check this out, The the, mini- the it wasn't a meniscus I found out, which is great to hear after the surgery concludes yeah. when you wake up, the doc goes, oh yeah, it wasn't your meniscus. <laughs> nice. Very good. Very good. Doc. I got a fucking olive-sized hole where the cartilage should be in my left uh-huh. knee now, so... Yeah, I don't know. I'm probably gonna have to go back for another surgery, and they're probably gonna have to, you know, put in more cartilage. Yeah, import really some, know. bring some, import in. some. Yeah, from one of those Epstein Islands or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, plenty of cartilage out there. Stuff. Oh yeah, buddy. Well, um, how are you feeling about the Halloween spooktacular this Man, year? Man, I feel great about it. I feel great. I feel, I feel really too. good. Mm-hmm. I do. I wish it was longer. We, I know we said we wanted to keep it at a limit. I have no idea how long it is because I haven't edited it at to this point of us doing this, even though this is live, as you know. I wish it was a little longer, but um, this year was extremely hectic, and I'm not really sure why, but uh, lots of things happened, lots of changes in the lives of the co-hosts, um, and I'm proud, proud of the product. I like Me this too. one. Me too. Um, yeah. And I think we got a lot ahead of us. Um, looking forward to November. Um, because turkey season, mm-hmm. looking forward to doing the classic Rollo and Slappy episode we always do every turkey season, yep. where we essentially, I think we do the same exact episode each time and ask them what their favorite Thanksgiving foods are, and right. the answers never change. And, Which is and good. It's it. consistent. It's consistent. It's very, We're consistent. It's easy for us. Yeah. It's easy for us. Easy for the so listeners. They don't have any curveballs. They don't have any curveballs. That's balls, true. And you, and you know what I'm really excited for? What's that, Birdo? In December, when we near the end of the year, we always do the awards. The glueies. And the glueies have been a real staple of the show, just like this episode has. I'm really looking forward to starting to put those together, especially because, well, this year there may be a physical prize. There okay. may be a physical prize to the winner. Yeah. Is, it, uh, may, is uh, it some cartilage? I, uh, no, that would be my prize. Um, okay. I think we're in 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 the uh, a, a good friend of ours has created for us a three D printable statue. Okay, uh, a trophy, if you will, for the All winner right. of the main award. I am really excited for that. It's very exciting stuff. 
Um, so we got a lot to look forward to. 2022 holds a lot as well. A lot of shit. A lot of yep. stuff happening. 2022 is going to be a real hoot. A, a hoot, my friend. It's going to be a real hoot. Um, we learned about uh, things including, uh, you know, that quantum mechanics thing still pisses me off, man. Yeah, I'm still pretty riled up about it, but Really that's fine. angry. It's nothing a couple claws can't fix. A couple claws? I'll have a yeah. claw. Let me get a claw over there. Get what one. Do you do? What is this outfit you have on right now? Dude, I'm going as my uh, favorite serial killer. Ted Bundy? Yep. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Barely dressed up at all. I was going to say, you <laughs> told me distinctly that you were going to be in a costume, really, for yeah. this final recording. Yeah. And now you're telling me that the costume you, you're, you are is just you. Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. How Good do you stuff. like that? How do you like them apples? Good stuff. Yeah. Wow. We, uh, what else did we learn uh, this year? We learned about uh, fake psychology. Fake psychology. Uh, we learned Some about demonry. Demonry and exorcisms. We learned about secret societies. Me and Jake roamed around a graveyard. Yeah, we learned. I, I, I got on with Nicholas Blanchard, and we talked about fucking plugging in, and uh, everybody dies, stuff like that. Great cool. fun. Yeah. And Paz is hosting. Pause pause hosting. hosting. That's probably the most exciting. Yeah, that's that's the most exciting. Yeah, dude, this is uh, you know, it's pause's day. It's 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 uh, day. You know, the uh, universe, all the planets align for pause on on uh, on this day. So, uh, thanks a bunch, pause for for hosting. And uh, man, I'm I'm excited. Me too. Let's carry on. Uh, Let's move forward. Car, do you have any final words for the listeners? Um, just happy Halloween. How about that? Pretty generic, pretty vanilla, pretty basic bitch, but uh, have a have a good one, guys. I agree. Happy Halloween, everybody. Go get uh, spooky. Ooh. <laughs> That's, I, I love it every time. That's the worst. That is the worst thing we do, and I so love it terrible. every time. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I will not stop. I won't stop. <laughs> We're, oh, see you around. See you later, everyone. Maybe next week or the week after. I know we might need to take a break. God. <laughs> Ooh.